Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Hour. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Hamas strongly criticized what they labeled as outrageous lies following the release of evidence by Israel's defense forces. The IDF claims this evidence supports their assertion that the explosion at a Gaza hospital last night, resulting in the deaths of hundreds, was caused by a rocket misfire originating from Palestinian Islamic Jihad. In response to the IDF's presentation, Hamas dismissed the Israeli military's evidence as fabricated and stated that its outrageous lies do not deceive anyone. This statement came shortly after a spokesperson for Islamic Jihad accused the IDF of attempting to cover up what they referred to as a horrifying crime and massacre against civilians. The IDF had previously shared an audio recording obtained through Israeli military intelligence in which two individuals alleged to be Hamas members are heard discussing the explosion. They confirm in the audio that the rocket responsible for the incident came from Palestinian Islamic Jihad, an independent jihadist group. It's from us? It looks like it. Who says this? They're saying that the shrapnel from the missiles, local shrapnel, and not like Israeli shrapnel. President Joe Biden arrived in Israel on Wednesday morning for a visit aimed at providing reassurance to all sides amidst a deepening regional crisis. He began the trip with a public display of solidarity, embracing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu as Israel mourned the loss of over 1,300 lives in the recent terror attack. Biden wasted no time addressing the situation, indicating that initial findings suggested it was not Israel, but rather the other team responsible for the massive blast that devastated Gaza Hospital, claiming the lives of 500 people. It brought them only suffering. You know, uh... Years ago, I asked the Secretary of State when he and I were working in the Senate to write something for me, and he said, uh, he wrote a line that uh, I think is appropriate. He said, uh, it's not, we lead, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it, I'll wait later, taking too much time, but the point is this, that uh, um, I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, a lot, we've got to overcome a lot of things. U.S. President Joe Biden accepted an invitation from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to visit the country in a gesture of support. However, White House officials are concerned for President Biden's safety there, believing Hamas may target the U.S. president. Such a trip during Israel's armed conflict with Hamas militants could become one of the highlights of the Biden presidency, 
similar to his unannounced visit to Kiev in February. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says President Biden is only going there for the photo op. Well, we can't forget that this is an election year coming up. We're into the election cycle, and there is no better photo op for any U.S. president, especially an incumbent, than the big photo op standing on the aircraft carrier, standing on the deck of the USS Gerald Ford docked off the coast of Israel. Biden wearing the bomber jacket with the American Eagle patches, the commander-in-chief, the black chips sunglasses. That's the photo op that everybody wants going into an election. And certainly that's the only reason that Biden's going over there is for those images and to be seen to be standing shoulder to shoulder with America's greatest friend and ally, as they say, the state of Israel. But the thing is, why is Biden going to go right now in the middle of what is an impending genocide as Israel is mounting its ground war to move into Gaza? This is going to be Bad optics for Joe Biden on so many different levels. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Good morning. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards. Thank you very much for joining me. Now, let's have a look at some weather, shall we, for the country, for New Zealand. I've just got to tab my way around here. Uh, where are we? Just, blah, 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 there we go. Uh, let's first of all look at the extremes. And now this uh, is just a fresh one, I think, come out recently, is it? Oh, for goodness sake, they're still not up yet. Let's I'll have a quick refresh. It should have, should have been here by 5 o'clock. And uh, what are we up to now? Almost six minutes past, and it doesn't look like we've got one. So we've got last night's. I'm sorry, that's the best I can give you. Uh, so, but but we do have the latest temperatures. That's that's something that's in real time. So Kaitaia right now at the moment at six minutes past five, uh, you've got 16.2 degrees. The coldest place in the country, 2.4 in Twizel, 2.4 degrees Celsius, of course, for the international people listening. Wellington City is the windiest, but not very windy, just 22 kilometres per hour wind there. The wettest place is the airport at Palmerston North and uh, 0.3 millimetres is there. The uh, temperature is going right across the country. We've got Invercargill and Stewart Island battling it out for first place. Nine degrees for you. Dunedin's on 10. Quite warm for this time of the morning. Uh, no reading in the Chatham Islands at the moment. Queenstown has six degrees. France Joseph's on five along with Timaru. Christchurch and uh, yes, Christchurch and Nobody, they're all on their own at nine degrees. Oh no, Invercargill and of course got Stewart Island. They're all on nine degrees at the moment. Across to the south uh, west, west coast of the South Island and we've got uh, Westport, 7 degrees for you and uh, Nelson's on 11, quite warm there today in the Tasman Bay and uh, Blenheim, uh, just across, just sort of sort of south south, uh, what would you call it, south uh, southeast I suppose it would be West, that's uh, Blenheim, 6 degrees for you across the ditch there to Wellington 12 degrees at the capital city with all the corrupt politicians uh, housed that we've, we voted for them <laughs> we voted for them, uh, gosh that, that, if you think about it, if uh, if it's true that um, the NZ Loyal Party only only got um, 27, roughly 27,000 votes which are still huge compared to Freedoms NZ I think they only got, um, that's the Tamaki Party, what did they get? 6,000 or something like that, so they're, they're doing very well. I, th- I think it's really good, and I've heard uh, just yesterday that Liz Gunn is very, very unwell. Uh, she has a, I hope I'm allowed to say this, but it sound, sounds like a lung infection, uh, so ho- hopefully sh- soon that she will be able to speak to her supporters. Anyway, um, yep, yeah, so all the corrupt politicians. So that means that we've got 27,000 
uh, honest people in the country that voted for did did the right thing, including Christians. Only twenty seven thousand of of the voters, if this is true, if the figures are true, I mean there are probably more with the special votes, but twenty seven thousand. That's all we've got in the whole country of voters. I think there was what? How, how many people voted? I don't know, a million or so, maybe two. I don't know, can't remember. Um, what did National get? They got about nine hundred thousand, didn't they? And uh, what did New Zealand First get? I don't know. With six six percent. So Liz took a good one percent off him, uh, and so she should because well, it's not just Liz; it's the party, the NZ Loyal Party. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so that's all we've got. Twenty-seven thousand of us, uh, you know, honest people, people with integrity, uh, that will vote for the right thing instead of just voting for this corrupt politician, Winston Peters, uh, because he's got experience and he's he's going to get them over the line. They they seem to think they've forgotten. They've got amnesia. They seem to forget all the lies, all the promises that he he's made over his career that he's gone back on. Uh, so he hasn't done much for this. This you know he campaign. He knows how to tickle your ears. So he campaigns. Um, he campaigns for the things you want to hear. He knows he's not silly. He's very wild. <laughs> he's very he's very clever. Anyway, let me get back to the weather. Where did I get there? I got to Masterton, didn't I? Yes, we're in the we're in the bot. What are we? The sort of the bottom of the North Island. Masterton five degrees. Or did I get further up? No, Napier's on twelve. Palmerston North fourteen. A 13 in New Plymouth, that's the east coast there, next to Mount Egmont, we call it. Egmont. Uh, it's got some other name now, but I can't remember what it is. Terra something. Knacking um, at something. Uh, Rotorua, what have you got? No reading today from Rotorua, but I'm I'm sort of picking because Hamilton's on 15, Tarpo's on 15, so's Gisborne. I'd say, I don't know, what are you saying? It's a long shot, maybe 15 degrees. Uh, Tarong is also on 15, a lot of 15s today. Uh, Auckland is a wee bit chillier, 13 degrees for you. Uh, Whangarei 16, and so is Kaitai with 16.2 degrees. There we are. Let's look at the short forecast now. Surely we've got a new one. I'll just do a quick refresh and uh, have a quick cough. Oh, that felt so much better. Now, has it come through yet? Surely. No, it's still not. Well, they're all asleep at the Met service there. We pay for you. We pay for you to give us the forecast on time. Anyway, so this is what it says. This was at roughly midnight last night. Probably won't be too much different. They make it up on the day anyway. For Northland, mostly cloudy. We'll see how that... I'll let you know how that works out. Uh, I've got friends up in Northland. Northland, mostly cloudy. I've got a few a uh, few sort of showers turning to rain from the north during the day. And then further south in Auckland and Waikato, we'll look at... Um, what have we got there? Waitomo, Taramanui. It's got. It's, it's supposed to be pronounced another way, but I just there's so many sort of. Why would you have all those syllables there? It just seems a bit of a waste of air, doesn't it? You could spend your whole life. I mean, it's Taramanui, but oh, I just, you know Taramanui. I mean, I just think it's easier just to say that's just expedient, really, for for you know us thinking people. Uh, Cor- Coromandel Peninsula. What have you got? That's a bit long too. Coro. We should just change that to Coro Peninsula. Coro Pen. Uh, Bay of Plenty and Taupo. Supposed to be Topo, but you know, Taupo sounds good to me. Uh, find uh, you've got a um, what else have you got apart from the odd shower? Just the odd shower inland from the afternoon. Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, you've got fine weather apart from isolated showers. That's in the afternoon, that is in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. It's pretty warm there, it's been very toasty yesterday. It was oh man, it was sweltering over there. I forget you forget actually how, how hot it is there, but it can be very chilly at night. But then it seems to be very warm at the moment, must have a canopy or something over them. For some, yeah, must be sort of overcast. That's my, I'm picking it anyway, just with my uh, limited experience. 
<laughs> uh, you've got evening showers as well in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Taranaki and Taihapi, also Manawatu. What have you got? Fine weather. You've part, apart from a few early morning sort of areas of uh, cloud, but you'll have a bit of cloud. So early morning and evening cloud for you. Horowanua. Uh, I keep mispronouncing that Horowanua. I'm awfully sorry to those of you that are, you know, um, you know, sort of, uh, what would you call it? Those of you that are sort of... Um, Oh, the word escapes me. Words, sometimes thoughts a bit like leaves. They just sort of they float away in the wind. And just where's that, where did that thought go? I don't know. And sometimes I'm thinking, you know, where am I going with this? And you're probably thinking it too. Where's he going with this? I don't know. Anyway, Horowanua and Wellington, also for the wire wrapper. It's, um, it's a bit drawn out, but it's fine. Just fine for you. Uh, down the South Island, Fjordland, Southland. What have you got in the fjords? You've got showers about the fjords. And Stewart Island, you're fine elsewhere. The remainder of the South Island, you've got fine weather. You've just got a, a few morning clouds, though. That's about Canterbury Coast, but otherwise it's fine for you in the south. And the Chatham Island is partly cloudy with no no warning of, um, no, no uh, sort of temperature reading, I should say. Looking ahead to the extended forecast, what have we got Friday for the North Island? Occasional rain over the northern areas, so up in Northland, I suppose that's Auckland as well. Cloud increasing with isolated showers for the central area, so it's just going to work its way down the country, uh, but uh, mainly in the south, OK. For the South Island on Friday, just before the weekend, a few showers in Fjordland and Southland. Turning to rain later, mainly fine elsewhere, but isolated showers developing in Westland and Otago later in the day. For the Saturday, for the weekend, with the footy and uh, for the North Island, the footy players are going to have occasional rain, a bit slippery here and there. That's from Waikato to Gisborne northward, so it's going to be wet for the for the boys um, sliding around chasing a... Um, a leather ball filled with air just to keep your mind off the really important things and <laughs> we'll be out there concentrating on rugby instead of uh, you know that's it's a bit like um, the Coliseum isn't it they keep keep you busy throw a few Christians to the Lions just to take your mind off the the reality that uh, you know things aren't going well in the war maybe <laughs> the Romans things aren't going war going well in uh, fighting the uh, Germanic hordes of Central Europe or something like that I don't know uh, anyway um, what else have we got here a few showers and fuel that's in the South Island. Yes, a few showers on Friday. Do I do that? No, Saturday. We're up to Saturday. That's right. Footy, rugby. Uh, mainly keep up, Grant. All right. Yeah. Uh, mainly fine elsewhere. But isolated showers in Hawke's Bay and the Wire Wrapper. That's on Saturday. So it's not going to be too bad for footy. Uh, in the South Island, it's going to be quite a good game. It's going to be a bit hard when your face hits the dirt. <laughs> Becoming fine in the West. Uh, but they've got showers on the way. That's good in the South. Spreading elsewhere. Uh, that's um, east of the divide, the Great Divide. I guess that's the um, that's the ridge, isn't it? That'd be the the Southern Alps. So is that the divide? I don't know. Or is that just? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I should know. They'll write that down now. What does the divide mean? Divide. I know what divide means, but I mean, what are they referring to? Is it just a big plain? Is that sort of like Mackenzie Country? Is that the divide, the Great Divide? Divide. D. How do you spell that? We we'll just get that right now. Divide. Oh, yes, got that. There we are. Yes, divide. There it is. All right. So now where are we up to? Uh, Sunday, I suppose it's going to be showers in the east of the North Island. Fine spells elsewhere. Occasional showers north of Taupo. Uh, in the, uh, this is for Sunday, South Island, mainly fine weather. Fine in the west. Scattered showers elsewhere. Clearing in the uh, south. That's later on uh, Sunday. Uh, for the long, the, um, I shouldn't do that. Uh, the extended forecast for the Chatham Islands. Uh, and its islands. Uh, you've got a few showers, a few light showers, and you've got southwesterlies. That's for you. Surely we've got an up-to-date f- f- weather forecast, because I love weather. Don't you? And it's still 16.2 degrees in Kaitaia. 
And uh, no, still not. I think they've fallen asleep there. Well, look, I'll be back in a minute and we'll go and look at the pages, the front pages of the fake stream media at uh, 16 minutes past five here with Grant Edwards. If you've just tuned in, although I don't really think it is tuning in these days, we just clicked in. <laughs> We don't do any tuning anymore. Uh, we do when we get our FM uh, running uh, in an undisclosed location. Uh, yes, that will be. We're working on a tower at the moment. We've got the um, the Spectrum engineers figuring things out and trying to figure out whether we need to boost the boost the power a wee bit more and uh, whether we should go pirate or not. Oh, probably not. No, it could be someone listening from Wellington. Yes, there could be. And we'll talk about Wellington too with the Wellington Town Hall rebuild. That could be... Um, Twin to offset ballooning costs. They might just, what does that mean, twinned? I don't know what they mean by that. But uh, we'll find out as we go through the paper. So I'll be back in a moment. I'll just play my ads that I have to play to keep TNT Radio happy. And uh, if anyone is on Rumble, and uh, you'll be able to see from time to time, we've got some cameras on the Middle East. We've got the Gaza Strip. Uh, and uh, we've also got uh, Tel Aviv. I think we've got Sherrod, uh, not Stirot, Sherrod. And also uh, got Tel Aviv. in Jerusalem, I think we've got the there. So if you want to see what things are happening, what, what's happening over there, we've got a live cam going. Although it doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Let's see if I see if I can get it going. Just before there we are, I can see things happening there. Yes, and uh, I suppose like so. Where are we? So they've got they're at the uh, the Eunice Hospital in Gaza. Of course, we know that that wasn't a, an Israeli attack. Now we do know for sure that it was actually a, a jihadi missile strike that went wrong and uh, of course it's just getting dark in Israel it's 17 minutes past 7 on a Wednesday night is it Wednesday Friday Thursday today yes so it's Wednesday night and uh, so our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody in the Middle East that's involved in this including the Palestinians but the thing you have to remember about the um, people living in the so-called you know in Gaza Strip the so-called Palestinians the thing you've got to remember is 80% of them are behind Hamas 80% of the people living there uh, hate and and, and actually they hate Israel and also uh, we now know we've got intelligence that Jordan and Egypt are blocking uh, people from getting out for the Gazans that want to get out. They don't want to be stuck in a war zone. They won't take them. So Israel has to take them. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they don't even speak the same language. I mean, the Jordanians, they're Muslims. They speak the language. Um, the, and Egyptians, most of them living there are Egyptians anyway. They're mostly they're all Arabs. And they need to they need to move out. There needs to be a buffer zone. Gaza belongs to Israel. They all need to go. Two point four million dollars. That's the only way we're going to have peace in that area. Israel has to move her enemies out. Uh, now, don't underestimate the Israeli Defence Force. They do not uh, use what they call what, what, what some people are saying is indiscriminate. Um, you know, de demolishing properties or bombing and that sort of thing. It's just nonsense. They don't bomb hospitals. Uh, they avoid. Um, killing innocent people, they are, and they respect the rights of citizens and you know people, non-combatants. But it's very difficult though when you're fighting against these uh, so-called Palestinians, because when you've got 80% of the populace of Gaza uh, siding with the jihadi terrorists, they, it's very difficult you know to know who's your enemy and who's not. I would uh, pretty much bet that you know every I would be looking at everybody that's living there would probably be your enemy if you're an Israeli. It's a very unsafe. You wouldn't last very long in Ramallah. 
would you? <laughs> Go for a holiday there. See how see how you get on. Uh, okay. Well, look, I'll be back in a minute, and we'll have a look at the front page. It's enough of me speaking about me. What about you? What do you think of me? Uh, be back in a minute. In Hebrew, the word means violence, evil, destruction. All that, 9-11, all that yesterday. But the word in modern Arabic has a very different meaning. It means zeal, fervor, fire, and fanaticism, as in Islamic fanaticism. So what happened on 9-11, what happened yesterday was evil, destruction, death, and it was fanaticism. But here's the thing. The word, you know what the word is? The word in Hebrew, in the Bible, is the word Hamas. Hamas is the name of the organization of terror that was behind what happened yesterday. And it's in the Bible. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Alrighty, okay, well we've got 21 minutes past five here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant. It was the early bird show. <laughs> uh, New Zealand is urged, this is on Radio New Zealand, now we'll look at the front page there. The top story for Radio New Zealand, New Zealand urged to make it easier for people moving from the sinking Pacific Islands. So uh, what have we got there? Immigration, they want immigration pathways for people in the low-lying Pacific nations who are leaving their country because of the increased effects of so-called climate change. Ooh, what about people that live in Venice? What are they going to do? Uh, honestly. Anyway, so it's it's places like, um, what are they now? So there's um, Kiribati. That's, um, they say that that's sinking. It's probably not going to sink. Be all right. The Bible does say, though, that the islands will flare away. New Zealand is being urged to create immigration pathways for people in low-lying Pacific nations, such as Tuvalu and Kiribati, who are leaving their countries because of the increasing effects of so-called climate change. This is RNZ. As, um, gosh, as, uh, as a number of islands in the Pacific region face ongoing effects of climate, so-called climate crisis, residents are struggling to find a way to set up new lives. This is what they call planned retreat. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I can see it a mile off. It's just climate change, climate change, climate change. Hey, Trump. Hey, Trump. Hey, Trump. Climate change, climate change, climate change. First it was, what was it before? Get your vaccine. Vaccines, vaccine. What was it now? Yeah, COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. Vaccine, vaccine, COVID-19. Hate Trump. Throw a hate Trump in there. And now it's climate change because the fake, uh, we, we now, it's too many of us have woken up. We realised that it was a, a fake pandemic and their vaccine is a fake vaccine. It's an actual um, toxin that will kill you eventually. It will certainly shorten your life and make you sick, very sick. I mean, you've just got to listen to Steve Kirsch. Good grief. He's, he writes about COVID mitigation policies. Very clever man is Steve Kirsch. He's about a bit older than me, 67. Uh, he uh, writes about vaccines, neurological diseases and conditions, corruption and censorship, you know, within the, the government and the, the media and um uh, you know, the, the CDC, that type of thing. And he also likes to talk about early treatments for people that, you know, instead of going down the pharmaceutical track, there's other ways, other and better ways as well. He says the data shows that vaccines, just normal run-of-the-mill vaccines, not just the COVID-19 vaccines, but uh, the actual childhood vaccines are ruining the health of Americans. So if they're ruining the health of Americans, they're ruining the health of Canadians, New Zealanders, Australians, everybody that's on this in the leafy subjects whose country can afford to um, give them the so-called uh, vaccines. 
uh, he says that they is ruining their health and it is driving an epidemic of neurological conditions. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen we've got nutty kids having fits in the supermarkets and things. And mum says, come here, you naughty boy. Come here and have an ice cream. Um, that, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I, I sort of thought, well, maybe it's, maybe it's just, you know, silly people, you know, parents that just, uh, you know, have children that are sort of, what would you call it, child-centred sort of families, you know, where the child gets to dictate it over the parents. There's a lot of that about there. Hell, heck of a lot of that. And now you can't smack the little bastards when they're naughty. I mean, if they're naughty, you know, surely you should be able to give them a good belt around the ass. Why not? I'd, I'd get it. If it was me, if I was doing it over again, I wouldn't use my hand because you could hurt them with your hand uh, because you've got to really wallop. You've got to, it's got to sting. It's no good to give them a tap. <laughs> I mean, it's got to sting. It's got to, they don't want to get it again. And there's none of this one, two, three nonsense. My uncle used to give us a good wallop. He used to take his belt off and wallop us as we went into the car on the way to church. And we'd say, what was that for, Uncle Frank? And he'd say, that's what you're going to get if you misbehave in church. And so we made sure we behaved ourselves. I remember once, oh, what was I doing? I was in church and I was pretending I was smoking. Um, I think I had a rolled up bit of little paper or something and I was pretending I was smoking. Boy, did he get me off. Well, he didn't really. He was pretty good old Uncle Frank. I mean, I was a tearaway, tearaway kid. I mean, my mother said, and, and she nearly had kittens, she used to say that, uh, I'd jump off the roof. You know, this is when I was like four and five. Might have been a wee bit older. I'd, no, I must have been. It was under seven anyway. I would jump off the roof of our house. Uh, and I was pretty good at it. I started off just jumping off, you know, small areas, and then I to see how high I could get. I even, I remember once I even jumped out of a pine tree just to see what it would, the experience would be like, and used the branches to slow my fall on the way down, like a bat. You know, <laughs> kids. You know, God created children with bendy bones. You know, they sort of break, but they they heal really quickly, and they're kind of bendy. When you get older, they get brittle don't they? Because God knows that kids are going to do stupid things, aren't we? I mean, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction, that means a rod, you know, a nice rod, like we used to get when we were at high school, a good wallop with a rod round our ass. Some kids liked it, actually, and you always felt better after you'd had a good beating from the headmaster uh, or the um, deputy principal. Um, Mr. Hater, he didn't hit me much, but Mr. Blair did. Gosh, he used to give me some thrashings. I think the most I, I, I probably... I wasn't that bad. I didn't get six of the best. I mean, you had to be pretty bad to get six of the best. I think I got four once. Gosh, that was enough. You know, the first one was enough. Um, he was pretty good at it. But I liked him, respected him. I thanked him once when I met him. I was a real estate agent when I was about late 20s, and I, he came to an open home, Mr. Blair, when he was still alive, and I thanked him for being such a great teacher. Well, look, I'm going to get all teary-eyed now. I better not because um, I had a good, I had a good um, upbringing. I love my, 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 uh, my childhood. And I love my schooling, and I love my parents that were strict on us. Probably could have been stricter. A lot of things that Dad didn't get hit me for that I should have been. <laughs> I got away with a lot. I was a tricky little thing. Anyway, jumping off buildings and that. You do that. I used to do that. I used to jump off the house. My mother said she nearly had kittens. She was beside herself. All those terms they use beside themselves. Um, you know, nearly had kittens. I like all that, all that old stuff, those old terms that people used to use. If you can think of some, text them through to me. Uh, 021 here in New Zealand, 02164, if you're going to, or probably the easiest way is to just go to Rumble, I suppose, do something in the chat, I suppose. Don't have many, many people in Rumble. Let's see, I'll have a quick look now and just see if there's any anybody there. It's a bit of a, a rig, oh gosh, it's a bit of a rigmarole getting over to Rumble, actually. Uh, just, you know, just two. We're not doing very well. Come on. 
Um, anyway, yeah, there is a chat there. But feel free. Um, if you can think of, um, also give me a call, 021-732-423. That's 021-732-423. Just, probably not really, you can just text me through with any of your sayings that you remember when you were a uh, youngster. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the uh, the news, shall we? We're on the Radio New Zealand, and we're looking at the front pages there. And uh, gosh, I'm toggling all over the place trying to find it. Here we go. That's the one there. And uh, where are you, Radio News? Where are you? Oh, here we are. And we're, we're reading about the um, Tuvalu and also Kiribati, how they're sort of sinking into the sea and how they, they're just using these stories about sinking Pacific Islands. I mean, Pacific Islands have been sinking... They, Sinking for ages, I suppose. It'll probably go around the other way, doesn't it? You know, climate changes, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> it does, but it's got nothing to do with us, nothing to do with carbons and all that. That's got nothing to do with it. Why are they doing this is because they've got to finance their world government, and what a great way to do it than by uh, pretending that we're responsible for the changing climate in the world. So that's how they do it. It's just another another tax for their world government. Sort of dark money, isn't it, really? But anyway, a number of uh, islands in the Pacific, they face this ongoing effects of the so-called climate change. Residents are struggling to find a way to set up new lives in neighbouring countries, mm, like New Zealand. Well, why... Mm. Maybe they don't want to come to New Zealand. Maybe they want to just go to another island or something. They might have a war. Oh, they might not might not like each other. Anyway, this university um, professor, her name is, uh, she's in Auckland, her name is Dr. Olivia Yates. She's been actively working on the oceanic communities uh, f- to, to change the future of those migrants. She says that people who migrate from the islands have to navigate through New Zealand's existing and what she describes as wholly insufficient immigration system. Really, why? She says... As a result, community members are falling through cracks into lives without valid visas. They come over here and they're overstayers. This is not climate justice. She says, gosh, look at the way they put this all in there. She carried out her doctorate research. When did she do that? Oh, she's carrying out her doctorate research. She must be young. Yates engaged uh, with the Tuvalu and Kuribati communities in Auckland to determine the attitude towards climate change, so-called. Just honestly, hate Trump climate change. COVID-19, hate Trump, climate change, COVID-19. It's just, they're just hammering. Oh, and all the Maori words as well. Yep. Anyway, I've had enough of that story. I've lost interest in it already because we know it's a nonsense. Uh, It's just any excuse, any excuse to use the word climate change. Uh, Okay, let's have a look. Now, a man, we're still on Radio New Zealand front page. This is the, just looking at the main headings here, a man's believed to be responsible, or uh, who is responsible, they believe he's responsible, for the woman in Muramar, her death. She's a 62-year-old. Her name is Katsugianis, and uh, so it seems like he's killed her, if he, if he has, if it's the same one. Uh, over the weekend, he got on a plane to Hong Kong, and uh, and that was on Sunday, and he's since been found dead. That'll be one to follow, I would think. Uh, of course, the family, the poor family, that poor woman, 62, that's not very old. That's a youngster, isn't it, really? Uh, okay, what are the other top stories here? Now, the they've got a hapu. Now, what's a hapu? A hapu is like a little meeting, isn't it? Is that what hapu is? No, hapu. No, hapu is sort of like a sub-tribe. That's right. And uh, so there's an occupation underway in the far north uh, where a little sub-tribe are upset about landowners' plans to put an access road through sand dunes. They say uh, waitapu. Uh, Wahi Tapu, Wahi Tapu, yeah, or, I think it's Wahi Tapu, yeah. We'll have a quick look at that, and it's disgraceful, really, because they block the road and all this, stopping people going through, and they they really look like they've got a guy up front there with a sort of like a spear, 
and uh, they're all in a lot of black clothing. They have they, they go for the dark clothing, and that's because black is not a color in nature. I don't know if you're aware of that. Even tuis, they're not black. God doesn't really go for black. It's just sort of a funny thing. People that wear black, like those people in Ponsonby in the cafes, you know, they wear all black, black trousers, black T-shirt and all that. Something weird about that. I I just think, have you ever, have you ever done a study on that? You just, you'd have a look there and just sort of watch the sort of people that dress in black. I think there could be something spiritual behind that, I, I do believe. I think I like to see a bit of color. Anyway, they've got the, um, the uh, supremacist flag there flying, and they've also got the United... United um, Tribes flag. That's the 1835 United Tribes flag, which some people say is still, you know, that's that's the Declaration of Independence. Blah blah blah. You know, there's a big fight on that. But now in 1840, of course, that's all been superseded. If you believe uh, the uh, you know the the story that uh, that we don't go under that anymore. We go under the um, well, they do anyway. We've got. But really, the the thing to remember about the Treaty of Waitangi, the 1846th of um, February, that was signed 1840 up at. Um, up at um, Waitangi, well, that's really is just a treaty that Maoris wanted, but because they wanted peace in the country and they wanted to have the same laws that we had, because they were sick of getting slaughtered and eaten, and it wasn't working. Even in 1835, there were still people being eaten, and uh, so they wanted to stop all that. And my friend from the Cook Islands, he they had the same trouble over there. They had people that had sort of a taste like chicken, I guess. They they liked the the old taste of the um, of the flesh. And uh, and so he said that from talking to his uh, people that you know knew the great grandparents and you know the great great the stories passed down. Uh, this is my friend Bobby from the Cooks from the Cook Islands. He said that um, you know it was one that when Christianity came to the islands, but I think Darren Buzzacott, he was a Brit- British Protestant missionary. He came over as homeopath as well, and um, don't know whether he came on his own or with his wife, but Buzzacott. Uh, he, this is uh, my friend telling me about this. He said he, they, they, Christianity brought peace, and and to no longer living in fear. And that was the case here in New Zealand. People no longer lived in fear. The Maori people no longer lived in fear. Uh, once they, and they really wanted, uh, they wanted to have uh, the people that were here. They wanted colonization really because they knew that that um, that they'd be governed by the the queen, and you know come under the crown. And have the same rights and 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 protections, and they'd come under the, the same laws as us as well. But it wasn't until oh, quite a bit later on that the um, the 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 articles in the treaty—I think there's only three of them—that um, they were put into law. That came later, where it was actually part of law. Because the Treaty of Waitangi isn't part of our law. It's a treaty really between Maori to stop them killing each other, if the truth be known. But anyway, this getting back to this occupation in the far north, now the Hapu, that's little sub-tribe, they're upset about a landowner. He's going to put an access way through the dunes. And he went out there with his digger the other day, and um, and they weren't too happy about it. Now they scrambled into action, the Maoris up there, the wee Hapu. They scrambled into action, about 80 of them, when they got notified that a bulldozer and the police, so obviously the, the farmer knew that there could be trouble, so he brought the cops with him. Uh, they were due to arrive on Wednesday morning, so that was yesterday, is it? Yesterday, Thursday, today, isn't it? Yesterday, 19th today, and uh, that was at the Watu, uh, at the Watu Huiwi Road, that's up in Karikari Peninsula, about 40 kilometres northeast of Kaitaia. Now, the landowner has since put the work on hold, I'm not surprised with this mob coming at him, uh, so he's done. He's put it on hold. But the occupation started regardless, with about eighty people taking part. First of all, they started off with a blessing and a hikoi. Now a hikoi is a march. 
So they've gone on a bit of a tramp, uh, had a wee tramp there around the area there, just sort of marking out the territory. That started at 11 o'clock on Wednesday before setting up the, a marquee. That's a French word. <laughs> Throw a French word in there. What's the, mar- what's the Maori word for marquee? Don't know. Tent. And um, anyway, they block the road, which is illegal. Uh, near the, they're not allowed to block roads, but they, they, the government seems to let them. So I think I hope the National Party will put a stop to all this nonsense, blocking roads and stuff like that. That's, that's out of order. That's totally against the law. Now, um, who have we got here? We've got Kiringawai Evans. He's the vice chairperson of nearby Haiti Tai Marangai. I'll have another crack at that. Haiti Tai Marangai Marai. Haiti Tai Marangai Marai. That's a hard one to say fast. Haiti Taiti Marangai Marai. Haiti Taiti Marangai Marai. I got it right now. He said that, that a packed hui, you know, a hui, once that's a meeting, that was on Tuesday evening, that they were they agreed unanimously on the no, what is this? The noho whenua. Now, I'm not sure what that is. I think it means occupation. So they agreed unanimously they're going to occupy the area, block the roads, and just basically carry out illegal activity. Uh, and we just let them get away with it uh, because they said that that was a necessary course of action. No, it's no, no good doing that. All you've got to do is just go through the proper channels, do what we all do. If you're not happy about it, you just go to the council and say, hey, look, this is, this is our ancestors' land. We've got ancestors buried in these dunes, and we would, we would re- just until we get it sorted out, We'd like you to to stop the contract. That's what you've got to do. You don't have to block roads. You've just got to petition, you know, get the letters out, get going. We'll go down and see the council. And go and build some relationships with the people at the council up there in Kai Tires. Where is the council? Is it Kai Tire? Be a building up there, surely. But you can't do what you're doing here. They've got the cones out. Now, I bet you they're not your cones. Where'd you nick them from? One, two, three, four, five, six cones. They're about 100 bucks each, I think, aren't they? But about 80, these are the witches' hats, you know, the orange ones. So they've stolen those from somewhere. And block the road, and uh, they've got one, two, three, four, five cars. So they're blocking the road to the beach. Well, you're not allowed to do that. It says slow down, dust is a sign there. So obviously we did have access to it. So the farmer obviously just wants to be able to launch his boat so he can go and have a fish. So anyway, they've got now what happened here since the the um, it says here the uh, Farnau Moana. So Farnau, that's family, family Moana. I'm not sure what Moana means. And T Roro. Hui, Huri, Hapu, that's the Hapu's a little tribe, they made more than 300 submissions to the Far North District Council's incoming district plan, calling for the dunes to be formally recorded as Waihitapu. Now we thought, uh, what a huge achievement, oh I see, they thought they'd done it. Ah, so now I can see why they're getting a bit pissed off now, and they've taken the law into their own hands. But they don't need to block the road. All they need to do is just go through the proper channels. Surely, surely we thought what a huge achievement. Our people have really stepped up and said, protect this this, uh, this Waihitapu in the new plan. But then the police advised our kaumatu, that's sort of elders, that the contractors are coming to carry on with work. And we were horrified. We were angry. Well, yeah, well, you, you know, you're just a tiny little minority, and there's a lot of other of us are living here in New Zealand. I mean, you, one sixth, and even that's debatable. One sixth of New Zealand get to tell the other five sixths how to live and what to do. Evans welcomed the agreement to stop work, and said the hapu were open to meeting the landowner and discussing a way forward. Well, I hope he is. But we're really clear that we are about protecting this whenua. 
Whenua, I'm not sure what that is, I can't remember. Uh, if the landowner has shown good faith, he would have listened when the issue came up in 2019 instead of carrying on. Well, he wants to, I don't know, why, why does he want to build it? Let's see if I can get to the bottom of this. I'm sort of slaving over this. Sorry, I just find it quite interesting. Oh, there we are. Oh, my goodness. What have we got there? We've got the landowner. It looks like the landowner, Peter Hay. That's his name. He's talking to the Kaumatua. That's the elders. They look friendly there. He's sitting on his mower, and he's mowing the area. So he that's his land. Gosh, I wouldn't want to own any land next to the Maoris. It wouldn't be very good. I'd avoid that. Even said the Far North District Council, this is the landowner. Oh, no, that's not the landowner. Where is he? Peter Hayes, the landowner. I wonder what he says. Anything from him? He seems like a nice old chap there. Friendly enough. He's sitting on his big mower. Looks like it's quite a nice mower he's got there, keeping the place nice and tidy. Looks lovely. Anyway, so, oh, I see. He wants to be able to go fishing. Respect all our wahi. I can't read it. The plant's growing up over that sign. Mm, access track. Now, there's a track that goes across the dunes where the issue previously blew up in August this year. Hapu members blocked off the track and put up signs urging people to keep off the dunes. Well, I mean, yeah, keep off the dunes. You should really keep off the dunes. But, I mean, a little road going through is not going to hurt just so you can get the boat. It looks like a lovely bay. I can see why they want to put a track down to the water. Why not? Surely. So otherwise, then you can take your boat down there and launch it. That's fantastic. Anyway, anyway, okay, I'm sorry about that. I get carried away with these things, don't I? Okay, military. You, yeah, so that's that there. Uh, you, the um, Israeli uh, military, they deny it hit the Gaza hospital. Uh, according, there's an international protest about it. Israeli military, have, they've uh, published what is described as evidence that the misfired Palestinian rocket, that's what it was, it was rather that than one of its own munitions. And they wouldn't aim it. It'd have to be a mistake anyway. Uh, if because there was no way they would aim at the hospital. That hospital, it's actually the Baptist, I've noticed that was, that it's actually a Baptist hospital set up. Now, I notice in all the, because they hate Christians, <laughs> the, the media hate Christians, the leftists, you know, they don't believe in Christianity, they believe in um, oh, the state, the state runs the show, that's the God, isn't it, the state, you've got to pay your homage to the state, uh, and they want to destroy the family, but anyway, uh, that Baptist hospital, and they're not mentioning that in the media, but that's what it is, a Baptist hospital set up there for the for the poor so-called Palestinians. And uh, there we are. But it wasn't caused by, and also the other, it wasn't caused by Israel. And the other thing you would remember too is that um, you've got Pallywood. Now, if you look online and look for Pallywood, you'll see that the so-called Palestinians do a lot of acting. You've heard of Bollywood, haven't you, in Hollywood? Yes, well, they've got Pallywood as well, where they pretend that they're in a war zone being attacked by uh, um, the IDF, the Israeli Defence Force, but in actual fact, it's just a big show. They do that all the time, and of course, we get all excited. It's all, you know, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, as they say in journalism. Uh, that's what they teach you at journalism school. But anyway, let's have a quick look at that story there. Uh, the Israeli military, they've published what is it described as evidence that a misfired Palestinian rocket, rather than one of its own munitions, caused an explosion at, a, at the Gaza Baptist Hospital. Come on, say what it is, in which hundreds of people died. So they say. They say between 300 and 500, but you, those figures are always inflated because that's how they operate, that's how they roll. The bomb blast, um, which wrecked a diplomatic mission by the US President Joe Biden, that's well, uh, any excuse to get out of talking. They don't want to talk, they just want to kill all the Jews. That's what they want to do. Most of the Arabs want to get rid of the Jews. You know, we know that. Joe Biden, he was to arrive on Wednesday. Now, that's today. 
I don't know if that's going to go ahead, but they've snubbed him. The Arab leaders called off called off the emergency summit. Palestinian the officials, the Palestinian officials and Israeli, so what are they, oh no, they blame Israel on the strike. Of course they would. Of course they would. And uh, it engulfed the whole thing. They, look, they call it the Al-Hali Arab Hospital. It's not. It's the Baptist Hospital. You liars. Uh, Israel denied responsibility and said the blast was caused by a failed rocket launch by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad militants. They overheard them talking. Biden's trip to the Middle East was supposed to calm the region, oh, as if it could. I mean, seriously, I, look, I, I know a bit disrespectful for my elders. You're supposed to, not you're supposed to sort of honour your, honor your elders, honour your parents. Children, obey your parents at all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But... Biden really shouldn't be. He's a crook anyway, isn't he? Like kiddly, kitty fiddler, kitty, kitty sniffer, like sniffing women's hair. And, uh, you know, and he's just all um, he's all hands all over your kids. And they, gosh, keep them away from him. Keep them away from Uncle Joe. He like, oh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'd slap him. <laughs> Got near my kids. I'd get a thump. Oh, I don't care whether they lock me up or not. You don't touch my kids. Anyway, so his trip, it's like uh, with Biden at the moment, its uh, he's not doing any, he's not, he's, he comes out, is it a hologram? I don't know, but anyway, he comes out, they wheel him out, and he um, he's just sort of sitting, stands there and he just says a few, he's got a script, he's got to stick to the script, sometimes he goes off script and he gets told, told off of that, but he's got all these aides around him, so it's not not really him, you know, he's not making the decisions, he's just reading the lines, he's just an actor like they all are, even the ones here, they're blimmin' actors, aren't they? But anyway, it's like a weekend at Bernie's, isn't it, when they bring him in? I know when they get when they get that voice like that, you know, he's having trouble getting the words out, they, they get very light in the voice just before they die that's what happens with elderly I've been around a lot of it I've got no more my grandparents watch them watch them pass away I watch them slowly you know get older and, and they, the voice goes my father he was 91 could have gone on a bit longer if they'd been looked, a, looked after properly in the hospital but uh, that's a killing field the hospital for elderly very dangerous place to leave your parents still want to leave them alone in the hospital and watch them like a hawk but anyway they get the voice <laughs> sort of talk quietly like that I mean John Ansell's probably could do a better job of that than me he's quite good at character voices but um, that's what happens They and yet, so I can tell that he's really close to to death poor old Joe he's got one foot in the grave uh, but he does what he's told I suppose anyway so the hospital that's all been called off Jordan they cancelled the crucial second half of Biden's itinerary a planned summit to Amman, 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 okay, uh, with the leaders of Jordan, Egypt, you know, and these the Jordanians and the Egyptians are stopping the so-called Palestinians from getting out, uh, getting away from it. They're keeping them there. They're holding them there as hostage. It's a prism. That's what it is. They've got them there. Basically, they're just using them uh, as a front. They're cannon fodder for these for the Egyptians and the Jordanians uh, against against Israel. Israel have got to get them out. They've got to go in with a ground invasion, take them out. What would King David do? He'd go, it'd be in by now. They'd all be gone. They'd all be gone. And everybody responsible would be dead. And they'd, and they, I think there was a story in the Bible where he actually went, I think he was off on a one, one battle fighting the Philistines. And someone came and, well, I'm not sure if it was Philistines, someone came, took all the women and children away as the enemy. He chased after them with his men, killed everybody that was responsible, got them all back. And his wife, wives, 
had many wives, King David. Never got told off for having many wives either. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, people say, oh no, 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 you're not meant to have multiple wives. That's not right. That's not right. But, you know, God gave David all of Saul's wives, didn't he? It's a gift. Yeah. People don't, they don't like to read things like that. Oh no, no, it's not. It's one. So, you know, Adam and Eve, just one. How do you know Adam didn't have other wives? He had a lot of kids. He was having babies at 150. I don't know if Eve would, Eve would be keen on that. <laughs> anyway. It's um, 12 minutes to 6. We'll have the old TNT radio news there back at 6. Uh, so the scenes of destruction from the hospital were horrific, even by the standards of the past 12 days, which have confronted the world with re- re- relentless images, first of the Israelis slaughtered in their homes, and then the Palestinian families buried under the rubble from Israeli retaliation strikes. Well, they are strikes against, you know, they've, they've taken out a lot of terrorists in this. They don't aim at hospitals. They don't aim at apartment buildings. But the blimmin' Arabs, what these blimmin' terrorists do is they set up their rocket launching. And that's what they did in Lebanon. We, we knew that because we heard from, there was another one, not Noni Darwish, another one that lived up in Lebanon. She said that's what they did. She was a, a Lebanese Christian. She said they, they, the Hezbollah would come in and fire their rockets, and they basically use women and children as human shields. But you can't listen to what people are saying. The mainstream media, and this is quite, not a bad report, actually, for Radio New Zealand, actually. Who put that out? Probably. I'll have a look and see who's, who's responsible for it. Um, Reuters put that out. We'll, go, we'll have a look at Reuters in a moment as well. Okay, let's move back to New Zealand now. Massey University staff and students, they fight to save their jobs and... And their studies, staff and students have until Friday, tomorrow, to have their say, or oh, they're not going to have their say, it's $50, billion, $50 million, a billion, million, it's $50 million is the deficit for this year alone, $30 million last year, they've got to sell off stuff, I think they're selling off 16, it's got a value of $16 million, that's up in Albany, or down in Albany, up in Albany, wherever you live in the country. No, they've got to do some stuff because people are saying we're not going to send our kids to these leftist, uh, communist, Marxist, we call it what you like, uh, you know, left-wing sort of indoctrination centres. No, we're staying at home and, and they made them wear masks and all that. No one, who wants to sit in the class listening to some half-wit talking through a mask? Mask. Mask. I've got a friend that calls uh, the, the mast on my boat. He calls it a mask. I, and I haven't got the heart to... You should never correct someone when they mispronounce words. You should never correct them. It's the height. Uh, I was taught that it's the height of rudeness. You just make sure that you speak well, but don't... Well, not wool. Um, you just make sure you speak well, but don't go correcting other people. And, you know, when when Maori start correcting you about pronunciation, gosh, you just got to listen to some of the, the way they trash our words. But we shouldn't correct someone when they, you know, when they mispronounce words like mast. I used to let them get away with saying mask. Just let them get away with it. You know, he's a friend. I mean, if you want to... Ruin a friendship, just correct, start correcting them. People don't like that. Um, now, what have we got? So that's that one. The staff is there. I don't know. Should we look at that? We're running out of time. We've only, I've only done three stories. This one came out last night, late last night. Who wrote this one? It's a checkpoint, and that's Jimmy Eglingham. Eggingham. It's an interesting name, isn't it? So he's been having a chat with a lady there at Massey, and she's all worried. She'd be a lefty. There's lots of lefties. Sometimes I think the, um, the the lecturers, they don't get jobs unless they are leftists, you know, communists. It's the only way. So yet basically people have said, no, I'm not going to send my child to be, commu- you know, a, a commu- I'm not going to pay for it. 
send them off to to come back as a left wing, you know, flipping communist. I don't want it. So I'm going to put them in a trade, encourage them into a trade. It's easy to talk kids into things. <laughs> you say, if you're, what about an electrician, Seb? How about that? What about that? What about um, do this, that, and the other? You know, they're short of drain layers. Oh, I couldn't imagine being a drain layer and a plumber. I wouldn't want to be a plumber. You've got to be a contortionist, don't you? You've got to <laughs> to be a plumber. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm basically lazy. I just don't know if I would want to be sort of uh, doing it like a snake, like a, an S bend. You've got to sort of turn your body in, you know, to get up underneath the sink just to tighten up a, a faucet or a, you know, a waist, the little waist thing that goes in the bottom of the sink. And you've got to tighten, they get loose. And oh, honestly, oh, then, oh no, I just couldn't think of anything worse than being a plumber. Be right on the new houses, that'll be good, you know. Get the old, do the old copper pipes and all that. That'd be a bit of fun, wouldn't it? And the new plastic ones are fun. I don't know how long they're going to last, though. Mm. But anyway, uh, so people are they're getting people, and that's what I would do. Thinking parents are getting their children, you know, encouraging them to get in. You know, not if you're not brainwashing them, <laughs> you're encouraging them to get into a trade because they're going to straight away they're going to be making money, and they're not going to have this massive debt. You know, I mean, back back in the day, you know, back when my my older brother was a boy. I mean, education, so long, all you had to get was university entrance. If you got the UE, university entrance exam, then you, you, by right, you went straight to university. And if you didn't get university, uh, the exam, you had to wait till you were 24 or something. I think you had to wait till you were that old, and you probably had to pay a bit as well. Might have been a bit younger, might have been 21, but you didn't go straight in. Uh, so you got on, you could, you could get a bursary, or you know, you get a university entrance, basically. That's what we all work for. We stayed till the sixth form. And sometimes, you know, if you didn't know what you were going to do, you might hang around like a pork chop at a Jewish picnic, um, just hang around and go do the seventh form. But now they sort of, um, gosh, their kids stay at school for a long, long time, don't they? Have you noticed how mothers, you know, they treat their children like babies? You know, they've got a boy who's sort of like 21 or something like that. <laughs> you know, they, oh, it's my baby. Mothers, mother, be careful, uh, fathers. You've really got to save your children. By the time they get to about 13, you've really got to rescue them, rescue the boys especially from their mothers. Otherwise, they'll turn them into little girls, turn them into little poofters. You've got to watch it. Lovely. Women are lovely at nurturing, but you, the men, you've really got to uh, just be careful that they don't get over-mothered. You know, get them doing dangerous things. Don't tell mum, though. Dangerous things carefully. That's what you have to do. That's the only way they learn, according to Jordan Peterson. Okay, there's more than 100 jobs there up. Um, they're on the line at Massey, uh, the Tertiary Education Union says, including from the School of Natural Sciences and Food and also Advanced Technology, these programs that would cease to exist in Auckland. Only a year ago, a new innovation complex opened its doors in, in Albany, reportedly costing $120 million. Why would they do that? Why would they go ahead with that? I suppose they had to. We've been building it uh, during COVID. I wouldn't, gosh, when that came out, the so-called pandemic, the pandemic, um, I would stop all, boy, I'd say, oh, no, we're not doing any more building because I think we're going to be in the poop here, especially when you want kids to come to school uh, and we're sitting at, sit in the um, in the classroom wearing a mask, you know, and having to be jabbed too, I think. Did they do that? I'm not sure whether they did that. Some businesses wouldn't let you in unless you had your jab. They say, well, you have to have the proof of vaccination, your vaccination certificate. I'd go, what, you mean you want me to take an experimental biological agent, some toxin which we don't know whether what the long-term side effects, you want me to take that? Oh, no, no, we're not saying you have to be vaccinated. We're saying you just have to show us a vaccine passport. Or well, isn't it the same thing? Anyway, they just, it cost them $120 million. This is what it costs for the innovation complex. Uh, that, uh, and it opened its doors in Albany. 
Wow. And uh, oh, the university they wouldn't they wouldn't confirm the price. It's probably more than one hundred and twenty million dollars. And it was to be called the Innovation and Science Complex, but the science department of the of the name was quietly dropped. Yeah, because they want they want to get rid of science and bring in gender studies, don't they? Gosh, it's ridiculous. So who's this professor of behavioural ecology, Diane Brunton? Mm, well, I better not say anything. She's um, I better not say anything about her. No, we won't do that. But anyway, they've got until Friday. They're saying that staff and students have until Friday to have their say. They're not going to get you. They'll hear you. They're not going to listen to you. Because the problem is the university are expecting a shortfall of $50 million just for this year alone. I think I said that, didn't I? Yeah. So that's that story there. I'll just have a quick croak. Just a minute. It's four minutes to six. And at six o'clock, we'll head back to Radio New Zealand. Uh, not Radio New Zealand, we'll head to uh, TNT Radio. Hopefully we don't get um, Patrick at the end there with his anti-Semitism, with his hatred of Israel. And uh, he's terrible, really. I don't know why. I don't think all of TNT is, but he's, why do they have him on all the time? Patrick. Why do they have him? Every single news, he's, Patrick Henderson says, and so we've got to listen to him sort of gruffing on about things. I mean, he's right on a lot of stuff, but he's way off beat when it comes to Israel. With what's going on over there, um, and later on, I might have to go to. I may have to go to a bit longer than seven because the way I'm going, I can't see I'm going to get through all this. We'll go to eight. How about that? It'll be it'll be extended to eight o'clock. Okay. Now, um, so what have we got? The Wellington Town Hall. Now, I I don't know anything about that. What's happening in Wellington? I love Wellington. This looks pretty. It's a nice photograph there. Wellington's municipal office buildings. Uh, it's a tall, cream-coloured building in the middle of the site next to the town hall, which is sitting on the left there. Oh, that's pretty. Beautiful building. And uh, what's this? The In the in the Tinakao Civic Square. Oh, they've given it a nice Maori name. That's lovely, isn't it? And uh, in a bid to offset a multi-million dollar blowout to redevelop Wellington's town hall, the council is considering carrying out the project along with the redevelopment of a neighbouring building. Wellington City Council is expected to decide next week what direction the town hall project would take, including whether to allow a private developer to also rebuild Wellington's municipal office building, which stands next to the town hall building. Integrating the projects would remove the need for some temporary structures as part of the town hall rebuild. That's a good idea. But would delay the opening of the town hall. Uh, uh, croaky, croaky. Uh, that's council's... <clears throat> still going. Council's Chief Operating Officer James Roberts said... The great, oh, are you interested in this? The building's 120 year old, that's the town hall. It's been closed since 2013. I'll just have a quick skitter. The cost of Quake Street thing, that was um, 32 million. Oh, that was the estimate, but it ended up being 145 million when work started in 2019. So that's, how could they be so low and then be so high? Why could they get it so wrong? Heads should roll for that, really. Um, at a briefing to councillors on Wednesday, Roberts said that the completion was now. Uh, projected to cost $264 million. That's $81.8 million more than currently budgeted for. Oh, I see the problem. Oh, costs are just running out of... And, you know, you've got the, the, the fake pandemic, too. That that didn't help, did it? Didn't help at all. It uh, it certainly didn't help having COVID. It just put, and it gave people excuses, I think, to just put the prices up. That's that's what I reckon anyway. So um, I'm running out of time. What have we got? News is just about on us. So um, 
we I'll be back in a moment with uh, with some more bits and pieces. We'll bring the weather to you too. We'll see what's happening in um, over there in the Gaza Strip. It's uh, night time. It's uh, eight o'clock over in uh, Jerusalem at the moment. Eight o'clock on Wednesday night. So uh, yes, well I'll be we'll be back in a minute and uh, after the news, I'll be right back. has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Hour. Go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A unit of U.S. Marines has been directed to move into the Middle East to support Israel in its conflict with the Hamas terrorist group, U.S. officials said. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit to relocate to the region. As stated by Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh during a briefing, Ms. Singh said, the 26th MEU is an adaptable military force composed of infantry, aviation, and logistics components, all operating under one command. Positioned as C, the 26th MEU is equipped to execute amphibious missions, respond to crises, and engage in limited contingency operations across a spectrum of military scenarios. This development follows Mr. Austin's deployment of the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group to the eastern Mediterranean where it joined the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group. Additionally, the United States has dispatched Air Force fighter groups to the region to provide support and assistance. The UK government will tell the General Medical Council that women are women after it removed the words mother and women from its internal guidance for pregnant or menopausal staff. In a House of Lords discussion on Tuesday, Labour peer Baroness Diane Hayter of Kennishtown questioned the GMC's decision. She asked whether it reflects the GMC's advice to doctors as to how to treat and describe patients. Health Minister Lord Markham told the peers that he would talk to the GMC about the importance of using correct language and the clear feelings of the peers on the matter. He said that while the government hasn't had any discussions on the GMC's internal guidance, it was clear about addressing women as women and men as men. The GMC is a public body that maintains the Register of Medical Practitioners in the UK. Republican candidate for president, Governor Ron DeSantis, on Tuesday told Fox News host Laura Ingram that the United States cannot take in refugees from Gaza because we would be importing a culture that would increase anti-Semitic and anti-American sentiment. But here's the thing. I don't think that we can successfully vet uh, Thank you. when you have a lot of this... 
a lot of this stuff that's just endemic to the culture. You don't have to be a member of Hamas. It doesn't mean you're going to be a good fit in the United States of America. So the proper answer is is no. And we don't want to get into this thing because there's some people and Laura, you know, them. they're more of the corporate Republicans, more the open borders type. They think that anyone should just be able to come in and they claim that somehow we're going to vet people from all over the world. Oh you just can't do that. That's not the way it works. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had hoped to visit Israel in an attempt to link his country's cause to that of the Jewish state, but instead was asked to stay away and told the time is not right for making such a trip. The Ukrainian president allegedly wanted to travel to the country alongside U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says Zelensky has been left out in the cold. Well, look, as bad as things are right now in the world, there's always some room for some good news. And this really can be classed as a feel-good story. Zelensky was ready to suit up, to boot up, to head to Israel for the big photo op in the green T-shirt and the camos, hanging out with the IDF, hanging out with Netanyahu. Try to raise some profile, raise some money. The cash has dried up. There's no weapons. There's no more cash. The United States is running IOUs now for Kiev because all the money and all the arms, all the military might is being redirected to America's ally Israel. It's left Zelensky out in the cold. And to add insult to injury, the Israelis don't want him either. He said, I want to come to Israel. I want to be with BB. And the Israelis said, it's not a good time. We're kind of busy right now. Uh, we're going to pass. So the leader of the democratic world, Vladimir Zelensky, has been snubbed once again. His profile continues to plummet. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. It is six minutes past six. Yes, it is. And we've got weather next. Weather for the whole country. The short forecast will go through the temperatures, let you know what's happening. How has the feminist movement of the last few decades gone for you? I mean, we've seen families disappear. Um, 150 years ago, the average woman had seven kids. 85% of people were married. We're more depressed than ever before. We're on antidepressants. Um, I mean, women, over the age, women over the age of 45 are the least happy demographic. So, again, I've said this before, marriage isn't marriage anymore. The average marriage is seven years. We have things like no-fault divorce, leave if you're unhappy. So what if, does that mean, marriage isn't marriage anymore? Again, marriage, marriage was about duty. And then this is the problem we have with women. Like, women, men tend to be better people than us. Yeah, they really do. They tend to... <laughs> no, no, no. no. They, they tend to do the right oh thing. God. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. All righty, seven minutes past six, and uh, let's look at the, uh, let's look at, gosh, that's a bit loud, isn't it? Gosh, turn that down. Where's my, where's my producer? Why is that so loud? Gosh, good grief. There we go. Oh, there we go. We're right now. Okay, now let's look at the weather. What have we got here? We've got uh, the extremes, first of all. Kaitaia Airport, the hottest place to be. Right up in Kaitaia, 16.3 degrees for you. Twizel down there. Twizel, they did the Twizel Dam, didn't they, years ago? 2.3 millimetres. It must have been chilly for the workers down there in the South Island and Twizel. Castle Point, which is always a windy place at the best of times, but it's only 30 kilometres per hour blowing through there at the moment. O'Marima, and um, where is 
that now? Oh no, Omaru, I should say. Oamaru, they say, but it's Omaru. It's always been known as Omaru. I thought it was Omarama. That's in Mackenzie country, but it's not. It's Omaru. 0.2 millimetres of wind, uh, rain rather, dripping down there at the moment. The temperatures across the main centres, we've got Stewart Island on 9 degrees right now. Chatham Islands, they, they, they'd they had no reading earlier. Then they went to 10. Now they've got no reading again, so they're having trouble with their thermometer. Uh, it, it, yeah, Invercargill, 8 degrees. Dunedin's on 10. Queenstown, 7. Across to the west coast there in a place called Franz Joseph, soon to be changed to Waiau, uh, if the Maoris have their way. Four degrees there and seven degrees up in Westport. That's going to be called Kawatiri. Yes, Kawatiri. And then in Timaru, uh, that's going to be Ti Tihui. Oh, no, I can't even pronounce it too long. I'll, I'll give it a go. Ti Te, te Tihi O Maru. There we are, that's Timaru. Mm, four, four degrees for you at the moment, and uh, it's a bit cold. A cold reception there. Uh, there At Christchurch, eight degrees. I did, I did Westport, didn't I? Nelson's quite warm there for this hour of the morning. Eleven degrees for you. Blenheim's on six degrees. I think if I missed anybody out. Oh, what about me? Uh, we'll go across to Wellington. And uh, Wellington, where all the crooks have now assembled and um, going to be all the globalists, all the puppet, puppet control. They're, yes, I guess they are puppets, really. Aren't they? they're good at, they've got to be actors, but they have to improve their acting. It's not very good acting, I think. Not very good acting. And they say, forget their lines, don't they? But they've, they forget, they've got to stick with the script. But the script does change, doesn't it, from time to time, depending on uh, what your masters, you know, the puppet masters, tell you to say. Wellington, 12 degrees. Masterton's on 6. Palmerston North, 14. Pretty good for Palmerston North. Uh, Napier has 13 degrees. New Plymouth is also is also on 13 degrees. Taupo has 15. Gisborne's on 16 this morning. No reading from Rotorua, so they might not be there. They may have been a terrorist attack in Rotorua. I'm not sure, but we don't have a thermometer uh, a, um, a weather gauge, nothing coming out of Rotorua at the moment. Maybe there's been some vandalism going on. Very violent place at the moment. You're not safe to walk around the streets at night in Rotorua. Uh, used to be wonderful town, beautiful place there next to the lake. If a swim in the lake, I think that's polluted as well now. Probably, probably council did that too. We, you know, you find that it's often councils that do all the polluting. You know, it is really. I mean, the polluting in the in the Hauraki Gulf at the moment, and uh, not the Gulf in the um, Waitemata Harbour, that's done by council not keeping those big stormwater, the main sewage line, which is actually mixed with stormwater. Uh, that is there. It's it's a, a two point one meter diameter uh, old clay main sewer line going through Dudges Bay there somewhere, I think it is, St George's Bay Road, they've got it, and now it's turned into a sinkhole. That's been happening. They've had shit <laughs> going into the Waitemata Harbour for decades. You know, every time you, there's a big rain, you go for a swim, you know, your kids get an ear infection, and you go to the doctor and they've got to give them antibiotics, super-duper ones. I guess they only get the ear, they wouldn't get the ear, if they didn't have their childhood vaccines, they probably wouldn't get an ear infection, the body would be able to fight it off without any, without killing all the good bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. So that's rotten hua. Uh, we've got Gisborne there, what have you got? Gisborne, 16 degrees, Tarong's on 14, what about Napier, we did all that, didn't we? Yeah, Hamilton, 14, 13 in Auckland, and Whangarei's 16, quite warm up in Whangarei, 16 and Kaitaia's on 16.3, that's the hottest place to be. There we go. Should we hear from the um, Should we hear from the weather guy? This yeah, we'll hear from him. Uh, how could that be? How could that be? How could he possibly have recorded this at, on Thursday, the nineteenth of October, which is today, isn't it? Today's Thursday at nine a.m. How could he do that? Let's have a listen and see what he says. Kia ora and welcome along to the Met Service National. No, you can get stuffed. 
We're not having any cures here. No, thank you very much. No, so let's, let's hear it from Grant. Well, firstly, for the North Island, for Northland rather, Northland's got mainly mainly cloudy, mostly cloudy, a few a few showers turning to rain from the north during the day. For Auckland, Waikato, Waitomo, Taramanui, Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty and Taupo, you've got uh, fine weather apart from the odd shower inland uh, from the afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, uh, fine weather apart from isolated afternoon and evening showers. Taranaki and Taihapi, also from Taihapi to Manawatu actually, fine apart from areas of morning and evening cloud. Horobanua to Wellington, also for the Wairarapa, fine weather for you wonderful folks down there in Levinway, Wellington and the Wairarapa. Uh, for Yordland and South Island, also for Southland as well, showers about fjords and Stewart Island fine elsewhere. The remainder of the South Island fine weather, apart from areas of morning cloud about the Canterbury coast but otherwise fine weather uh, and in the Chathams just partly cloudy for you. We won't worry about looking at an extended forecast I'll be back in a minute and we'll just I'll just finish off on Radio New Zealand then we'll go over and have a look at some of the other uh, publications we'll look at News Hub. Will we? Yes we'll look at News Hub and also we will be looking at um the stuff as well, see what they're up to. And we'll have to look at the international news. Gosh, it's going to take me a while to get through it all. International news from Reuters. And we'll also go to the Times of Israel and also Arut Shiva and uh, see what they've got to say about what's going on. And we'll bring you up to date with that as well. It's like yeah, Barry Satoro. Name. Like Barack Obama's Barry Satoro. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's his real name? Barry? Real name? Barry? Dude. His whole life he was Barry Satoro. What? Didn't he release his Satoro. birth certificate? Does anybody want to how do you cigar? not? How do you not know that? I've never heard. I know that people call him Barry. I've heard Barry. Barry Satoro. He's, but I thought that was like short for Barack. Barack yeah, yeah. Barry. Yeah. Like, you, like yeah. your friend. Totally. Like I call you Ejibra. Yeah. You know. Like, yeah. I thought that was normal. Certificate of birth. What is this? Barack Hussein Obama. That's his name. Because I his first Trump Trump by, uh, I don't know. He went by Barry Satoro. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct. There it is. Obama. Obama's real name is Barry Satoro. What? That's, this was uh, this explaining that it was on a meme page. Oh, so uh, uh, yeah, Barry, Barry was the nickname growing up. You're right. His buddies called it makes him Barry. Makes sense. Barry, yeah, Barry Barack, Barack. Barry makes sense. From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. All right, let's get back to Radio New Zealand, shall we? It is uh, f- almost a quarter past six in the morning here in New Zealand, quarter past six. What time is it over? In, it's, um, it's, a, well, it's not quarter past, it's 13 minutes past. 13 minutes, is it? Doesn't look like my clock must be running fast. It says 14 here, actually. And it's roughly quarter past over in, uh, in the evening on Wednesday night in Jerusalem right at the moment where all eyes are on the Middle East. Uh, at the moment and uh, so anyway let's get uh, back to Radio New Zealand just finish off there and just see if there's anything there that I've missed um, no place safe to go well we won't we won't do any more uh, sort of Middle East news from the New Zealand publications in case there's a bit of propaganda in there a new kind of speed camera now that camera that is something that uh, Waka Kotahi now that's the uh, Maori name for uh, New Zealand transport now, they say that a new road safety cameras that track a car's speed over the length of the road are way more effective at reducing crashes. I'll just read that again. Are way more effective at uh, increasing income for the government, <laughs> if the truth be known, isn't it? The, so, the, the so-called, so-called point-to-point cameras average the vehicle's speed over the journey between two cameras and they're being installed, oh, this is disgraceful, they're being installed along stretches of six roads that are considered high-risk crash. No, that's, no, they're considered high-speed, very, very um, high-speed areas where nothing to do with crashes, I guarantee it, high-speed areas where they can make a lot of money. 
Yes, that's right. So that's that's the idea. It's all just about you know just just it's just a tax, isn't it? When you get those tickets, I don't think there should be any speed. There should be no speed cameras. Anyway, I'll talk about me in a minute. Um, but first of all, they're going to put these cameras. They're going up in places like well, first of all, in Walkworth, Dairy Flat, Redvale, Shamrock Road, Caraca, Glenbrook. Those are the places where they're going to be putting them. The system has proven itself internationally at being very lucrative for the council, <laughs> for the government. <laughs> this is me. I, I, should re- I should be rewriting this. Drivers are only ticketed if the average speed over the entire distance between the two cameras is over the limit. So you just get one in the mail. It's just, it's a, it's, it's just a revenue gathering. We know it is. We know it's revenue, revenue gathering. We've, we've woken up, you know. We don't trust you, any of you now. You're all a pack of liars. Pack of bastards you are, aren't you? You know, there should be no speed limits and there should be no accident compensation. We should be able to sue. We should be all responsible for our actions. So if you're driving, I mean, I, like, I caught a cop doing 100 kilometres. He reckoned he was doing it. He said the speed limit's 100. I was on my horse with some others. And he was speeding on a country road. And he said, the speed limit's 100. I said, well, you need to slow down. Obviously, it's not. You've got to use your brain. And he was going to arrest me because I was smart with him. Just just talk like that. You've got to use your flipping brain, I said. I didn't swear at him or anything like that. Felt like it. Sitting up there on my horse. So I said, what are you doing? You know, this. we've got the legal right to be on this road. And you've got to look out for other people that are using the road. He said, it's the speed limit's 100. I said... It doesn't matter. It's not safe to do 100. Use your brain. You're a police. And turned out he wasn't a cop. He's a wannabe that works at the local station there. One of those wannabe ones driving the... What's, what's a wannabe cop doing driving a police car? He's not even a proper sworn officer. What's that? We're going for, you know, speeding on a country road. We heard him there roaring around. We could hear him. We were on horseback. Anyway, so that's that. Um, what else have we got here? New kind of speed cameras. We did that, didn't we? S&P, that's the um, standard and pause, isn't it? No reason to change New Zealand's credit rating with the new government. Okay, Three Waters is dead under national. Is it or not? Don't know. The mayor of, um, where is he, Ashburton, I think it is. Yes, the mayor of Ashburton, what's his name? Uh, Is Neil Brown. He says there will be a few things to change for local government under a national-led government. And Three Waters is probably the biggest one. The Three Waters reform is not dead and buried with the change in government. Ashburton Mayor Neil Brown says Three Waters reform is not dead. It's just going to be done differently. Well, I think it should definitely be dead and buried. They've got to revert. Didn't they promise they were going to turn that round? That's just theft of our forebears' assets that they did for us. It's just terrible. All right, now Radio New Zealand, um, we'll just have a look at sports just very quickly, you know, just the amusement. A means non, muse means think, non-think. So this is the sort of sports designed so that we don't think, don't think too much about all the bad crap that the that the uh, government's doing, all the stuff they're doing, pulling on us. Black caps are on edge after Afghanistan World Cup upset. Afghans upset win over England has made sure that the black caps haven't left any stone unturned turned as they prepare for the next game at the World Cup. They're all a bit worried. And now, Radio New Zealand releases a full transcript of Kerry Allen's speech. Well, that'd be interesting to have a listen to. That was the one that she she um, she did at her farewell for presenter Marnie Dunlop, who she was having a lesbian relationship with. She's the broadcaster, so they've released it. I think it was a bit of a battle to get that released. That'd be good to have a listen to that. I might might go over and have a listen to that.
She, she was in hot water for that anyway. So water use for the New Zealand data centres. Did you know that they use water? And they're saying that it's more carbon efficient, so-called carbon efficient. These these big data centres, there's two ways they can go about it. They can have air cooled or they can have water cooled. But they're saying it's using a, a, a truckload of water to keep these um, massive sort of um, bots, you know, bot-like things. These well, I think they call it chat GPT. And they reckon that there's some... Um, questions being asked over that it requires a lot of water two weeks training of the chat gpt would use the water equivalent to manufacturing 370 cars according to a study that was done the international affairs department said it had not asked the likes of microsoft and amazon if they planned to train ai that's what artificial intelligence on the data centers they're building in new zealand are they oh yeah calling accounts for nearly 40 percent of the total energy consumed by data centers Yes, otherwise it'd be really noisy and windy. You'd probably get a chill in the kidneys, wouldn't you? I mean, you, if you, if you have to go and work on them, um, because it'd be windy, wouldn't it? The big fans going, keeping everything cool so it doesn't blow a fuse, wreck the circuit board. They don't like being overheated. Internal affairs. What do they say? D A uh, D I A. What does that mean? I'm not sure. D I A. Data. Oh yeah, I just probably read it, did I? Data centers, be data intelligence center or something like that. Yeah. It's not provided advice directly to ministers in relation to the water use, but has supported advice to the government, uh, led by the MBIE, on data centres, according to Internal Affairs. The Ministry of Business and Innovation and Employment, they uh, advise uh, advise centres on power use and drew a forecast over 18 months. Did they? The industry is debating the water-cooled versus the air-cooled data centres, with most suggesting the former, water-cooled, use less energy. Microsoft has says that three data centres here will be carbon neutral. But um, so that, well, why can't they just do, have a, put some, uh, what do you call it, some um, antifreeze in there and run it through some refrigeration setup and just use the same old water, just reticulate it. It's not rocket science. Surely that's what you would do. You just wouldn't keep using this water and just pouring it and letting it go down the, down the drain. What a waste. No, you'd, I mean, you're not drinking it. Why couldn't it just put some glycol in it? That's glycol. That's the technical term for um, antifreeze. And that helps and keeps things cooler. Uh, I think unless it affects the pipes or something. I don't know. You'd have to put something in there. But anyway, so just um, just run, run it through refrigeration unit. Surely that would be the, the answer. Just cool it. Ah, that's, that's a no-brainer. Oh, gosh, um, yeah, they should really get me in to for advice. Really, I don't know why they don't give me a call. They just just tell them listen to the Grant Edwards Breakfast Show at Liberty NZ in the mornings, and um, he's he's quite intelligent. <laughs> get him in for advice. Get me in. Uh, okay, it's twenty two minutes past six here on the uh, the breakfast program with me, Grant Edwards. Um, Wellington Council looks to juggle projects between their ballooning town. Oh, we talked about that earlier. Gisborne Council they see a decline in public sentiment, but it's not surprise. What's that about? I wonder. We've got a look. Gisborne Council sees decline in public sentiment, but it's not a surprise. This is some um, who wrote this. Kate Green. She's a journalist. Uh, gosh, that looks a terrible place. What a mess that is. Cleanup continues in Tikaraka, a settlement inland from Gisborne in the wake of the cyclone Gabriel. 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 I don't know. Public sentiment towards local councils has fallen, with places affected by cyclone Gabriel. 
uh, feeling the strain in business as usual services. The agenda for a meeting of the Gisborne District Council on the 12th of October details a decline in public sentiment. Disappointedly, but understandably, we saw a decrease in some of our performance measures, including community sentiment towards our services. Yeah, well, yeah, we are. We're pissed off with you. The whole country's pissed off with you because you're actually moving our rates money. You're channeling it into the smart city stuff, aren't you? The what do they call it? The um, what is Rosa Corey? Look her up. K O I R E. Rosa Corey. Um, uh, what do they call it? Oh, oh, she's got a name for it. Small break in transmission there. Uh, yeah, it's um. Oh, Sustainable development, that's what it is, sustainable development. And so they're channeling our money, which should be going to, to you know, for infrastructure and keeping things, you know, doing some maintenance on stuff, like the water pipes in Auckland, like the sewage pipe that's, got, that's now got sewage, hundreds of thousands of litres of sewage. Like, you're talking, it'll be hundreds of thousands that's gone on. That's gone on for months, and it's still happening. And it's been going on for decades, if you ask me, with the leaking, you know, seeping into the Waitemata Harbour, and they blame boaties for poop and stuff like that. They make us put holding tanks in our yachts, uh, which which we we do anyway because we're sensible, uh, or we make sure we go go out and feed it to the fish a bit further out. There are rules and regulations on that, but you know that's nothing. That's like that's just that's just a speck, uh, just a drop in the in the in the Pacific uh, when you consider the council's pollution. That because of their inability to keep an, keep on eye on things, I think half the trouble is they they keep changing they keep changing the mayor all the time, keep changing all the council. You vote them in every three years, is it or whatever? And of course, they just leave it to the next ones, and things don't get done. There should be some rules where where important projects are made sure make sure they're handed on to the next lot that comes through. And the other thing I don't like is that we elect these councillors and we elect the mayor and then they go and employ some CEO, some chief executive officer who's unelected and he's the one that calls the shots and makes all the, does all the decisions. We didn't elect him. They should do away with that completely. And just get back to people that know what they're doing and you, if, unless you know what you're doing. I mean, it makes it, to me it makes it seem like all, the, all it is really is they're just um, employing, we're voting for actors that are going to be told what to do by the United Nations, who've infiltrated every council in the in the country. Every single council in this country have signed up to the smart cities, and that's what they're doing. They're actually channeling your money, which should be going your rates. It's tax, which should be and it's huge. It should be going towards infrastructure and rebuilding, and uh, you know making sure that that uh, things are kept up to date, maintenance, that sort of thing, potholes for one thing. And that all just went crazy when so-called the, the fake pandemic happened, didn't it, over their fake COVID response. That, that's when the potholes really started to surface. Councils are just sitting on their hands. They haven't got the money because they're putting it into other things. They're putting it into, into, into things that are like black operations, black ops, that we don't know about. That's what they're doing. And that's disgraceful. Shouldn't be allowed to do it. I need another cup of tea. I've, I've drunk all my coffee. I've had a big cup this morning and I can't keep drinking coffee and I need to get a glass of water because I've got something in my throat. But anyway, so so anyway, that's what I think is going with your councils. We know what you're doing. You're hiding our money. You're actually you're diverting our taxes that were supposed to be there for us. You're there for us. Don't forget that. You are there for the people. But what's happening is you're there for the world government. That's what you're there for. You're there for the United Nations. You're following out their rules and regulations. And it's very easy 
you know, they've just bypassed the a lot of the a lot of the um, they just bypass local government and they go straight to the you know, local national. They, you know, what do they call it? National government, and they go to the little councils and they get in there. They they put their people and they install them like infiltration. Klaus Schwab he he brags that he's uh, he's got people that are entrenched that infiltrated. Really, I use another word. Um, in in the in governments all around the world, he's got them installed, and they're 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 not so they're not doing our stuff. That's why Liz Gunn was encouraged to stand as a politician, to become a politician, to become the leader of the new party, New Zealand Loyal, because the the whole slogan is loyal to you, not to them. The globalists, and that's what we've got. We've got people that are in local government, local body, in the regional council. They're all following United Nations orders. Uh, planned retreat and all this climate change nonsense. Climate change is just uh, it's just invented to uh, to get more tax for the world government that's coming, which is going to be ruled by the Antichrist. We know that because we read our Bibles and we believe it. All right, I've really um, I'm sick to death of um, Radio New Zealand. We've had enough of them, haven't we? We'll do a quick refresh in case something interesting's happened. Oh yes, gosh! I'm never going. I'm not even going to get off this page, am I? Uh, the West Coast surprising shade of blue. This is the, the detail. Oh, it's a long form thing, isn't it? All Blacks named team for semi final against Argentina. Sam Whitelock replaces Brody Retallick. Oh, did you know that? He's that's as Lock and Martin Tilia. Is that it? Tilia. He is back on the left wing. Oh, that's just come through 17 minutes ago. Now the Heafy track that's reopened. Thousands already booked for that. Small West Coast town is looking forward to the long-awaited reopening of the South Island's Heafy Track. That's just come through 30 minutes ago. And New Zealand urged to make it easy. Oh, we, we talked about that. We were all over that. The people living over in Kiribati and also Tuvalu, their, their island is sinking apparently. It's getting wet because of climate change. Man-made. Uh, what have we got here? The hospital uni staff. No, that's it. That's the only new thing there that's come in the Black Caps stretched winning streak. Uh, Stats New Zealand launched new monthly inflation tracker. That's just that's the latest. There we are. Stats New Zealand. Have a look at that. Stats New Zealand will be providing a more comprehensive snapshot of price inflation with a new monthly price index from the middle of next month. That's November. The selected price uh, index is the SPI. Combine the prices of alcoholic beverages and tobacco petrol and diesel, domestic and international airfares, and accommodation services with the existing food and rent price index. It is expected to offer a more timely analysis of household prices and not intended to replace or replicate the quarterly consumer price index, that's the CPI, which offered a more broad-based look at price inflation. Stats New Zealand General Manager Jason Atwell, he said the SPI would offer a more timely analysis for household prices. He said, we're looking to reorganise the New Zealand, uh, New Zealand like the rest of the world, uh, are you? In, uh, in a period of really high inflation, because it's all, it's all, it's all blimmin', you know, engineered inflation, and so uh, having those really timely indicators, really, really timely, yeah, we say really a lot, don't we? Really good. Really, really, it's really good. Do you have a good time? Oh, it's really good. It's really big, really, really. We do that a lot here. Uh, these really timely indicators of what's happening to the cost of living. It's been a really, it's said it again, really important to all New Zealanders, but particularly really important <laughs> to customers that we are working with, like the Reserve Bank and the Treasury as well. He said it's really good. Uh, he said that the prices included in the CPI, 
that's um, they account for about 44 percent of the of the CPI or the SPI. So the prices included in the SPI account for 44 percent of the CPI's weighted price. The monthly SPI will include all the data currently published in the food price index, all the data currently published in the rental price indexes. Next, are the new monthly data for the alcoholic beverage and tobacco group. Uh, I don't, I don't buy mine. Uh, if I was going to buy a, a, some smokes and get it off my mate, he grows it and blends it. Beautiful, fifty bucks, fifty bucks. You want some tobacco? Give me a call. <laughs> fifty bucks for a fifty grams. Eh? It's a hundred and thirty bucks, isn't it? I mean, if, if I was desperate for fag, there's no way I'm going to spend that much money. Most of it goes to the government. New data, new monthly data uh, for petrol prices without fuel discounts. Uh, uh, backdated to June 2011, so that's what that's going to do. The new monthly data for domestic international uh, airfares, that's going to be backdated to June 2015, so we're going to go right back and really have a good look at it. New monthly data for accommodation services, backdated to June 2017, don't know why the different dates. The first SPI will be released on the 14th of November, so that's about, a, um, that's about 10 days after we know who the actual government's going to be. We'll find that out on the 3rd or the 4th, won't we? Whether Winston's going to be in the in the government or not, I think they know already. I think they've been count. They're counting away. I mean, they only had five hundred and seventy votes to count the special votes, so I think they've got a pretty good idea. Uh, you know, that that he's in. That's why they're ringing him. I tell you now. Okay, so that is the latest. That is everything that you need to know about what's happening today. If you don't, if you're busy, you're driving, or you're just busy working, and you haven't got time to sit there and read the newspaper or read the. Um, you know, get on the computer and have a look and see what's going on. Here's me, Grant, letting you know what's going on and putting my spin on it. Why not? We have to put a bit of a backspin on it because they've spun it, you know, the way they want it to read, all climate change and all that. Absolute rubbish, isn't it? Just just absolute nonsense. But we can see through it. We can see through it. When I come back, we'll go to News Hub. There is no job worth $2 million a year. That's why they pay athletes these fantastic salaries. I was listening to the radio the other day. They just contracted to pay one one player on one team $6 million a year. Can you believe this? And why is that? It's the Roman circus. What does the emperor do when the people become restive and when the people are asking questions and when the people don't like the policies of the emperor? He sends them to the circus. He creates a circus. He builds a giant coliseum. And he begins to throw the Christians to the lions. And he has great chariot races and football games and basketball games, all to keep the idiots preoccupied with things that don't mean anything in the scheme of the entire world. So that they don't have the time to learn what the truth is. So they don't ever get smart enough to learn how they're being manipulated. So they don't ever question the emperor. That's why they pay a player on a football team or a baseball team a million or two million or three million dollars a year. It is the Roman circus. All right, uh, yes, okay, there we go. And uh, I've got a picture there of old, um, what's his name, Joe Biden. It's a bit loud. I don't like it, all that loudness in the background there. I have to get the hang of that. Okay, we're over on News Hub. It's still too loud. It's driving me nuts. Shit, that's better. Oh, quite a bit of music. I'm trying to be. T- I'm trying to be creative here. 
Uh, oh, whoops, we're going to end up having an ad if I'm not careful. Uh, okay, now let's have a look here. Biden, we're over at Ra- uh, News Hub. Uh, you can find them at newshub.co.nz. And the latest here in this, uh, goes straight to the Middle East. Biden offers Israeli support. Palestinian aid, also the Palestinians' aid from Tel Aviv. So he's over there now. That's just come through 20 minutes ago. And it's Talia. He's the White Lock. Talia White Lock. He must no, he's not. It's Talia and Whitelock returned to the All Blacks. Starting that's the starting side for the World Cup semi-final on the weekend. That's just come through an hour ago. The cost of living, unaffordable Kiwis reveal what favourite uh, supermarket items they've been forced to cut back on. Uh, meat, probably. <coughs> Gosh, sorry about that. I missed. I missed time there, didn't I? Uh, Cricket World Cup Black Caps. They uh, they route uh, Afghanistan to continue the perfect Cricket World Cup run. That's just come through within the last couple of hours. And transport uh, revealed images of a freight train buried by a landslide on the west coast. Good grief! Didn't know that. Is that old? Um, Anyway, let's we'll go, have a quick look. Uh, we'll, do, we'll just do a bit more sport. We just it was just telling us what sport's all about. That fellow wasn't he? It's just to keep us quiet while they while we watch watch these overpaid people running around the field. Uh, very emotional time. Kiwi referee O'Keefe he responds to French World Cup criticism. Oh, oh, that's a bit of a shame. Well, maybe we'll look at that later if we've got time. Okay, so transport. I just want to have a look at this one. Images of a freight train buried by landslide on the South Island's west coast revealed. Oh, really? The first images of uh, a freight train there down on the west coast have been revealed. Kiwi Rail is working with the geotechnical teams to stabilise the area before going in to recover the stranded locomotive. Oh, it is a locomotive. It's not an old steam engine. The coal train. Oh, what? The coal train. Oh, OK. The coal train became trapped at 3 a.m. on uh, that Monday. Really? Inside a tunnel covered by a hillside of mud and debris. The general manager... His name is Paul Ashton. He's the general Kiwi Rail Executive General Manager. I'll have you know. Uh, he said there's a massive amount of earth that have come down the hill and has covered the the portal of the tunnel. Wow, looking at the photos. Oh, yeah, it's really done in. So that takes coal. Where does that take coal to? There's obviously, they, they, we're using a lot of coal still. The train operating at slow speed hit the slip, Ashton said. With uh, It was a, a minor derailment of the locomotive. The only person on board was the engineer who luckily escaped without any injury. Just the one engineer. It'll have just one person. They should have a couple of guys. Sure, they're cutting back, obviously. The empty train became trapped in the Buller Gorge near Hawke's Crag, travelling northbound from Stillwater. It was heading to the uh, Nakar Wau and... Unless either that they've got two two words put together there, yeah, Nakawao and I don't even know what where, uh, what's that. Is that a Maori word? Nakawao and oh, unless they mean the Nakawao end. No, uh, anyway, it's the line that used by one of the, it's one of its key customers at the moment for coal export. Oh, okay, so they've still got coal mines going. I didn't know that. I thought they sort of abandoned all that. I thought we were getting our coal from India or somewhere. Anyway, so Kiwi Rail said that they can't put a timeline on how long it's going to take to fix everything. What do they have to do? Unstable nature of the earth. It's very unstable. It looks very dodgy. So they're not putting people in there. Uh, They're using drones to assess the extent of the damage. They're too scared to walk in. Oh, it does look a bit dangerous, actually. Blimey, how are they going to fix that? I suppose they just got... Gosh... So they're in there with drones, and there's a big river. So it's not easy because you've got the hillside on one side, which is all unstable. 
And then on the other side, you've got this Jolly River, which looks like it's running at a fair old speed. It says fallen boulders the size of trucks cover the road of the tunnel. And there's a photograph there, courtesy of News Hub. So that's that wee story. Uh, so that's just about it. I think Paddy Gower, no, Census Stats New Zealand won't prosecute people who, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, so you know all those people that said that they didn't want to do their, um, the, the census. Well, according to this story, um, they call themselves Tataoranga. That's what Stats New Zealand is now called. They've changed it without, without informing us, without informing we the people. So Stats New Zealand, they say that uh, it won't prosecute people who didn't take part in the national census this year. I wonder why that is. Simon Mason, Deputy Chief Executive of Census Collections Operations, he announced the decision on Wednesday, yesterday. He said that we routinely undertake due diligence before starting any process seeking prosecution of individuals. Do they actually do that for not completing the census? I think it should be um, up to us. You know, if you, you don't want to do it. Um, hands up who hasn't done their census. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter anyway, so you don't have to. He said, now, the reason for this is they didn't, the staff, the people there didn't do their due diligence. Staff found a mistake in how the Data and the Statistics Act, ah, oh, was applied. That's the Statistics Act 2000, so I'm having trouble saying that, the Statistics, the Statistics Act of 2022, how it was applied. So they had found a mistake in how the Data and Statistics Act 2022 was applied. We accept, he says, we accept that we needed to be more specific with the respondents, Mason said then. The Act, under the Act, the tw- this is the 2022 Act, a request for data needs to state the section the request falls under, one, the final date to respond by, and the consequences of not complying, for example, a fine or prosecution. He says we didn't need all the requirements of the Act detail and as a result have decided not to proceed with prosecutions from the 2023 census. That'll be a relief for some people. Um, I didn't think they ever did that anyway. Fines can be up to $2,000, they say. But Mason said it was in the public's interest to issue another another request for data because the 89 to 91% of the people in... They've put some Maori word in there. New Zealand, they felt, apparently they say, I don't know if that's true though, 89 to 91%, gosh, every third person I talked to never filled out the census, they avoided it, don't know why. I think Christians are a bit worried about census because it was a census that they made, they made you all go home to some area because the Romans wanted to take a census and they, they all had to go home to where, they, you know, where their birthplace was so they could take part in the census and it, it was all a bit nefarious and I don't know, I think it's none of their business, they don't need to know all that information. They don't need to. Just get on with it, you know. Get on with the job. Now, uh, so that's News Hub. What else have we got there? Uh, Cricket World Cup. So the, the main headlines are, I guess, the Middle East, Biden's offer to support the Palestinians and also the um, Israelis, going to support them with aid in Tel Aviv. And they send aid in, but what happens is the Egyptians and the Jordanians, they block it. They're blocking people from getting out. Israel wants them out. Israel has to take them. They have to take people that are firing rockets at them. 80% of Palestinians are in favour of Hamas. 80%. Yeah, sure, that's right, Grant. Yeah, well, that's what I heard. I heard that on Israel News Talk Radio. 80%. So I haven't verified it. But I would say I'd say that would be about right. I mean, that's, 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 what my, that's what I'm getting. And I've been getting this for, for decades and I would say that most of the Arab world, in fact, now we've got we've got people that aren't even Arabs that hate the Jews, 
um, they they want Israel. Where where do you want the Israelis to go? I mean, they. You, I mean, Hitler were destroyed. You know, almost all of them, half of them at least. Anyway, uh, in Europe, his aim. He had a meeting with Husseini, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Yasser Arafat's uncle, Uncle Husseini. He had a meeting with him. It's on record in Germany, actually. That uh, he said, Hitler says to him, "This is a, we it in German." He said, "This is a war. I want you to get, get this through your thick head." <laughs> you dumb Arab. He probably thought to himself, "Get this through your thick head. This is not a war of boundaries, not a war of borders." I think the correct term was. He didn't. He said, "It's not a war of borders. This is a war of the annihilation of the Jewish people." That's what Hitler told him. And then he Hitler organized a Panzer division for the an Arab Panzer division to help them f- kill all the Jews. World War Two. That's what that whole European thing is going to go right through Europe, invade all these countries, and kill all the Jews. That was what was that was what was pushing him. And why did he want to invade all these Western countries? Because he wanted to he wanted to kill all the Jews. That was it. He was de- he was possessed. He probably had devils by the hundreds in him. The Bible tells us that people can have more than one devil. They can have heaps of devils, so many devils, in one person. Credible, isn't it? Unbelievable. The Bible calls them devils. The new, the corrupt new versions calls them demons. But they're devils, basically. That's the word. And uh, yeah, there it is. And so, so they hate them. They hate the Jews. They do. The Arabs pretty much do, unless they become Christians. There's a lot of a lot of Arabs that have become Christians, and they have they have a love. A real Christian has a love for Israel and a love for the Jewish people. It's it's a, it's in our spirit to love them because we're now one with the believing ones, especially the the Messianic Jews. But I still have a love for the Israelis. I don't kind of want to go there in case they're not as nice as I imagine they'd be. I want them to be. <laughs> I don't want to curse a Jew because the Bible says if you curse the Jews, God will curse you. If you bless the Jews and pray for Israel, God will bless you. You won't make a liar out of God. When these things are written, they come true. When the Bible says something, it always comes true. Oh, that grates on you, doesn't it, eh? Some of you listening now, oh, that just annoys me. I know I've got three words that, that you'll hate then if that grated on you. Sometimes when you quote a scripture, you know, like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. That's already that some of you go, ah, I don't want to hear it. It's like, you know, something inside you is, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to change now. And everyone leaves leaves the channel. There's three words that you hate, that hate that hate Israel. Here's three words. People that hate Israel, people that hate the, um, the Jewish people. There's three more words you're going to hate. It's four words. Well, there's a definite article, but just forget that. The Lord... Jesus Christ. Those three words are an anathema to most of the world. They don't mind Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They don't mind Lord. They don't mind Christ on its own because there's lots of Christs. There's lots of Jesuses. Look in the Mexican phone book. But they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil hates it. And if you hate it, you've got to ask yourself, You've got to check your spirit. What is wrong with me? Why would I hate hearing that? Why would I hate hearing someone quote a Bible verse? What is wrong with me? Why? What can't I? Why can't I be tolerant of that? It's because you're a child of the devil, 
That's what the Bible says. You're a child of disobedience. You've disobeyed God. You've rejected him. You've rejected his son who came to earth as a man, laid down his life all on purpose as the Lamb of God once and for all, died for your sins and mine, and all you've got to do is believe it. That's it. Just believe it, that he did that, he did that for you. And the Bible says that he's faithful and just. If you, if you confess your sins to him, not to Mary, <laughs> not to the priest who's probably a pedophile, not to him, the drunken pedophile, but to, to God, in, in your spirit, God of spirit, just pray, Dear Lord, please forgive me for my sins. And mean it, though. Don't just parrot it. It's not like, you know, abracadabra. You know, it's not like that. But the Bible says if you confess your sins to him, not to G, not to the priest, like I said, um, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise that you get if you confess your sins to God, Jesus Christ, the Lord, because Jesus is God, Jesus, because he's man, fully man, fully God, fully man, and he's Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the anointed one, and that's his full title, it's got many names, but that's his full title of um, the deity, the trinity, if you like, the Godhead, Lord Jesus Christ, that's him. The Lord God. That's who he is. When those, when those apostles were, standing, were sitting there with Jesus, they were speaking to God. They were looking at, at what God would, how he revealed himself as a man on earth. They were talking to God. Isn't that incredible? A lot of people don't believe that. Right now I can hear you. <laughs> no, he's not God. He's the Son of God. Yes, but the Son of God means he is God here on earth. The Son of God, the Father and the Son are one. It's a bit like an egg. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Same thing, interchangeable. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's just like an egg. God gives us examples. Three-leaf clover. Time, space, matter. Lots of examples of three and one. An egg. Egg shell, egg white, egg yolk. It's one egg. You can't have, you can't have one without the other. You know I me, mean, I suppose you can. But, I mean, if you want to keep the egg... Um, and keep its integrity there's a shell a container things have to be contained <laughs> then you egg, egg white and you egg yolk but there's lots of examples of three God's given it to us in creation the world the cre- creation reveals God but you go to university and you have that taught out of you don't you your parents teach you not little children they understand that they're created they know there's a God it's in them and then we teach them out of it. We do. So, oh, no, it's just a fairy tale. And then we introduce things like, you know, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, which is a lie made up. And we get them, you know, believing that fairy tale. And then you think, oh, well, is, you know, is Jesus just a fairy tale as well? Don't tell your children lies about Santa and all that. It's just rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Some pagan festival. <laughs> why, why do Christians do that? Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. Come on. Think about it couldn't have been they were out in the fields they're not going to be out in the middle of winter watching the flocks it wasn't the 25th 25th is a pagan high day that's what that is and Easter he didn't die at Easter he died at the Passover two different times two different ceremonies Easter, Ishtate 
the Queen of Heaven, Easter, Ishtar, the Goddess of Fertility, Venus. That's what that's all about. They used to paint eggs. The pagans would paint eggs at Easter, send them to one another as gifts. It's a snake wrapped around the egg. That's the um, the beginning of life. It's just paganism, and we do, and we think that Jesus uh, was um, crucified at Easter. Nonsense. And the only way you're going to get to the truth of that is to get a King James Bible because it mentions the word Easter in there. It says that Herod is going to wait till after Easter. And it says just before that in that verse, I think it's Acts, either Acts 12.4 or Acts 4.12, can't remember, somewhere there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the book of Acts. It's in there and it says, um, I better not let the time run away on me. Uh, it says that just before that verse where it says he's going to wait until after Easter to bring him forth. And the new versions say Passover, just because the Greek word says Pascha, they think that that has to be translated into the same. Idiom dictates context, uh, grammar in translation. A lot of you don't know that, but it does. Idiom dictates grammar. And I know Greeks, and mate, and mate, I know Greeks that say, oh, I said, what does that mean? Well, it could mean Passover, or it could mean Easter. But just because it sounds like a transliteration, well, it is a transliteration, just because it sounds like it doesn't mean to say it's right. And if it, if it was wrong in the Greek, God corrected it in the English in 1611. It's Easter. It has to be. Why? Because the verse before says, these are the days of unleavened bread. And the only way that you guys can get around that and say, oh, well, the days of unleavened bread, that's all part of the Easter. You know, that's all part of the Passover, rather, not Easter. That's all part of the Passover. So that, no, the Passover is a de- separate ceremony. And the days of unleavened bread comes after the Passover, not before. But it says these are the days of unleavened bread. He's going to wait till after the Passover? No. They have the Passover first, then the days of unleavened bread. So the King James Bible got it right. God corrected it in the, in the English text of the Protestant Bible in 1611. That's why I believe that book is perfect at the word level. Because there's a mistake right there by calling when Jesus Christ died Easter he didn't die at Easter he died at the Passover and Easter pagan uh, Herod his wife was a pagan he was celebrating with her their Easter their Estate their Queen of Heaven you know and yet he is supposed to be a Jewish king but he was uh, he was a pagan she certainly was anyway and so it definitely wasn't. So if, so if you want a pure book, if you want, I mean, you can become a Christian reading any Bible you want. You don't even need a Bible. You can read a verse on a toilet door, can't you? We know that. Corrupt Bible versions, no problem at all. No problem at all. But if you want to know all of God's Word, if you want it to go through, right through you and prepare you, you need to hear the word. The Jesus said, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words are spirit, and they are life. And so I want all of God's words. I don't want any taken away. Who takes God's words away? The devil does. And so what would you do if you were the devil? Well, if I put my evil cap on, I'd come to earth, I'd change the book. I would change the the instruction manual on how you should live, where you came from, who you are, where you're going when you die, I would change that. That would, I'd just change it a little bit. 
I wouldn't change all of it. I just change bits of it here, and I'd introduce some the interesting thing here. You know, bring a bit of Gnosticism in there from Alexandria, Egypt. Bring that in, and I'd have, and that's what I would do. Yep, and that's what he's done. But God promised in twelve Acts twelve six and seven, He promised to preserve His words forever. And you're only going to get that truth in the King James Bible because if you look in the New Bibles, they've changed verse seven that God's going to preserve the people. But He didn't say that. The context is the words. The words of the Lord are pure. I think it goes something like this. The words of the Lord are pure, as pure as um, um, purified in a fire of earth, something like that. That's pretty pure, you know, pretty pure if you're a goldsmith or something. And anyway, he said, it says, uh, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I believe that. Most Christians don't. They don't believe God is able to keep a million words together. He said, oh no, the original says, well, how do you know? You ever seen an original? Wouldn't know if you fell over it. No one knows. No one's seen an original. There's no originals. There's not even an original King James Bible. It's 1611. It's, not, it's been lost. It's been lost. On purpose. Because God never promised to preserve the books, the manuscripts, the language, he promised to preserve his words. And if God chooses to move it into, into to Cantonese or Mandarin in the future, that's God's business. Then, then we'll have to learn those languages if we want God's word. But right now, we're living in the end, I believe we're living in the end times, and I believe English as we know it today is King James English. Nothing's changed. Just got to read the dedicatory at the very beginning to tell us there's no these and thous in it. They didn't speak like that. That's biblical language, the these and the thous and the thines and all that. And all, a lot of those palms up in northern England, they're, oh, I, who, who's round is it? It is thine. They're speaking biblical, biblical language. That's what they're speaking. Anyway, so that's just me. That's just my opinion. Okay, uh, what do we do now? Let's, um, oh, we've, have we, we've looked at that, haven't we? The um, Miramar lady that was killed, the man believed to have killed the woman in Wellington suburb of Miramar. He's since been found dead in Hong Kong. Police named the woman on Wednesday as Irene Katsaugianis. Katsaugianis. She's aged 62, following the completion of a post-mortem examination. Katsaugianis was found dead at a home in Tocha Road in Miramar just after 2pm on October the 16th. That's Monday. This guy flew out on Sunday. Her friend went to check on her, had concerns about her safety, and police responded immediately, and they launched a homicide investigation. Officers believe the man responsible for her death was a male known to her who left New Zealand on October the 15th, that's Sunday. Uh, police statement, who's that made by? Just his police. Uh, he has since died in Hong Kong, and local police are investigating circumstances. What well, Hong Kong police, I suppose they are. They're pretty tough over there. You'll go missing, actually. If you're, if you're a crook in Hong Kong and you do something wrong, cops will just, you don't go to court, you just end up going missing. Uh, police says the investigation was progressing well. Uh, they've got a scene examin examination, and that's expected to be finished by the weekend. So there we are, they're working on that one. Uh, also, Election 23, Chris Hipkins, he reveals how his partner Tony with an eye, it's a woman, we all thought he was a homo and he went to live with his boyfriend. But no, oh, I'm a, you've gone up my estimation a bit now. Apparently people that meet Chrissy, they like him. They said he's really nice. We just didn't like you because you were making, you know, we do, you, during the fake pandemic, you were forcing all these horrible rules and laws on us. We didn't like you for that reason. 
So I know we weren't very happy with you about that. Um, anyway, so here we are. So her name is Tony, and uh, he says to have her in my corner supporting me through this was a very was a pretty pretty amazing really pretty. We say words like really and pretty, don't we? Here in New Zealand, it was a pretty amazing thing. And I did uh, want to make sure that I thanked her publicly. So she's brought her out in the open, and she looks sweet. Actually, she looked quite a bit younger than him. She looks in her twenties, if you ask me. And but he looks young though, doesn't he? He's probably not that old. Oh, he probably is actually quite old, but he's got that boyish look about him, isn't, hasn't he? So this story's by, um, who wrote this? William Hewitt. He wrote the story, and it's got a video over it, but I'll get rid of that. Chris Hipkins says his partner Tony's getting used to her newfound stardom after the Labour leader's name checked, sorry, after the La- Labour leader name-checked her during a concession speech on Saturday night. During the speech... Hipkins thanked his parents and his children for their support and sacrifice during the campaign, but also revealed details about his new partner. He said, there's someone else special that I want to thank tonight, someone that that most of you won't know, and that's my partner, Tony, Hipkins said uh, as part of his concession speech. Uh, he says, being Prime Minister is not the only special thing that has happened to me this year, and I want to thank you for being with me every step of the way uh, over the last few months as we have gone through this campaign. He said that to Tony Hipkins told AM on Wednesday, that's yesterday, so that'll be with Ryan, I suppose, Ryan Bridge. He said Tony's getting used to the spotlight. He says it's a little bit of an adjustment there, and we'll work through that together, but it just wouldn't have been felt right to thank my family and not to thank the person who has just been such an amazing person supporting me over the last couple of weeks. Hipkins told, um, oh no, it was Laura Tupu. He told her she's the host of the AM show. That's the TV show there. Uh, The campaign was tough for him and the entire Labour team and he was thankful to have her supporting him. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty tough. We were all against you. We didn't like you. We like you now that you're out. (laughs) We forgive you. Just don't go near. Don't go anywhere near the halls of of power again. But I don't know. We're going to be in trouble, I think, with um, with uh, the new lot. We've got the fascists in now, and uh, we've got TNT Radio News coming up any moment now. I'll just see if I can work my way over there and find uh, find find the find the buttons, and I'll, we'll take it now. We're right on right on seven o'clock with TNT Radio News. We're going to carry on for another hour because I've got a lot to get through. We've got lots of interesting things. Oh, here we are. Here's TNT Radio News now. TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The Israeli Defense Force has launched a vehement defense against claims that Israeli rockets destroyed a hospital in Gaza, which has left hundreds dead. The Al-Ali Arab Hospital was hit by a missile at just before 7 p.m., with Hamas reporting that over 500 people were killed in the blast. If true, this would make it the deadliest bombing of the five wars Israel and Hamas have fought over Gaza, though some have put the number closer to 300. The IDF's evidence includes audio reportedly presenting a conversation between two Hamas members as they realize the rocket may have come from the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, an independent jihadist group. They're saying that the shrapnel from the missile is local shrapnel and not like Israeli shrapnel. Former CIA official Jeremy Bash. 
put out a radar track showing that the missile from Islamic Jihad flew right over the hospital. They also say that there's a SIGIN intercept of Islamic Jihad fighters talking about firing this rocket. So we don't have the evidence, and I take the point earlier, we may never know. But the fact that it was reported breathlessly, word for word, from Hamas, which obviously has no credibility. I mean, they told your, they told Richard Engel they'd release the hostages if there was no airstrikes within one hour. Your reporter just gave a set of piece in which she said there's been no airstrikes here for three hours. So where are the hostages? They're nowhere to be found. So I don't think we can credit Hamas. I think this is a dicey situation. I credit the president for going. Uh, and hopefully they'll be calm. Hopefully there'll be humanitarian relief inside the southern part of the Gaza Strip. Um, and the U.S. can kind of transmit a, a message of strength and uh, resolute support for Israel at this time. Chinese agents have targeted at least 20,000 Britons on websites such as LinkedIn in a bid to get information. The U.K.'s chief spy said on Tuesday. Speaking ahead of a summit of Five Eyes security chiefs in California, MI5 Director General Ken McCollum said his teams detect massive amounts of covert activity by the likes of China in particular, besides those from Russia and Iran. He said activity not aimed just at government or military secrets, not even aimed at our critical infrastructure, but increasingly at promising startups. Innovative companies spun out of our university's academic research itself and people that understandably may not think national security is about them. Last month, the cabinet office said the Chinese regime has been headhunting government and military officials and people in key positions in an industry and the wider society. Mr. McCallum said the MI5 is now aware of over 20,000 cases. U.S. President Joe Biden accepted an invitation from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to visit the country in a gesture of support. However, White House officials are concerned for President Biden's safety there, believing Hamas may target the U.S. president. Such a trip during Israel's armed conflict with Hamas militants could become one of the highlights of the Biden presidency, similar to his unannounced visit to Kiev in February. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says President Biden is only going there for the photo op. Well, we can't forget that this is an election year coming up. We're into the election cycle, and there is no better photo op for any U.S. president, especially an incumbent, than the big photo op standing on the aircraft carrier, standing on the deck of the USS Gerald Ford docked off the coast of Israel, Biden wearing the bomber jacket with the American Eagle patches, the commander-in-chief, the black chips sunglasses. That's the photo op that everybody wants going into an election and certainly that's the only reason that Biden's going over there is for those images and to be seen to be standing shoulder to shoulder with America's greatest friend and ally as they say the state of Israel but the thing is why is Biden going to go right now in the middle of what is an impending genocide as Israel is mounting its ground war to move into Gaza this is going to be Bad optics for Joe Biden on so many different levels. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. He's talking nonsense. It's not going to be a genocide. You've you've just you're, you've lost your marbles. You're an anti-Semite. That's what you are, Patrick. Just admit it. You hate the Jews. You need to self. You need to. You need. There is no reason for you to say. I can't believe they're letting you get away with it. Frankly, you need to be. Um, you must. You must be quite high up. In TNT. I think it's terrible. I'm going to stop taking your news if you keep up this anti-Semitic rubbish. Now, this is the problem. We have modern women that have nothing else to offer except for their looks. When their looks start to fade and go, older women would say, you know what, you might need to act a little different. You're supposed to move different. You're a mom now. Like, guys, I don't think it's crazy that we don't do the same thing at 16 that we do at 30. 
From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Alrighty, okay, let's uh, let's look at the weather forecast, shall we? Let's look at the extremes. Oh, we've got no extremes. Currently dry in all areas. That's the extremes. Oh, come on. Give us a break. I'll do a quick refresh on that. I'm sure there's a mistake. Got to be a mistake there. Has to be has to be wrong. Gotta be. Gotta be. What are we up to now? Seven minutes past seven. A genocide. Oh gosh, I knew anything such rubbish. It's not gonna be a genocide. I mean, he, he's completely he, no talk. He doesn't. He just doesn't want to even um, talk about what the uh, the terrorists have done to the Israelis. I mean, it's shocking. Fourteen hundred Israelis are dead. They they were murdered in their homes, murdered in their beds, hunted down on the streets. Just you know, cut baby. They cut babies out of women. I mean, I've been listening to the Tamar Yonah show. You know, they're they're there. They're on the ground in Israel. They know what's going on. Both her, um, I think she had, she it was very emotional for her. Her son, she gave, he came into the studio, kissed her goodbye, he had to go, go to fight. They're all fighting. Uh, apparently, uh, there's been a call up of Israeli soldiers. So they've got the the army, and then they've got reservists. They're all in. Guess how much? What do you think? Eighty percent, a hundred and fifty percent of reservists. That means people that are too old to fight. They've got someone in their 90s that wants to fight. They've got men from all, and women, because they have men and women in their army, from all, they've come from all over the world to fight for their country, to fight for the people, and to fight for us. Because the, the, the Arabs, the, the terrorists, the, they say first, this is what this Islam's about. This is what 99.9% of Islamists, Islam, it's the same. You've just got some backslidden ones here that, that, you know, don't follow the Quran because they just want to get along. You know, we've got backslidden Christians, haven't we? Backslidden Muslim is one that doesn't want to get rid of the Jews. But they they do. They want to they want to kill all the Jews. They first they're gonna come for the, the they come for us, that's Israel, go for the Israelis first, and then they'll go for America. Big Satan. They call Big Satan. Little Satan first, they think that's they've demonized the Jews. And then the big, they'll come, so they go for the Jews first and then the Christians. So that's why, and so Israel is a wonderful buffer. We need them. We need them to keep us safe. And I'm so thankful for the Israeli Defense Force. Not very happy about the government at the moment. Okay, so let's get to this weather. So it's currently dry in all areas right now. Uh, Stewart Island's on nine degrees. Invercargill has uh, no degrees at all. Uh, Dunedin is zero, not even zero degrees. Nothing coming out of there. I hope it's all right. I hope they haven't had an explosion or something down there, some jihadi attack. I hope it's all right. Queenstown right now, Invercargill, Dunedin, Queenstown, and uh, Timaru have no, and Christchurch, and Blenheim, and Wellington, the only place that they've got readings at the moment is the Stewart Island at 9 degrees and France Joseph at 5. I've never seen that before. Ch- uh, the Chatham Islands, they've got a temperature there, but there are no temperatures coming from anywhere. I'll do another refresh in case it's just a computer glitch. So what's happened? Am I, I'm still here. The bomb hasn't gone off. Looks all right. Sky looks all right. So far, so good, but there's no temperatures, so that's a bit ominous. 
Hmm. Well, let's just go straight to the short forecast. For north, the mostly cloudy, a few showers turning to rain from the north during the day. Uh, for Waikato, Auckland, Waitomo, Taramanui, Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay Plenty and Taupo, fine weather apart from the odd shower inland and from the afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, fine weather apart from isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. You're going to have some showers there as well. Uh, Taranaki, Taihapi and Manawatu. Fine weather, apart from areas of morning and evening cloud. Horobanua to Wellington and also for the Wairarapa, fine weather for you. In the South Island, Fjordland and Southland showers about the fjords and Stewart Island. Fine elsewhere. Uh, the remainder of the South Island, fine weather, apart from areas of morning cloud about the Canterbury coast. And finally for the Chathams, it's uh, fine for you as well. We're going to have an extended programme this morning at, uh, what are we up to, 11 minutes past 7 here on the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards, your host, because there was quite a bit of news happening and I haven't even got to, I've been mucking around there over Radio New Zealand looking at their propaganda and there's more stuff there. Oh, no, it's just they're, they're really pumping it out this morning. Nothing much really happening over at News Hub. They're all asleep. Haven't even looked at uh, stuff, so we'll have a quick look at them now, just do a quick refresh. Uh, and it's changed already. Wellington murder suspect found dead as victim named. Oh, well, that's old news. Single Powerball ticket scores a 4.5 million win for Lucky Aucklander. The winning ticket was purchased from the Countdown in Botany, and it makes its win of the 14th Powerball multi-millionaire this year, 2023. Age care. They're losing up to $15 per resident a day, according to the Aged Care Association Interim Chief Executive, Catherine Rich. She said that there is not a single business that can sustain a loss on every client day after day. You can read more details on that one there. And it's something we need to care more about our elderly. Don't like the fact that we just put them in homes. I don't want to be just put in a home. My dad didn't want to be put in a home. He said, I just want to go out and go in the bush. I'll just die, die in the bush. <laughs> My mother, she went out on Guy Fox, went out with a bang, with a heart attack. South Taranaki farmers support mental health. Um, they do. Well, they need to. You just about go. You just about turn into a lunatic, wouldn't you? With what's gone on in the last three years, plenty of people have gone a bit nutty in the last three years. Gosh, you just you know you lose your mojo. You've really got got to. Um, you've got to keep an eye on things, don't you? You've got to. You've got to. You know, if, you, if you're feeling a bit depressed, a bit down, it's all right for a day or so, but. I haven't been depressed more than than a minute or. <laughs> no, I don't. I've been, I've been. I'm up and down like a yo-yo, but I mean, I've never, I've never really been. Oh, I think I might have been when I was about thirty-five. Once I was living in Nelson, I got a bit depressed. Being women involved usually, and drugs. <laughs> there was marijuana. Marijuana is a dangerous drug, you know. It really does. It makes you paranoid. It not and some people more than others, but have you noticed these long-term users that use the cannabis? They're paranoid, paranoid as heck. Someone said they should put, um, just stop, they were very disappointed that someone wanted to stop the possums being killed on the road and they thought that they should plant some marijuana plants, some cannabis plants either side of the road so that the possums would eat it and uh, become paranoid and not go near the road. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, a lot of you don't realise this and a lot of people a lot of people argue, a lot of the potheads, you know, they just say, um, oh, I say, look, if you... Cannabis is a really good product. It's fantastic, you know, hemp, hemp oil and all that sort of stuff. But once you heat it up, once you burn it, then the THC comes out of it and you change the integrity of that plant. And it's no longer a wonderful, beneficial plant. It's just a mind-bending, flipping drug, which people use for pain relief. But basically they're just getting high. 
you might as well have morphine. Well, morphine's bad for you. It makes you um, constipated. As far as I know, don't think I've ever had morphine. May have done. Don't think so. I've had the laughing gas. I've had that. And that date rape drug, they gave, they gave me that. Apparently I was awake talking. The dentists do that. They give you one like that when they're you know, doing something serious. And when I broke my ankle, gosh, the guy that did it, he was the, he was the All Blacks, um, not paediatrician, that's for children, isn't it? Um, what do they call it? Bone doctor. What's a bone doctor? I used to know. Orthopedic? Yeah. It's orthopedic, isn't it? Yeah. And he said it was the worst break he'd seen. <laughs> I did it at the skateboard park. I was teaching my son. I think he was about eight. I said, this is how you do it, because I was quite a good skateboarder when I was younger, but not at 49 or 48 or however old it was. And um, I said to him, oh, look, um, I'll, I'll do it. And so, But I had these sneakers on that were really good gripping. Anyway, I'm, I'm overweight, probably weighed about 86 kgs, you know, 5 foot 2 and eight, 86 kgs. <laughs> I'm not that short, but you can imagine a little ball of fat on the skateboard there. I'm going into the half pipe at Beaumont Street, and here's me. And just went to, and just before I did it, I thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> sure enough, broke my flipping ankle, didn't I? Ended up in hospital. Who these kids laughing at me? I was being taken out on the, on the Waka Kotara. No, it's not that. What's the ambulance? They've got a Maori name for that, haven't they? I was being taken away by the ambulance driver. They gave me the laughing gas. Got to hospital there. It was wonderful back in those days when they, we actually got some service in the hospital. Hospital. But anyway, uh, what happened to me? That was terrible. It was a nasty break. But I had homeopathic medicines because I was a trained homeopath how long had I been a homeopath for then Uh, I'd been a homeopath about I think about four years and uh, so within within three weeks after one of the worst breaks the surgeon had seen his name was Twaddle then he went overseas oh hang on I've got water boiling I'll be back in a minute I'll um, I'll just play a quick jingle or something Um, let me just play you a quick tune uh, who are we going to have? I'll give you Lone Star, and then after Lone Star, I'll come back and we'll finish off the news. How's that? He called her on the road From a lonely cold hotel room Just to hear her say I love you one more time And when he heard the sound Of the kids laughing in the background He had to wipe away a tear from his eye A little voice came on the phone He said, Daddy, when you come home He said the first thing that came to his mind I'm already there Take a look around I'm the sunshine in your hair I'm the shadow on the ground I'm the whisper in the wind I'm your imaginary friend And I know They'll be alright Wish 
I was in your arms, lying right there beside you. But I know that I'll be in your dreams tonight. And I'll gently kiss your lips, touch you with my fingertips. So turn out the light. with Grant Edwards and the wonderful Lone Star. I'm already there. It's 20 past seven. Welcome to the program. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Well, 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 we were talking about my bone break, weren't we, before I was rudely interrupted by a kettle that's bubbling away on the gas there on the hob. Uh, And now I've got a lovely big fat cup of tea here. Uh, I've tried to ease off on the coffee, you know, when you're (laughs) shaking like that. So I've decided to go easy on the coffee, and I've poured myself a nice cup of tea. The only thing wrong with that tea is it's in a Starbucks mug. And I'm not particularly fond of Starbucks. I've stopped going to them a long time ago. They did something that pissed me off, and I can't think what it was, but something they did. They're a bit lefty, aren't they? A bit sort of um, woke is that what they call it? I've almost forgotten what the what the term means. Actually, woke means um. Uh, I know what it means. It means stupid. <laughs> Probably. Okay, let's get back to the news. And uh, so we've got a got a bit to get through here now. And it's, it's where I am. It's going to be raining a little bit, so I'm not in a hurry to go to work. Uh, okay, the single Powerball guy, we got that. Oh, yeah, I was telling you about the story about how I broke my ankle. And, um, yeah, and we were talking about marijuana, cannabis, that sort of thing. Um, broke my ankle, that's right. And I used homeopathy to get myself right. Within three weeks, I was mowing the lawns in my moon boot. And within months, I was running over, you know, uneven ground farms. And the, the doctor said I had to be careful. This is my homeopathic doctor, my Indian doctor that I go to. He is qualified as a normal doctor, but also uh, a homeopathic doctor in uh, New in New Delhi. 
Delhi somewhere. He trained in the homeopathic hospital. And uh, so he said, oh, I could t- it would take 10 years for you, your old codger. It'll take you 10 years for that to properly heal. So that was a while ago now, so we should be right. But I'm still, I've, I've still got the titanium pin in it, the nail they call it. It was a three millimeter nail, according to Dr. Twaddle. He's the All Blacks. He was. He's over in the States now doing all the gridiron players, probably, the ones that get hurt. Um, but he said, um, yeah, it's that, and, I, and I felt like um, there was, I don't know, it, they banged it right up from the bottom of my heel and all the way up to just below my knee. And I could feel it, you know. Oh, I, could, I just, sometimes you get a bit of an ache in it. But it's all right now, and you're supposed to go back and get them out, and it's all part of you know it's all part of the deal. But he'd have to come back, or someone else would do it. And they might make a hash of it, and it's I think you know if it's if it's not broken, um, don't try and fix it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. So I'm just going to leave it. They say you should get them out, especially if you're doing you know you know more sport. Like if I was doing motocross or something like that. I'd have them all out because you wouldn't want to have another accident. You know, <laughs> they're all bent and twisted, bit of titanium. Your legs in a funny, funny angle, and you can't straighten it out. And they've got to get that out. Oh, it'd be a mess, wouldn't it? And another friend who who used to do sort of scooter racing, uh, Michael. He um, he had lots of pins and needles. <laughs> he had lots of um, lots of plates in him, and so he had he made sure that he got all of us out because he was still pretty active on the racing circuit. Uh, anyway, so there we are, Age Care. We talked about Age Care. The Powerball win, $4.5 million. $15 a day it's costing uh, these uh, these places. I think Catherine Rich was the lady, wasn't she? She's the chief executive of Aged Care Association. She said, she said the uh, she's the interim chief. What is that, chief? That means what? Interim, just in the meantime, I guess. Uh, she said there's not a single business that can sustain a loss on every client every day. $15 a day on every person. South Taranaki Farmers on oh, mental health. We better have a look at that because, yeah, that's right. They've been through a lot, haven't they? Uh, so who have we got here? They look like a nice couple. He's got a beard, so that's good. Having a beard keeps your, f- your skin nice and moist too. It's very good having a beard. Real men have beards. Um, you know, moustache as well. Um, you know, I like that Wilson Dixon. He says, oh, you know, the, the moustache, it's, a, you know, he said, Movember's over, you know. Someone said to him, and he said, no, no, this is, what did he say? It's a lifestyle. He said, uh, my brother's had a moustache and my sister. He's had one since he's 11. Uh, ben and Belinda Price, they run two farms in South Taranaki, and they they know that rural life comes with serious challenges to maintain good mental health. To maintain good mental health. Uh, so they say... They are, um, they, he was a, now, who was Fonterra Dairy Woman? Oh, she was. Oh, she, oh, yeah, she looks buxom. Or was that the word? Probably not. Wholesome. That's a better word. Wholesome. She reminds me of my, my cousin, actually. Yeah. I remember talking to a doctor. He said that a lot of farming women, they're pretty, you know, pretty, uh, very strong women. Uh, anyway, so she was Fonterra Dairy Woman of the Year in 2021, using the experience to help others to facilitate for the Rural Support Trust to support farmers who are struggling. I guess it's struggling mentally. She said it could be financially related, staff related, or anything at all. Lots of us have done courses or lived experiences, uh, and and they'll they'll connect us with the right person. Is that what they do? The grey, what is it, area, quote-unquote, don't know why they did that, area of farming can all add up and cause stress and anxiety. Well, a bit of stress is good, I think. A bit of anxiety, but not all the time. 
keeps you alive, but you don't want it all the time to worry about it. That that can cause you, I believe that can make you sick actually. It's not just the things that you inject into your body, the pills you take, but it's also, you know, your thoughts. If you've got negative thoughts continuously, I mean, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I know I'm just passing through. I don't, I have not, not a worry in the world, really. There's not much, I don't, I don't think I'd like, I don't want to be tortured. I was tortured this morning uh, at about um, midnight, one o'clock in the morning I was tortured. Uh, someone uh, someone uh, um, stabbed a knife into my calf and started twisting the handle around while I was asleep. I stretched out a bit and I got, <laughs> it felt like someone had just put a, a flippin' screwdriver in there and they were just like moving it around. That was, I got cramp in my right calf, it's always my right cr- calf. And um, that's what happens sometimes when you go on a carnivore diet if you're not getting enough, um, or what is it, one of the one of the nutrients. So I'll just take some more electro- electrolytes, um, get into a bit of um, some some what do you call it? The um, I'll I'll have some uh, b- 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 um, liver, a bit of liver or something like that, or maybe some kidneys, something like that, just to just to get me right. Anyway, so she says that her and her husband Ben they run two properties. One's a hundred hectares. What's that, about 250 acres, roughly? Uh, plus, they've got a 29-hectare run, so it's not a huge. And they have got they run 330 cows, so that'll be dairy. And they've, oh, they've got a 94-hectare farm as well that runs 62, uh, 620 cows there. So that's quite an operation, actually. That's a bit of an operation for just a husband and wife. In 2016, they faced some issues on their farm they've never experienced before. And it took quite a while to res- to solve it. I wonder what it was. The situation they cannot discuss in detail. He ran off with someone. She had an affair with the guy over the back. I don't know. Something happened. And it really took a toll on their mental health. She said, I was in tears. I didn't know where to turn to. And Ben, he had anxiety most of his life. Oh, no. Yeah, well, if you've got anxiety most of your life, you know, you've got mental problems. I mean, if that's the you know, you, you probably shouldn't be allowed to have a firearm. You know, that's my opinion. Anyone that's suffering from, uh, you know, like long-term anxiety shouldn't really be allowed to have a firearm because that's, you know, that that's a recipe for disaster. Because most of the shootings, in fact, pretty much all of the shootings, apart from the Muslims, but then you could argue that's mental health as well, isn't it? Being brainwashed, that the Jews are terrible and, you know, Allah is the real God and, you know, kill kill everybody, you know. And you get your 72... I think it's all based on sex anyway, uh, with the Islamists. They just want their 72 virgins, so that's why they blow themselves up in a Jewish cafe before they put the fence up. Now they've got the fence up there, right, until they fly over the top with help from Iran, help from Jordan and even Egypt, it seemed. Now the new intel's coming out. Anyway, I'll get back to this. So she said that uh, she was in tears, and she's recently... uh, She's been through it again. Oh, that's a shame. Well, look, they're a bit chubby. The pair of them look like they have a lot of carbohydrate in their diet. Carbohydrates. They should really just get on the carnivore diet. I'll tell you what, I bet you they'd feel a lot better. Perhaps we should send them a note. I wonder if there's anywhere down the bottom. No. Look them up. I could look them up and send them a note. Send them. I could send them Jordan Pete. A link to Jordan Peterson's one. He was suffering from mental health. Wanted to kill himself. So did his daughter. And all sorts of other health issues. And then they went on the carnivore diet about five or six years ago. And they've, he's gone back to the weight that he was. I mean, he's what is he, late 50s? He's gone back to the same weight that he was when he was 23. He's actually building muscle. That's impossible. For, for a, um, it's, they say it's impossible for us old men to build body 
uh, uh, muscle mass at this age. But uh, I, I tell you what, now I have. I've, I've just feel really strong. Fantastic. And that's what they need to do, I'd say. That would be, a lot of their problems would go if they just went on a carnivore diet. You know, still have the butter. Well, that's carnivore. Butter, eggs, milk. Probably sheep's milk is better for you than cow's milk. It's naturally homogenized. It's way better for you. The Bible says a milk of the kind is for butter. Kind is cow. So milk of the kind for butter and milk of the ewe for drinking. And uh, that's because it's naturally homogenized. And drink it raw. You know, strain it a bit because you get a bit of woolly bits, a bit of poop or something. Just be careful. Do a check on it to make sure that it hasn't got a high cell count. Should be, We should all have our own sheep anyway and milk them. Yeah, that's a bit off-putting for some people. The cow's milk, it's not the best for us, but make butter from it. That's that's what the Bible says. I find the Bible's pretty right on everything. That's why I got interested in, I actually got interested in sheep milking because of that, because of the Bible saying that, milk of the ewe. I thought, oh, if the Bible says it, then it must be pretty good. She said, I had burnout. That's actually just a, um, that's code for a nervous breakdown. That was just last month. Oh, gosh. She's really opening up, poor thing. Uh, and a, what was it? A payout drop. Oh, yes. Oh, no, stress them out. It stressed them out. Perhaps they shouldn't be on the farm. But I tell you what, if they just went on the carnival diet, things would be right for them. So there we are. Taranaki Daily News, that story was there. If you want to go and read about people uh, feeling depressed, uh, just don't hit the drugs. That's all I can say. Do not listen to your stupid doctor that says, oh, well, perhaps we can give you some tranquilizers. They'll put you on something. And that's the worst thing they can do. It's the worst thing you can do. Once you get on those, it takes you sometimes years to get off them, and they'll make you worse. All the mass murderers out there are on psychiatric drugs, the ones that do the, you know, the killings, the shootings, and you'll probably find some of those serial killers, they're on psychiatric drugs as well, sends in potty over the deep end. Protection order for Pupu Springs comes into effect. The highest level of protection for a waterway in New Zealand, they didn't say New Zealand, they said some other word, starts with an A, the dirty A word, uh, will come into effect on Thursday for one of the largest freshwater springs in the Southern Hemisphere. Really? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Looks very nice. Tiwai Kurupupu Springs near Takaka in the Golden Bay. Hmm. Has some of the cleanest and clearest water ever measured. Isn't that great? Why don't they pump that out of there and send it up to Auckland? Send it round the place. Couldn't better, wouldn't better send it round Auckland. You could bottle it though. I've got a mate who's shipping out water. He's got a he's got a wonderful spring where he is on this little farm he's got, and he's a real proactive guy. Uh, I think I think he owns that bullet that up in the Bay of Islands as well. Got brought that in from the islands. You know that sort of that big speedboat. He I think he bought that and fixed that up. I think he still owns that. He's he's had and he had a really successful printing business. Horizon Horizon Printing he was. And uh, I think he still does some contract printing, but he was very good. Just a fantastic guy. Just positive to be around. His daughter's a real estate agent. She's positive too. Uh, Woody. <laughs> and he had this fantastic boat. Uh, big. I think he built it himself. You know, not, you know, he had a team of guys building. He's pretty well off. Spent a lot of money on TV advertising, actually, back in the day. Back in the 90s and the noughties. And, um, and he had a boat called Bazooka. <laughs> He's a real character. Woody. Mike Wood, his name was. Mike Woods? Mike Wood. I think it was Mike Wood. And um, 
So why am I talking about him? Yeah, so what he does, he's got these different size. He's now doing water, selling water. And he doesn't sell it in the bottles. He may do, but I think he does it in these massive containers. You know, like the size of a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container. And his idea is to export this beautiful water, the spring water that he's got. I must have a look and see how that's getting along, and I'll bring that news to you as we go down the track. Um, so there's been a long battle that has been waged to protect the Tiwai Kurupupu Springs near Takaka by local iwi. Now, iwi is the Maori word for tribe, the local tribe, and advocates, people that are um, advocating. I don't know why. Uh, and it appears to have been successful, which has some of the clearest water in the world. It'd be good to go diving there, wouldn't it? Just don't pee in it. Uh, and um, it is home to an indigenous biodiversity, or two indigenous biodiversity. The, the water conservation order for the springs, I'm always very cautious about all these conservation orders. Uh, it was gazetted on September the 21st this year, and is one of 16 waterways that are protected. I thought all our waterways were filthy, and here we have got one of the clearest in the world isn't that amazing? It was under the so this is it's sixteen waterways that are protected under this order across the motu. What's that? <laughs> across the motu, across the country, you halfwits. Uh, set up rules that councils must abide by, but they're the biggest polluters. The council are the big ones. They are the polluters uh, when considering resource consent. So here they are. The 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 um. The wolf has got the, or the fox or the wolf has got the keys to the chicken coop. They're the ones polluting our waterways, and yet they're the ones that issue these um, water conservation, what do they call it? Um, they do all the gazetting and stuff like that, and, and they do resource consents and stuff like that. They, 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 it's like, it's just ridiculous. Who, someone needs to be keeping an eye on them. These include the preservation of the water body's natural state and characteristics, and it has, has or contributes to as well as water bodies that are of outstanding significance in line with the tika Māori, tika, tika, tikanga Māori, whatever that is. I don't know. Do I look it up? Oh, can I be bothered? Oh, right then. What does that mean? What does that mean? Tikanga. It means tikanga. Have I pronounced it right? Tikanga. And for a hard one to say, informs... It's a form of framework that addresses ethical issues. Uh, the guide it guides good behaviour and practice when engaging with Maori and the things that matter to them. It's all about them. One sixth of the population ruling it over the other five sixths. Okay, so now I've got to go back to where I was. Now where was I? And we'll go to the times as well of Israel. We'll have a look at that in a minute. Um, however, this is the first water protection order that uh, requires improvement from the status quo applicants Nati Tama and Andrew Ewell's lawyer, Marie, or oh, that's what she says, Marie Baker Galloway. That's what she said. It does look beautiful, though. Gosh, it's gorgeous. You can see the bottom. Absolutely beautiful. It was, um, it was a precedent-setting achievement, not only for the water protection, but also for grassroots locals fighting for their environment, Baker Galloway said. She said, I have never seen so many lay people um, present really carefully thought-out comprehensive evidence that helps a decision-maker. She said, it's really, really, said a lot of reallys, really was a case of the little person, well, not that Tasman District Council is a Goliath, but as as much better resource group, 
what is it? But much better resource group and much better to be able to access expert witnesses. So our case was run off a lot, has run off a lot of generosity from expert witnesses, and that would all cost the ratepayer money. Andrew Yule, a co-claimant for the order of the with the Nati Tama Tiki Waipunamu Trust, member of the Friends of Golden Bay, and the um, collector of samples tested for nitrate in the springs and surrounding waterways. They just pump it out and make some money, ship it overseas. Make some money. Uh, Maoris could make some money. They'd get them all off the dole. Yeah, just bottle it. Put it in some containers and send it off overseas. Beautiful water, the cleanest water in the world. Golden Bay. Oh, I can think of a name. They'll send it to John Ansell. He'll come up with a label for it. And we do the whole marketing program and, and the Maoris can make some money. And get, get some people off the dole. So the only people that are allowed to work there bottling it are people that are already on the dole, on the benefit they're allowed to work. That would be a good way to get them all off. And no smoking dope. I don't know. I think if they want to have a bit of pot, if they want to, you should be allowed to. Um, I wouldn't touch it because I know that it's how dangerous it is. Being a homeopath, we know the psychological effects that long-term cannabis abuse will cause. It's all fi- fine to just peel it off the tree and eat it, put it in a smoothie, have it in your salad. won't do you any harm at all. won't be any psychiatric or, what do you call it, any... Um, Psychotic effects, none whatsoever. It's only when you heat it, warm it up, heat it, cook it, or burn it, and inhale it or ingest it. That's when you get you get the old THCs come out and you get a bit weird. Anyway, so that's what they should do with that. It's beautiful. It's wonderful to see lovely, clean things. It's a good, positive story. Okay, so uh, what else have we got here in the stories? We're over at Stuff, looking on the front page, prediction order for them, destination play to include... Taranaki's first splash pad. Oh, that's right. They're opening some new pools, aren't they? Sun's plea, and that's they've got slides, I should say, water slides. Sun's plea to stop sickening. Sun's plea to stop sickening. She'll be right. Attitude after father's preventable death. Ah. Two schoolyard fights caught on the video at South Auckland College. Did I say South Auckland? No, I, I thought it's got to be South Auckland. No, it's South Island. I thought only good people lived down there. I remember going across on the Cook Strait Ferry and getting off in Picton, went to the first petrol station and had had a check, had, had a sign up, no checks from North Islanders. <laughs> because, that, you know, checks, we used to write checks, they're little bits of paper, a promissory note, we'd write one out and write the name on it. In the old days, you'd even write what bank you were going to, you could actually write the bank in, but then they changed it. So that was back in sort of the 50s and 60s, and then in the 70s and 80s, they actually had, the, had, to, you know, had to have the, the name of the bank. But you could just go and buy these checks, a book of them, and just write, you just say, I promise to pay. They're a promissory note. And uh, in the South Island there at this little petrol station, just on the left-hand side, I think it was in, in, might have been in Picton, or just maybe just out of it, pretty sure, and the sign said, no checks from North Islanders. And we always used to pay by check back in the 70s, mid to late 70s, when I was... Driving, my parents crazy. No, driving the car. Anyway, two schoolboys. Were they boys? Yes, two schoolyard fights caught on video at Ashburton College. Wow, are we going to get to see the video? See them scrapping? Ashburton College principal Ross Priest, he says the recent filmed attack has been dealt with. How could you deal with it? You need to cane the bastards, the little bastards. You need to cane them. If it's boys and if it's girls, I don't know. What do you do with them? Can't really cane them. 
Anyway, as he said, the video of the attack on a male student appeared premeditated as he was being followed by a fellow student who was filming. Oh, no. Local democracy reporting. The thing is, I don't think they should... Since they've taken the cane away out of schools, there's more of this, more of this nonsense. Uh, And then police get involved and all that rubbish, you know. Police never came to our school. We had fights on the field. I was involved in one of them with a guy called Titch. (laughs) I did all right, too. I did. I did. I know you might not believe me, but I was quite a... I was quite a stroppy wee thing when I was younger. Anyway, so that was the only fight I ever had, I think. And I only ever had one other fight when I was a bit older. When I walked in and my girlfriend was in bed with someone else, I had... <laughs> and I was pretty good. It was only because he got lippy on the way out when I was throwing his um, shoulder bag out, out the door and um, with his clothes. <laughs> and he got a bit lippy, so I gave him a quick whack on the jaw. And... Um, he put his put his hand up for when I was going to give him the second one because he was still lippy, and uh, yeah, I didn't. I was very restrained. I shouldn't have done that though. It's against the law to do that. But anyway, you know, because you can't you can't just whack someone because they're lippy. <laughs> just nutty. You're silly when you're young, aren't you? Um, there was no alcohol involved. Um, thank goodness. And uh, what else happened? He put his hand up to protect himself for the next one. He's on the way out the door. I just give him a quick jab, you know, as you do, and. Um, Boom, and he broke his finger. But he never reported me. You would have thought so. He's a good, good sport. Well, I suppose he thought, what were you doing? He's got to admit that he was in bed with her. I think they ended up getting married in the end. So <laughs> but he came back. He got a little rat bag. So I kicked him out of the house. This is when I was living in Nelson. I kicked him out of the house. And then she was sitting there. And I, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and she, of course, there was alcohol and drugs involved. She was on the, on the marijuana. You know, and you get stupid anyway. So, no, that was it. No, no, once they do that, no, that's the end of that. No, out you go. Go, oh, yeah, go. Next, next. Anyway, so um, they're fighting on the field. That's all a bit boring. Let's, uh, let's, we better get to the real news here. What have we got? Kate Nimmin, National UMP for Napier. She enters Parliament in the caucus where the majority are Pākehā and male. What do you mean Pākehā? European, British, and male. Well, good on you. You're in the man's world. Now, what's this one about the sons? Plea. Son's heartfelt plea to stop sickening. Oh, sorry, to stop sickening. She'll be right culture after Skipper's preventable death. Oh, the son of the much-loved Skipper who was killed by a runaway trailer wants Kiwis to stop the sickening she'll be right attitude. Ah, oh, she'll be right, mate. Actually, while we're thinking about th- she'll be right, we better get um, Fred Dag lined up. Where are you, Fred? I'll uh, find you now while I'm just thinking about this, it quarters us, quartered away. Oh gosh, I've made a proper shag of, uh, I've just made a shagging around, made a proper mess of um, this morning's program. We haven't done anything really serious. Can't even find Fred Dag. Dag, Dag where are you, Fred? All spots. Dag's not there. Well, oh, John Clark maybe is under his real name, is it? No, you got John G. For where? Is it? Oh, it's under comedy, <laughs> of course. Comedy, you silly boy. There you go. Fred Dag. We'll get Fred up. There we are, Fred Dag. Uh, so what's it going to be? A bit of a dag. Um, Fred Dag, a flea race. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, what about the Aussie car? That, that's funny. We'll put that on in a minute. Yeah, that's what we do. There we are, sit that there. I better put a, I put a little um, 
insert a little directive so it doesn't run away. We'll, we'll, we'll play that in a minute. We'll have a look at the story, but let's get serious now. On Tuesday, two companies were fined $270,000 in order to pay reparation of $130,000 after Julian Bruins, he, Bruins Yates, Julian Yates, 52, was killed when a trailer loaded with glass panels detached from a van and smashed into his vehicle in North Canterbury. That was on, in, uh, on October 23rd. 2020. The tragedy unfolded after a van belonging to Ultimate Design and Renovation, UDR, was returning to Christchurch from Waikali. The van was towing an A-frame trailer loaded with windows, but neither the driver nor the passenger connected the release lock handle of the tow bar hitch or attached the safety chain. You now see, in situations like this, they need to do away with accident compensation and all that rubbish. And they need there needs to be people held responsible. So that man needs to be, if he's got children, this person, uh, Julian, which he's probably got a wife and family, the, the people that did that to him, they need to be paying his wife and family for the rest of their lives in compensation. For, for being irresponsible and taking away his life. It's not good enough just to have a fine and the fa- and then, th- then they have to run around. Then they're fighting with ACC or whatever insurance companies. And if they're not insured, then they've got nothing. And these people get off with a fine. What is it? It's ridiculous. So that means that his, his life is worth uh, $400,000. $270,000 and $130,000. So he had to pay. He was fined two hundred and seventy. Where does that go? Where does that go? So two hundred and seventy thousand goes to the ACC probably, or whoever's taking him to court. What would that be? Worksafe. They get the money. Little bastards get their hands on it. They shouldn't get any money. Shouldn't be any ACC. There should be ain't no ACC and no Worksafe. Everyone's got to take responsibility for their actions. Everyone. And there should be no speed limits either. If you drive at a, at a crazy speed and you kill someone or damage property, you've got to pay for it, or have you got to pay for them? Pay the people that, they've, that, you've, uh, that are left behind after you've taken away their... Or if he's, if he's an invalid for the rest of his life, you've got to pay for that upkeep. That's the way it should be. If everyone's responsible for their actions, and think, think, we're, we're, we're babied, we're nannied in this country, and that needs to needs to end. People need to say, no, this could happen. Now, what if that, gosh, we're out on the road and that happened, no way. I could end up being, uh, there's no good to send them to prison. No, need to send them to work. They need to work, work, work. And they, on, honestly, they need, they need to become paupers. Why? Because they've done something very irresponsible, driven drunk, killed somebody. Now you've got to pay for the rest of your days, for the rest of that person's life. You've got to pay for their upkeep, for the income they've lost, they've lost a loved one you've got to you've got to look after that man's wife and children if you drive drunk and you kill him i'm just giving you sort of examples that come to mind that sort of thing anyway the tragedy unfolded after the van belonging to this company it was towing the a-frame and they didn't put the hitch on they didn't put a safety cha- they didn't you know do the locking handle or the safety chain and it happened just after lunch the van drove over the arches bridge near wicker pass and the trailer detached and crossed the center lines. It didn't even it didn't have a breakaway system, nothing. Striking the front of the van Yates was driving. His vehicle was also rear-ended by a ute. 
the accident has led to WorkSafe warning businesses of the catastrophic consequences that they can result that can result from failing to undertake routine safety checks. I just can't believe it. That they'd be so stupid. What are they on? Flipping marijuana or something? Yates family have also issued heartfelt pleas, including son Roydry Yates, who said his father's radiant life ended because simple, crucial steps were missed. They urged employers to be accountable. They do need to be accountable. All of us need to be accountable. That's what's wrong. Because we've got these other things that that are just money-making rackets like WorkSafe and ACC. They're just money-making rackets. The individuals need to be held responsible and we need to be able to sue people and it needs to be easy to sue them. I think the best thing to do would be that for the government to actually have a fund for people that can hire the best lawyers to defend themselves against people that have wronged them. That's what we should do. That would be what I would do. Life is a precious gift. It's fragile, sometimes fleeting. But each of us have the chance to make it more, to give life and meaning. Julian was one of uh, life's brightest lights. This is what the sun's saying, whose, whose brightness shone wherever he walked. Sister, um, her name is Bethan, uh, she said the tragedy showed how everyone needed to be accountable for the safety and well-being of each other. Absolutely we do, but you know they're never going to be because a $240,000 fine, 270 rather, given to WorkSafe, and then uh, the family only got, rep- they only got 130000 So that means that the government is saying that Julian's life, this father and husband, his life is only worth $130,000, and that's a, that's a disgrace. And they should do away with ACC, and the family should be able to sue that company. And they should be getting millions of dollars for the loss of their father. It's just so wrong. I, I, I tell you what, NZ Loyal, if you're listening, uh, when you win the election next, blimmin' good effort for this one, though. Far out, I can't believe how well how well they did. But anyway, next, next election, I'd like it to put forward that ACC will be done away with and so will WorkSafe and everyone will be held responsible. No more WorkSafe. People have to be responsible and and there needs to be a fund, a special some fund to help people get through the courts because unless you're, you can't even take someone to court, to court um, using the, the Bill of Rights. You know, you could, it's going to cost you $20,000 just to, just to get a hearing with a barrister. That's what he'll charge you. It's just ridiculous to charge you three hundred and seventy dollars. No, we need. That's where the government can come in. That's where you're part of that one percent percent um, transaction transaction tax can go towards. That's what I think. So that's a very sad story. You can follow that one through. Uh, it's, he looks like a great guy, actually. Great guy. Old. Um, what was his name again? Fifty-two year old. Uh, was it Simon? Where is he? Julian. Julian Yates. He looks like a neat dad, actually. Gosh, just thoughtlessness. So yeah, do away with ACC. Do away with um, WorkSafe. Make everyone uh, responsible and accountable. That's what it does. Stop nannying us. Do away with speed limits because sometimes it's not safe to do 100 kilometres an hour or even 80 kilometres an hour in some areas. You've got to use your brains and drive according to the conditions. You know, you, speed limits, should, they, you shouldn't have them. should be no signs on the road. Nothing. You know, there's signs everywhere. Just flipping, and that's half the reason why I think people are asleep. You know, they're not properly thinking because 
they've got all these we've got all these aids around us you know you go to, towards the center line and you go off to the left another sound you know with those audible lines they call them audible lines you feel them up through their wet cap and then people say oh they're good and they've saved no, no you just pull yourself together if you're feeling tired pull over scratch your head and and sleep don't sleep in the driver's seat sleep in the passenger seat get out of the car go for a walk walk up the road come back have a snooze just not worth it just not worth too easy and, and you need to be held responsible but people aren't just a fine or get away with it you know it's only a fine or if you can't pay you go to prison but the people you leave behind don't get anything and that's what's wrong anyway that's me having my gripe okay so we're back on the harbour on the um, what are we doing we're back on stuff we're looking at national news Auckland uh Oh, is it? He said, not, not, oh, we'll look at that in a minute. It's about Auckland, Ponsonby, and, um, you know, Kingsland. It's starting to lose its coolness title but to a neighbour. Who's the neighbour? I wonder who it is. We'll have a quick look at that, shall we? And then we'll, I want to look at that museum, how the Auckland Museum backed down on, um, when they lit up the place. I said a flag the other day, but it was not a flag. They lit, they lit it up with the white and blue. I mean, it could have been white and blue, could have been national <laughs> winning. But no, it was in support of Israel, and that was the right thing to do. But they backed down the woke wankers. Oh, I shouldn't say wanker. No, that, that's not a word. That's not a Bible word, wanker, is it? No, I better not say that then. Um, okay, Kingsland. Has it lost its call? What appears to be the message from the Time Out? That appears to be the message from the Time Out magazine that named Ponsonby among its 2023 list of the coolest neighborhoods in the world. Oh, just rubbish. And they're all, let's have a look at them. Oh, they're not all wearing black, but a lot of them do wear black. All they do is sit around drinking lattes. They all just look, you know, they're, they're basically their property values went through the roof and through from the, right through from the 90s. So they're just living off, um, you know, the, the price of their real estate. So they don't even have to work. They just get a loan. Just, just get a loan and just live like, you know, it's just far. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could buy a property there. I can remember looking at property in, when was it now, early 80s. I could get for for twenty three thousand dollars. I could get a rundown villa or bungalow in Ponsonby. Probably had a hole in the floor where the islanders had the fire going because it was all island area through there. We used to call it Meals on Wheels when you drive through there. <laughs> but it was just bought out. You know, most a lot of a lot of um, people, young people, bought into that area because they could see that it was going to happen, and it has happened. Uh, so where is where is the place that's overtaken them? Let's see. Uh, but it was just last year. Kingsland, that featured on the list. The only New Zealand suburb to get a mention, coming in at number 43, with, that's with Time Out magazine mentioning its eclectic food scene and bohemian vibe. That wasn't enough to keep them on the list this time, however, with Ponsonby swooping in to take number 33 in the rankings. Oh, is that right? So we're still a fair way down the track, aren't we? Ah, oh, so they want you to respond. Hunters at the Kingslander were firmly in the Kingsland camp. Of course, they would. Ponsonby used to be quite eclectic, but it's not anymore, one man said. Okay, I'm looking at the pictures here. This mole, this, I had a magazine here, Kingsland uh, and Ponsonby. I've had three real estate, three property magazines there in my short wee life uh, over the years. Now, let's get back to um, the news, shall we? We're on stuff, yes, we're on the stuff. Uh, and I wanted to just look at look at that um, Auckland Museum. Oh, don't let me forget the... I better, have, I better have the news going in the background. I find it a bit difficult, though, talking 
with my headphones off. Uh, okay, I've got one ear out now. Okay, so Auckland Museum asked Harbour Bridge to light up for Israel. Really? Auckland Museum asked the Harbour Bridge to light up for Israel. Oh. Auckland Museum Trust Board have confirmed a review is underway into the decision-making process surrounding the lights and an apology. So let's have a read at that. They shouldn't apologise for supporting a democratic country's right to exist. And they were attacked by flippant terrorists on the 7th of October. Auckland Museum asked Vector Lights to light up the Auckland Harbour Bridge in solidarity for Israel prior to the pro-Palestinian protest and subsequent apology. They shouldn't have apologised. The museum publicly apologised on Monday after it was lit, it lit up a blue and white uh, lit the whole thing up, looked quite good, in support of Israel on Sunday evening. The lights led to a pro-Palestinian protesters protesting outside the building and covering the lights with jackets and scarves, stupid people, effectively blackening them out. They love black. David Reeve, chief executive of Auckland War Memorial Museum, said on Monday that he wanted the light display to be a show of hope, but admitted their approach was wrong. Oh, you have to say that, don't you? You stand up for what's right, mate. You were standing up for Israel. Gosh, it's ridiculous. Uh, a spokesman from Vector Lights has now confirmed a request was sent from the museum last Friday asking for the Harbour Bridge to light up in solidarity for Israel as well. So they should. Prost- oh, let's have a look at that. Oh, I've got news coming up. I can't play it because we've got news coming up. So if they're, they're waving their Palestinian flags, they should be made illegal because 80% of Palestinians are in favour of Hamas, so they're actually terrorist supporters. And we've got them living here. We've got cell groups living in this country that are probably one day going to flip and do a, an attack on somebody. Probably some Ponsonby cafe, or you'll be. I imagine that it could be like this: you'd be in the um, what is it now? In the in the um, in the queue at McDonald's. I don't go to McDonald's anymore. But you'd be in the queue at McDonald's, and uh, some guy will come up and just shoot you in the car and just go through and mow everybody down there. Or might be giving someone an idea, but I bet you that's what they something like that will open the door, stab stab you or whatever. Can do a lot of damage or drive their flipping articulated trucks into a whole line of traffic, a line, a line of people walking along the road. That's the sort of thing they do. I mean, you don't have to take away guns; they'll find a way to kill you. Did look beautiful, all blue, just lovely. I think it was great. Anyway, so what did he do? Um, we'll go to news in a minute, but I'll just carry on here until they start. Are we ready to go? Yeah, we're ready to go. Um, Stuff has asked the Auckland Museum why the decision to approach Vector Lights was made and who at the museum made the initial decision to light it up. They have not responded. They don't want to get anyone in trouble. The museum's trust board chairperson, Emeritus, it's how you pronounce it, isn't it? Professor Richard Bedford, I used to have an old Bedford. Uh, he sent a message of apology to Auckland's mayor. That'll be Brown, Len Brown. Is it Len? Not Len. Oh, the other one. You know, the, the new one, not the old one. Len's the other one. He was a funny guy, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, news is on the way. Uh, he sent it to the mayor and the council about the situation on Wednesday. Bedford stated that he wanted it to be clear the intention was not to make a political statement or take sides, but to recognise Israeli civilians who were victims of a violent terrorist attack. Eh, Fair enough. However, the decision clearly did not recognise the effects of the incoming conflict in Gaza for Palestinian civilians. Uh, You know what? No, we've we've just got too many many, um, Muslims living in this country. That's the problem. Uh, they should just go, go to a Muslim country. They're not happy. You can't have it. It's going to be just out of control. Far too many Muslims. Anyway, we're going to TNT Radio News now. We'll have the anti-Semite Patrick Hennessy at the end. You listen, you watch him. 
hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Joran van der Sloot, the prime suspect in the mysterious disappearance of Natalie Holloway, has admitted he bludgeoned the Alabama team to death in 2005 and then buried her remains. Von der Sloot made the shocking admission Wednesday in an Alabama courtroom with Holloway's parents present. Standing a few feet from Von der Sloot, her mother Beth Holloway said in court, You changed the course of our lives and you turned them upside down. You are a killer. The 36-year-old Von der Sloot, a Dutch citizen, has not been charged in Holloway's death, but was sentenced Wednesday to 20 years in prison for extortion and wire fraud after asking her family for $250,000 to reveal the location of her body. The new sentence is to run concurrently with a 28-year sentence he is serving in Peru and the 2010 slaying of Stephanie Flores. Judge Manasco said at the hearing that the Holloway family will not find their daughter's remains as Von der Sloot placed them in the ocean. Holloway was 18 when she disappeared from the Caribbean island of Aruba in 2005 during a trip with school friends and was last seen with the Dutch citizen. Queen Rania of Jordan has condemned Israel over a recent airstrike on the Al-Ali Arab Baptist Hospital in Gaza. However, the nation has claimed they're not responsible for the attack. The Queen of Jordan uploaded a strongly worded statement on her Instagram story where she expressed her horror over the incident. Queen Rania wrote in her statement, Horrified by the Israeli airstrike on the Al-Ali Arab Baptist Hospital. Hundreds are dead in the single most brutal attack on Gaza. This massacre is a war crime, an affront to humanity, and a stain on the world's conscience. There is no justification for this. Our prayers are with the victims and their families. May God grant them the peace they so deserve. However, Israel has denied any involvement in the strike on the hospital. Chamath Palahapatiya of the All In Podcast says now is a good time to reevaluate President Trump. Saying on issues like the border wall and Middle East peace, people mostly didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. So much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. And that's what's so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out it was right. Issuing long-term debt to refinance when rates were at zero, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural peace in the Middle East, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had hoped to visit Israel in an attempt to link his country's cause to that of the Jewish state, but instead was asked to stay away and told the time is not right for making such a trip. The Ukrainian president allegedly wanted to travel to the country alongside U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says Zelensky has been left out in the cold. Well, look, as bad as things are right now in the world, there's always some room for some good news. And this really can be classed as a feel-good story. Zelensky was ready to suit up, to boot up, to head to Israel for the big photo op in the green t-shirt and the camos, hanging out with the IDF, hanging out with Netanyahu, try to raise some profile, raise some money. The cash has dried up. There's no weapons. There's no more cash. The United States is running IOUs now for Kiev because all the money all the arms, all the military might is being redirected to America's ally Israel. It's left Zelensky out in the cold. And to add insult to injury, 
The Israelis don't want him either. He said, I want to come to Israel. I want to be with BB. And the Israelis said, it's not a good time. We're kind of busy right now. Uh, we're going to pass. So the leader of the democratic world, Vladimir Zelensky, has been snubbed once again. His profile continues to plummet. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. It is uh, five minutes past eight here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards, and uh, we'll have a look at the weather in just a moment. I'll be right back with some weather. I like it. Well, there she is. That's, uh, that's the pick of her. That's the pick of the bunch. How much? Uh, 700. 700. And I suppose it only had one owner. A little old lady who only drove it on Sundays. Well, actually, she's an ex-rental. Uh, a mate of mine thrashed the ring out of for a fair bit, bought her in here, see if I could find some bunny to fit into it. That's remarkably frank of you. Cyril. Cyril. Well, there's not a lot of commission in a $700 vehicle. I'm not going to muck about all day selling it. He doesn't want it anyway. Tell us about it. Well, uh, the body works pretty well rooted, uh, as you can see, but, uh, well, they never give up these old sixes, do they? You know, a little hard to start, a little hard to start. Runs like a haunted shit house for a bit, but once she warms up, now, there's a lot of grunt under here. I wouldn't be surprised if you got the ton out of this, you know, on a decent downhill run, you know, with a brisk northerly up your freckle. Goes like a strangled fart. I reckon you got uh, 5,000 miles out of this before it craps out completely. It's got to be worth four or 500 in parts. Bit hard getting a warrant, of course. No brakes and one thing and another. Fortunately, I happen to have a warrant. It's not for this vehicle, but I will sell it to you, and I will include that in the 700. 650. Cash. Done. I don't believe it. Uh... Pack it on a slug. From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. I'm a Palestinian. From 21 until 48, I carried a Palestinian passport. There was no such thing in this area as Jews and Arabs and Palestinians. There were Jews and Arabs. And that is Golda Meir. She was a former uh, Israeli Prime Minister from 1969 until 1974, Golda Meir. Yeah, there you go. All righty then, all righty then. Let's have a look at the uh, the weather forecasting here, and then we're going to go over to Israel and look at the Israel news. Right now it's just gone 10 o'clock in Israel, I believe. What have we got? You're seven minutes past 10. Uh, on a Wednesday night in Israel, and we will go to Israeli news. We'll go to Israel National News. Uh, that is Arutz Shiva, and we will have a look, and they're up to date there. Now, I had a look at uh, the Times of Israel, but they have closed their live updates for the evening. They're getting an early night, and uh, it's all closed till tomorrow morning. But, 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 we have got Ruchiva. I found out why I couldn't get in yesterday, and even this morning I was trying to get in. It was because of my ad blocker. So, yes, and I get ads, but that's all right. It's better than not being able to see what's going on, because they're quite good. So we'll look at that after we look at the weather. Right, it's coming up to eight minutes past eight, and the latest forecast, which has just come through from Met Service, they've got a problem, some problems with temperatures at the moment. The only places that we're getting temperatures from is France Joseph at six degrees, um, Stewart Islands on nine, and the Chatham Islands at thirteen. Otherwise, there's no temperatures at all. And these, um, the only, the only extreme they've got is Timaru. They've got rain at Timaru. It's got 0.2 millimeters of rain falling there right now as we speak. Uh, so the short forecast for north and mostly cloudy today. Rain in the north gradually spreading south during the day. Auckland, Waikato, Waitomo, Taramanui, Coromandel Peninsula 
also the Bay of Plenty in Taupo, mainly fine weather, but isolated showers inland from the afternoon. For Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, also for, um, yes, just Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, fine weather, apart from isolated afternoon and evening showers. For Taranaki and Taihapi, also for Manawatu, fine weather, apart from areas of cloud this morning, and again in the evening, Horowanua and Wellington, also for the Wairarapa, fine weather for you, it's a lovely day today. Fjordland and Southland, showers about the fjords in Stewart Island, otherwise it's going to be lovely and fine. Really lovely it's going to be really, really good. And for the remainder of the South Island, the South Island, fine, apart from areas of cloud, uh, that's going to be about the Canterbury coast. And in the Chathams, it's cloudy for you. Looking ahead to the, um, oh, we won't worry about that. What's it going to be like on Saturday? It's, that's what we all want to know. For the North Island, occasional rain from Waikato to Gisborne northwards, and then mainly fine elsewhere. So that's good. Nice weekend for the um, for the North Island. Uh, but isolate, oh, isolated showers in Hawke's Bay and the Wairarapa, so not so good for you. For the South Island on Saturday, for the Rugby Day, it's, uh, what have you got, um, becoming fine in the west, but showers in the south uh, spreading elsewhere uh, east of the divide. And I've still got to figure out what divide means. Was that east of the divide? That'd be what? What would that be? Would that be Mackenzie? Get the big divide there, the big plant. Would it be that, or would it be the the Alps? A bit of, a bit of. I, I'll do that. I'll figure it out. I've got to know you've, if you're going to do this job, you've got to know what you're talking about. Okay. Now, so right now we're going to Israel. We're looking at the um, Israel National News, and like I said, it's uh, it's about uh, ten minutes past ten on a Wednesday night over there for them. We're ten hours ahead here in New Zealand. Now. Um, it says here, but not taking into account probably the daylight saving as well. Uh, bodies of, of a woman found in the kibbutz Be'eri. That was one that was really seriously hurt. Now, it says bodies of woman. I think what they mean to say, because it's not their first language, um, it's bodies of women and uh, and children have been found in the kibbutz Be'eri. That is, uh, that's just came through at, at 730 uh, which is just uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, about three hours ago. So we're going back to about three hours, and then I'll bring you right up to date. Hamas is attempting to fan flames of conflict in Judea. Uh, so I'll just give you all the headlines, and then we'll come back. That's recent. And uh, what have we got here? Crosshairs. This is who Israel is aiming its crosshairs at. Okay, well, that'll be good. They've got, a, they've got a hit list of the people that they, they want to take out. They don't want a carpet, carpet bomb, Patrick, and they don't want to, there's no genocide going to happen. That's just uh, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic nonsense talk. Okay, further up, terrorists not only murder Israelis, but they also are murdering their own civilians in Gaza. That story just came through uh, two hours ago. Uh, and what have we got here? The, um, got that there. And uh, UN immediately accept the lies of baby killers. That's true. They just accept, they accepted them. That uh, it, the whole world, they accepted that the um, the destruction of that hospital was was uh, Israeli. They know it wasn't. They know they know that, but they do it anyway. And it turns out it was a uh, actual. It was the jihadis. They set off a flipping rocket or a missile or something, and they killed their own people. Uh, okay, rockets continue to be launched from Gaza and Lebanon. This is at this hour of the night. This that came through at ten, uh, two minutes past ten. Uh, so that's pretty recent, just within the few minutes. So we'll go to that one first, and uh, I will bring you up to date. Now, it's uh, his, Israel's uh, war. This war is called the Swords of Iron, Israel at War. 
And uh, so let's just check this out here. Israeli in- Israel entered its second week of war, which has been dubbed Swords of Iron on Saturday. The war was sparked on the, this October the 7th when the Hamas terrorist organization launched its surprise attack by land, e and uh, sea, sea and air. After a heavy barrage of several thousand bullets, Hamas terrorists invaded Israeli territory, infiltrating military bases, what were they doing unoccupied? And the civilian population, why wasn't the people manning the walls? Why were they taken off and gone to the north? Uh, dodgy. is an inside job uh, to give Israel the moral high ground to take back Gaza. Could be. I mean, I'm keeping an open mind. I love the Israelis. I'm not sure about the government, though. Uh, and they're asking the same questions. If you go to the Tamara Yonah show at Israel News Talk, you're getting the same, the same questions are being asked. Anyway, a civilian population centres, uh, they were massacred. The inhab- they massacred the inhabitants that, and they took others captive. About over 250 people so far uh, that are being held hostage, being held, they kidnapped them. As of Sunday, October the 15th, over 1,300 Israelis have been killed. Uh, about 3,400 were injured and at least 100 Israelis. This is old news. Why have we got that? Oh, we got an update. Oh, I see. This is old news. So this is the latest news. At 10 o'clock, missile sirens sounded in Tel Aviv. Rizon, uh, Lision. Sounds like French, doesn't it? Lision, that's probably. Lision. And also Holon. Missile sirens a couple of hours earlier. That missile siren sounding in Tel Aviv. Missile sirens sounding in central Israel, Tel Aviv. This is just in the last few hours. Uh, Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Gilad Erdan, thanks his U.S. counterpart, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, who vetoed the Brazilian proposal for ceasefire. Erdan is, is expected to, to demand that the U.N. Secretary-General apologizes for preferring the lies of Hamas terrorists who killed babies without fact-checking over the truth that, the, that Israel presented regarding the explosion of the hospital in Gaza. Yes, good. More missile sirens sound in the central Israel area, including Pitak, Tikva, and Hod Hasharon. And then IDF tanks destroyed two posts in Lebanon, from which anti-tank fire towards Israel territories was identified. That was on at about 5.30 their time, so that's about five hours ago. Okay, in addition, the IDF forces struck a post which, which, uh, which an anti-tank missile was launched towards the Metula area, a short time ago, that was at um, yeah, that was about five hours ago. So there we are. It's still, still fairly new. At the same time, Israeli defence forces uh, identified shots being fired towards the Mount Dove area. The uh, the IDF forces are returning fire. Missile sirens sounding in the northern Israel. A senior diplomatic official says the Israel will refuse humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip as long as they do not return the hostages. Fair enough. In light of U.S. demands, Israel is considering alternate options that will ensure the provisions of minimal food, medications and water through Egypt. But Egypt won't let them have it. They don't. They're, they're, they're just, they won't take their own people. They won't take people as refugees. People want to get out. They're stopped at the Egyptian border. They can't go anywhere. They can't go to Egypt. They can't go to um, um, Jordan. They want them to die. You know, what can you do? You've got to go. Israel has to fight. They have to fight. This, um, this is a, it's the right thing to do. There's a time for war, and this is it. Okay. And they always try and avoid um a civilian loss always not like the terrorists 
they they actually target they target um, um, especially if they're Jews they target uh, um, what's my word must be getting tired must, be, must need a coffee they target um, civilians that's what they do now uh, just a matter of hours ago terrorists in the past few hours fired several anti-tank munitions towards the Manara and Rosh Hanikra area near the Lebanese border the Israeli Defence Force attacked the sources of the fire uh, gunfire or you know whatever it is and it's continued to strike Hezbollah infrastructure in Lebanon so they're fighting on two fronts at the moment but that's alright they can handle it they're amazing and they've got so many people over there. So that is Aruchiva, that was their wire, that's the latest from them. Now, let's have a look at this hit list and see who Israel want to um, target. It's certainly not going to be hospitals. Uh, oh, it's not a video, is it? Oh my gosh. How do I stop this? I might not be able to do that. It's um hit list. How do I get to that? Unless it's a video. Oh no, here we go. Here we go. Here's the hit list. Oh, it is, a, it is the who Israel is aiming its crosshairs at. Five leaders of the murderous Hamas terror organization are left in the IDF crosshairs. So they've killed a whole heap of them. Uh, who have we got? Khaled Mashal, uh, Salah al-Ahuri, Mohammed Dif, and Haya Sinwar. Those are the ones. One, two, three, four, five. There they are, Swords of Iron. They've got them in the crosshairs. Let's have a look and see. The defence establishment promised to get revenge on all those involved in the 10-7 massacre. In, they're calling it 10-7, like 9-11. 10-7 massacre in southern Israel. 1,500 terrorists infiltrated Israel, and the majority of them were eliminated. Five leaders of the murderous Hamas terrorist organisation are left in the IDF's crosshairs. And they are... Ya, um, it is, his name is Ya, Ya, is it? Ya, Ya Sinwa. He's the leader of Hamas in the Gaza Strip and the found, strip and the, the founder of the organization's armed wing. Sinwa, he was considered the architect of the terror attack against Israel, and in his speeches during the past two weeks, he has hinted at Hamas pushing to change the rules of the game, above working to remove the naval blockade on the Gaza Strip and to force Israel to release security prisoners. Sinwa, his home is in Khan Yunus. It was struck by an IAF, that's Israeli Air Force, this week. In 2011, Sinwa, who was considered the most senior security prisoner, was released from an Israeli prison as part of a prisoner swap for POW Gilad Shalat. Wow, he was there for a while. He was captured. He was taken prisoner in 2006, I think it was. I remember hearing about that. So he's been in, in prison all that time. What's that, nearly six years? So they swapped him. They got him out. They got a whole lot of them out just to get Gilad back. Before his release, he was asked by the Shin Bet, that is the uh, secret service for Israel, to sign that he would not return to terrorism. But he refused. Well, they shouldn't have let him go. But they wanted Gilad back. Parents wanted him back. Family wanted him back. And then you've got Mohammed Def. He was the supreme commander of the Al-Khwazam Brigades. Hamas's military wing. He's on the top of the list most of most wanted. Over the years, Israel has attempted to assassinate him multiple times. On June the 12th, 2006, Def was severely wounded in an Israeli Air Force strike on the house in which he was residing. And as a result, he lost his arm and legs. But he's still able to be the brainchild of these attacks. 
he was and he was wheelchair bound. Uh, despite his physical condition, Def continues to lead the military wing and is considered the supreme authority of the organization. From time to time, Hamas sends voice messages from wait, sends them or receives says sends here voice messages from Def as a way of en- to encourage and uh, and enlist the messages or the masses rather to the armed struggle against Israel. So they must mustn't send Hamas or oh, Hamas sends the voice messages from Def. Okay, yeah, got it there, right? Now who's the other one they're after? His name is Ishmael Hanayeh. Haniye, uh, and he is the head of Hamas's diplomatic office, uh, making him the supreme leader of the organization. Haniye, he has served in the past as the chief bureau of uh, or bureau chief of the Hamas founder Sheikh uh, Ahmad Yassin. He climbed to the position of power and leadership following the elimination of the previous Hamas leaders, and temporarily the resignation of Khalid Mashal from the leadership. In recent years. Haniyeh has resided in Qatar, and from there he manages the organization, including its strategy against Israel and its funding. Well, why, doesn't, why don't the Qataris, why don't they lock him up? Why don't they get him? So that's who the ones they've got to get. So they'll get, they'll get all of these guys. They always get their men. This is the, um, uh, the secret service of the, Israelis, the Israeli Defense Force. Khalid Marshal... He is the head of the Hamas movement outside of Palestine. He's responsible for the international wing's activities, including the enlistment of Muslim and Arab populations for the struggle. Mind, what is it? Now, what does struggle mean? Um, what's the word they use for struggle? Um, shihad, jihad. That, that means struggle. It's like Mein Kampf. Um, and the enlistment of popular and monetary support from the organization's activities. Last week, Marshall instructed Muslim and Arab community leaders in the West to demonstrate support for the Gaza Strip, and his call was answered in many cities in the West. In 1997, the Mossad attempted to assassinate Marshall using poison that was sprayed at him in Amman, Jordan. The Mossad agents, who were caught by local police after the act, and due to the diplomatic incident and pressure from King Hussein, Israel gave the Jordanians the antidote for the poison, and Marshal's life was saved. In addition, Israel released Sheikh Ahmad Yassin from prison uh, in return for the release of, a Mas- of the Mossad agents, Mossad agents. Then you've got Salid al-Amouri. He's the deputy leader of Hamas and he's in charge of the military branch's operations. While he led his headquarters, he, he leads them in Turkey, Al-Arori was responsible for a long list of terror attacks in Judea and Samaria, including the 2014 kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teens, I remember that, Naftali, uh, Frankel, Gilad Shah, and Eyal Farak. I think his name is, under his direction, this is Salad al-Aruri, looks like, under his direct leadership, the al-Qazam brigades established a large terror infrastructure in Judea and Samaria, first then in, in Jenin, and then after that in Shechem, Nablus, Kalkaram, and additional cities in the region. As part of this, an emphasis was put on the al-Qazim engineering unit, which, which manufactures strong explosives that are meant to harm the Israeli Defense Force armed vehicles, rockets, 
in the Jenin region and shooting the Jewish communities along the seam line. Wow. They shoot at them, rather, with these rockets. Uh, today, al Arori he resides in Lebanon, where he continues to direct acts of terror in cooperation and coordination with Hezbollah. In an interview with Hezbollah's television channel, al Amori. Arori, he presented an attack plan that Hamas built as part of the Union of Fighting Fronts, which according to him is meant to change the strategic, the strategic reality and force unto, uh, into an unconditional retreat and release of all security prisoners. So that's what they're trying to do. According to him, in an all-out war, a naval blockade will be put on Israel and the power communications and water infrastructure will be hit. This is what he's planning. And then you've got the last of the one. These are the ones that Israel has got in the crosshairs at 26 minutes past eight, too, by the way. And his name is Eamon Hoffel. And he was considered one of Muhammad Def's closest confidants. And he was eliminated yesterday in, an, in, the pla- in a place called Al-Burij. Looks like Al-Burij got a J on the end, I'm not sure you pronounce it, probably do. He was the commander of Hamas's Central Camps Brigade. The Israeli Defense Force announced that Hoffel directed Hamas's rockets targeted and, in the past, dealt with the manufacturing and development of arms, participated in the planning and execution of many terror attacks, and participated in the planning of Gilad Shalat's capture. Nofel was involved in the massacres during the surprise attack, including the one at the music festival in Rehem. Uh, Be'eri, these are, these are all um, kibbutz places, uh, Kaf Azaz, uh, Nitif, uh, Ha Hazara, uh, looks like Ner Oz, uh, Holit, Ner Yitzhak, and others. So that's him. Nasty stuff. Nasty stuff. So that's who Israel are out to get. And I hope they get them as well. Take them out. You have to. You have to. It's time to fight. I know you Christians, you know, a lot of you, you think there's no time to fight. You've got to fight. There's there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. All right. So that is the latest. Now, let's go back to New Zealand now and just see if there's any new news coming out of the place. At 26 minutes past, now landmark decision Supreme Court to rule on uh, teen sex offenders' name suppression. A victim, this is on Radio New Zealand, a victim's advocate says the case is being heard at the Supreme Court on Thursday, that's today. And it could set a precedent. I suppose we'd have a quick look at that. What is it saying here? It says, uh, a victim's advocate says the case at the Supreme Court today, uh, it could set a precedent around whether youth offenders keep their names secret in future. The case uh, centres around a man who sexually offended against six teenage girls when he was, when he was 14 to 17 years old. Hmm. Uh, the man turned 18 in 2020. Uh, the same year he was sentenced to 12 months home detention. Doesn't seem strong enough, does it? He asked for permanent name suppression on the basis that publishing his name would likely was likely to cause extreme hardship for and endanger his safety. His application was declined by the district court and was later appealed to the High Court. That's what he's done. Independent advocate Ruth Money. I wonder if that's any relation to John Money. He was the pervert that uh, introduced um, a lot of the things, that a lot of the, uh, the teaching in the, the education department on gender fluidity and all that gender nonsense. Uh, of John Money 
John William Money. What if there's any relation? Could be, who knows? Anyway, so independent advocate Ruth Money said three of the man's victims have waived their own right to name suppression but were effectively gagged by his bid to keep his name secret, so they want to name him. She says sexual violence in New Zealand is an epidemic. Is it, though? I think it could be. I don't know. Maybe it is. But there's also, I think there's also um, uh, an attack on men at the moment. That's happening. There's certainly an attack on a masculinity. Uh, and so, you know, it might, not be, it might not all be true. You know, women can make up stories just as anyone can. Women can be very vindictive, though. You know, they can, they know, boy, they can't, oh man, I, I know, they, are, they can be so devious. Anyway, this is what she says. Sexual violence in New Zealand is an epidemic and sexual violence hides in the shadows and suppression certainly helps with the shadows, she said. It was a landmark decision that people point to in the future. Okay, so that was when it was in the, in the, um, when, when, it was ruled in what court was that now? That was in the early court, wasn't it? Supreme Court. Uh, no, it's gone to the Supreme Court, but it was in the other court anyway. Okay, so then uh, the man has been sentenced for his offending, Money said, but, but his repeated appeals for name suppression were continuing to impact his victims. This is a chance, she says, for the court to really consider the impact that suppression has on, on, on survivors of sexual violence. Well... The victims can't talk about the effects that it has had on their own mental health and can't go to work and tell their colleagues because they've got to be quiet about it. Uh, he has raped me, this one woman said. I might, have, I might have a panic attack and can't go to university for fear of bumping into that person or, or not being able to tell the university who that offender is. Yeah, I can understand that, Ruth. I can understand that. If he is, if he indeed he is a rap, I mean, fourteen-year-old, gosh, he just needs a good, good wallet with a cane on around his backside, doesn't he? Needs a good hiding from his father. What were the father thinking? I mean, my father taught, taught me and my brother to treat women like our sisters. Uh, as and you know, older women treat them like they're your mother, and have respect for them. That's what we were taught. Never hit, never hit a girl. Under any circumstances, even if she's bashing you, and that's quite often the case, happens a lot. Women will attack men, and the men put, you know, they're trying to defend themselves. And uh, a lot of the marks that women end up with is just um, is a man trying to defend himself against an attacking wife or or a partner or something. They can get quite vicious. So a lot of that goes on. And then you've got the odd half wit that comes home pissed from the pub and he bashes the wife up. That sort of thing. I mean, that's nasty. Don't agree with that. No, of course, of course, I wouldn't agree with it. But you know. Then those people need to be locked up, put on, um, they need to go and do some hard labour is what they need, 29 minutes to 9, we'll end at 9, okay so we won't slave over that because um, we've got to keep moving on, so that is the latest on Radio New Zealand's front page, what else have we got that's come in there, the West Coast surprising shade of blue, what does that mean, oh yeah well that's about the election I suppose, um, Oh, he's pissed off, isn't he? Long-term serving MP Damien O'Connor, he came out and told the reporters to F off yesterday. He will remain in the Parliament despite being unseated in the West Coast Tasman. So he's going to go on a list. He'll be really upset, won't he? Thanks to his place on the Labour list. Yeah. West Coast Tasman electorate, home to the spot, what is it? The to the spiritual birthplace of Labour of the Labour Party. It was too. It was one electorate that few pundits picked to change allegiance this election. 
they just got it so wrong. You just did such terrible things to us. And I think that new National Party people, you would have done worse things listening to some of the comments that you've made during the, the whole COVID pandemic. And so you can thank your lucky stars and we'll turf you out too if you do anything stupid. Uh, we certainly will. We'll turf you out. So, I mean, you're going to be turfed out anyway uh, with the NZ Loyal Party, which has 33 candidates. 33. And the Electoral Commission, those stupid people in there, they were, they were checking every, every bit of paper that came through and they had to go and get this done and fix that and everything. And then when they made a mistake on the candidates, on one form it said 33 and on the other form it said 3. Uh, the woman that was responsible for it, she even said to Liz, I, I, I'll hand my resignation. And she wouldn't accept her resignation. She just works so hard. They've all worked so hard. And Liz now is very ill at the moment. She's got, I think it's a lung infection she's got. And she has uh, um, something like pericarditis or something like that. Or probably not. She's got a lung infection at the moment. And so she can't wait to get back and talk to you. But right now she's very, very ill. And that happens sometimes when you've worked so hard for the last, you know, 11 weeks or however long it's been. Uh, worked so hard, just day in, day out, long hours and just get, really getting on with the job, working far far harder than I could ever work. Um, and and now she's ill because that's what happens. You, your, your body just seems to hang in there until, and that happens sometimes. And then I, I've heard so many cases of this. And then when the, when, the, when, the, when the situation's over and the pressure's off, then your body says, right, now I'm going to get rid of some toxins. You're going to have to deal with this and you're going to have to eat right. Because she obviously probably wasn't eating right, not getting enough sleep. She's stressed out, uh, which she would have been. All they all were, but what a soldier she was! People couldn't believe it how how well she did, and all the st- uh, stupid rhetoric and all the you know from people that I didn't expect. So this election has been good in one way because it sorted the sheep from the goats. We now know who we can trust and who we can't, who's honest and who's not, and who will vote for a compulsive liar and someone that's responsible for. For, el- that, for a policy that allowed elder abuse in the euthanasia bill and someone that was responsible for the worst abortion bill in the world, his party, New Zealand First. Winston Peters, I'm naming you. you it's, you're a disgrace. You're, just, you're out there for you. And you know what? So all the people that voted for you, they're out there because they just want to get, get you over the line. They don't want to vote for truth. So, so far, about 27,000 people that, are, that voted this year, uh, vote that we know that those voters, the ones that put two ticks on the top of that form, uh, either side of that form, on Saturday, they are truthful people. They're honest people. And the dishonest people voted for people like New Zealand First and Act and National Party, who are all globalists, all of them, including Winston. He's just deceitful. So don't do it again next year. You've failed your IQ this year. You failed your morality test this year. That's what you did. Yes, it's a wasted vote. Maybe. That's because everybody thinks it's a wasted vote. But if half of you that voted for New Zealand first but really wanted to vote for NZL, New Zealand Loyal, you wanted to because the policies were good and you liked it and you thought this is a, a non, oh, this would be great. This will get us out of the slavery, which is what you're in, a neo-feudal slavery. That's where you're heading. This will get us out of it. But you didn't, because you had a ye of little faith. You didn't have faith, and you went and you went with the devil. You voted for the devil because you didn't trust the angel. 
And you ought to be ashamed of yourselves, all of you. Cam Slater, to name one, I think he's an agent for National. <laughs> he's got a he's got a track record with with National. There he is with Winston. I could see he was sucking up to Winston. You know, and then radio RCR. I'd never work for you, even if you ask me. Never would I work for you. You people ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Paul Brennan, come on, mate. What are you doing? It's not surely. It's I. I know they pay you pretty good in there, don't they? I've heard. I've heard you've got some good good supporters, multi millionaires supporting you. But what about truth? Rodney, come on, Rodney. What are you doing there? You're a good man. You've always fought for what's right in the government when you were there. You were you. I think you were the. You basically founded the the ACT Party. Now look at it. Now look at it. Just got a bunch of globalists. You're not a globalist, are you, Rodney? I know you're not. So what are you doing? You know, sucking up to these people. You can start your own. I wouldn't work for. I wouldn't trust any of you the right way. I, I wouldn't trust you to sit the right way on a lavatory. And I found we know now after this election, people like Cam, Cam Slater, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Winston Peters, you're a disgrace. And you, you know. He just thinks it. He just gets a kick out of, of, deceiving people. He's just like a slimy car salesman. All of you, all of you are. All of you politicians. You're basically just actors, salespeople, convincing stupid people, gullible people with not enough information. We none of us have enough information to be able to vote properly about you. We need to know everything there is about every single candidate. And every single candidate needs to go through some kind of a psychological analysis so that we know that they're actually mentally fit and well to enter our parliament. So before you can even become a candidate, you've got to be approved uh, by independence, approved that you're actually sane. Because we've got too many insane people. We've got people walking around, the people who've got gun licenses that have suffered from anxiety uh, all their life. You shouldn't, ha- you shouldn't have a gun. You shouldn't be allowed to have one because it's a recipe for disaster put the knives away as well no sharp knives or anything <laughs> I suppose you'd find something else it's a mental health issue anyway it's not a gun control issue it's always been a mental health issue uh, but they want to turn it on us that it's a gun issue and that's the only reason why they want to do that is because they want to take the guns off people and notice they're strapping up the um, strapping up the police as photographs always have a shot of you know if there's any trouble any trouble anywhere and the police come out with their semi-automatic weapons they're semi-automatic I hope you realise with dumb dumb bullets in them nasty they, they wouldn't even allow those in warfare they weren't allowed to use those in warfare that was against the Geneva Convention but they use these flipping hollow point things make a mess of you and you know there's a lot of there's some bad bad people in that police force. Some good guys in there as well. But there's a lot of a lot of new recruits. A lot of baddies there. They just want to bash people up. I wouldn't mind betting there's people in there that are trained in the um, armed defenders that you know just can't wait to shoot somebody. There's some sick people out there, and all of them. Every I mean, they do their psychological analysis. I reckon what they do is they want people that are going to be easily uh, the people that they want to recruit are people that will do what they're told. They're people that are what would you call it? compliant that'll just go along with whatever they tell them to do like at Wellington all the good cops the great cops walked away from that many of them did they walked away they left I've got a friend who was at a party uh, a friend of his is a policeman and uh, he he said there were people there that were at this party, there were people that, uh, cops, they're talking about cops, 
that thought it was terrible. They really didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be doing what they were asked to do. And there were others there that were saying, oh, it was great, man. Just got to have a, like a street fright, just like a ball, a brawl. They loved it. They loved bashing people. They loved punching them. And we saw that from some of the footage, didn't we? Turns out a lot of the sergeants are the most violent in the New Zealand police force. We have, we need to, like when New Zealand loyal gets in next, uh, next term, and it's, we've started already, they're on the ball already, they're planning now for the next, uh, next campaign, starting now. And when they do, when they get in and take control of our, get it back for the people, we will get rid of a corrupt police force. Well, I think there's about 15,000 bureaucrats and they're getting average on $110,000 a year. What's that? That's billions, isn't it? That's, what, one and a half billion a year income? We'll get rid of, the, get rid of them all. We've got far too many. That's the ma- a major drain on our economy is what we pay to bureaucrats and um, companies that we employ. Because it's our money. It's, the, it's ordinary New Zealand. It's taxpayers, people that do PAYE. The other people, the big business people, they avoid tax, and that's why we're that's why we're bringing in a one percent transaction tax, which works. Look it up online. You know what they're doing in Europe? They're going to bring it in. I think they already use it in Bahrain or Qatar or somewhere like that. They've got a, they put a five percent tax in. They made so, just that was all they had, just a five percent transaction tax. They made so much money they reduced it to two percent, and I think they're going to reduce it even more. And our people. Here at NZ Loyal, I say our people, I'm not a member, I am a member of the party. They've done their homework and they say that 1%, we could get away with 1%. Why is that? Because, because NZ Loyal is there for the people, not there to make money out of us, not to make merchandise out of your own countrymen. That's not what it's about. It's 17 minutes to nine, and if you've just joined me, you're listening to the Liberty NZ Breakfast, still going, moving on to brunch with me. Grant, Grant Edwards, your host. Okay, so Damien Connor's out. He's really pissed off, isn't he? But Williams isn't surprised by the year's result. There's just been this feeling that the last year or so, a lot of frustration, I think, is the underlying hostility. Yes, that's right. And who is that? This is the Bullard District Mayor, Jamie Shaney, is it? Is that how you say his name? I suppose it is. Despite being National Party member, Bullard District Mayor, Jamie he told the detail, which is the Radio New Zealand um, thing. I mean, I don't know whether is that a, I don't know what the detail is. It's probably a podcast or something, is it? Or don't know. That he was taken aback by the switch. Why, why would you be taken aback? Of course they're going, mate. Of course they're going because people are waking up. New Zealanders are waking up, and they don't like it. And that's why they're trying to stop uh, people like me and others from talking to you. Because people are waking up and they've got to stop us telling the truth to you and unveiling their plans, their globalist plans to completely enslave New Zealanders and the whole world to, to get rid of the nation straight state and bring us under a world government. That's what it is, the new world order. You think, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, it's not. The, 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 um, the World Economic Forum is the new world order with it's the same old pig with new lipstick. Who said that now? James Corbyn, I think. I think they got it off him. Anyway, so that's that boring news. Uh, so they've lost it. Good on them. They deserve to lose it. The majority of restaurant owners, they want fair pay legislation repealed. 
according to a survey. This is a new report that's just come out. Restaurant Association Chief Executive Marissa Bidwa, she says, is that right? Bidwa, yeah. She says that uh, uh, she's optimistic among members following the election. Yes, she's hoping that that will be scrapped by national. Restaurateurs are saying scrapping fair play legislation, it could be among the top priorities of the new government. In Restaurant Association survey, in, in one, in a restaurant survey, followed by the election, following the election, 80, when did they do that? They must have just done it because they only had the election on the weekend. 80% of respondents said that they wanted to see the legislation repealed this is the pay legislation, and nearly two-thirds were in support of a reintroduction of a 90-day trial for applicants. They should definitely do that. More than 80% were optimistic about the industry's future under a national-led government. Well, don't get your hopes up. Don't hold your breath. And a similar proposal said that they expected the change to boost consumer confidence and spending. Restaurant Association Chief Executive, that's Marissa Boudoir. Boudoir. <laughs> said that she was encouraged. Not, not, it's not like a B day. Ooh, sorry, shouldn't say that. Boudoir, come to my boudoir. I hope I've got her name right. Boudoir, it is. It's boudoir. Um, a French name. She probably just says oh, Bidos. <laughs> she was encouraged by the response, which uh, was well, well exceeded the twenty percent who, who earlier in the year expected uh, an improvement during this year, especially if Labour got back in. Uh, good on them that they're out. They deserve to be out because they rode roughshod. And you watch out, National. You go doing the same sort of things, your globalist stuff. You do that, you'll end up going on the rubbish heap as well. You're going to anyway, uh, coming up um, 2020, what is it, six, with New Zealand loyalists going to trounce you all and we'll get our country back. Uh, at that time, business owners cited the recession uh, upcoming election and the impending legis- legislative changes as prime, prime factors uh, of the unease in the sector. She said that we are pleased to see our members express such significant levels of satisfaction and optimism following the election. She said the change of government has clearly increased the outlook of the restaurant industry. She said we look forward to working with the incoming government to ensure our members' priorities are addressed. Nearly two-thirds of the respondents said the effective management of interest rates would be crucial to ensure financial stability for restaurants, while another 43% looked to promised tax cuts as a means of to stimulate growth. The Restaurant Association is dedicated to advocating for these priorities and working collaboratively with the new government to create favorable, a favourable environment for our members. She says this is a bidouin. Uh, we remain committed to supporting our members and advocating for policies that promote their success. Well, that's a nice sentence she strung together there. Wow, must have practiced that. Well, she can speak all right, can't she? That was a, that she strung that sentence together beautifully. Easy to read when they write them properly. <laughs> you know, it's easy to read when people speak properly. And they quote you, she's quoting it, so that's exactly what she said. Uh, maybe she wrote it in the, in the letter, in an email, don't know. But if she spoke that, just off the top of her head, it was well done. Uh, okay, so that is that. So they're all excited. The restaurants, restaurant people are all really excited. We heard about the Hefe track that's going to be reopened and thousands have already booked in. Uh, that's terrific, isn't it? Should we have another quick look at that? Uh, yeah, it was good to see that was good to see that the restaurant guys are, are getting uh, are being happy about it, and they should bring in tipping as well. I think that's what they should do. pay them less and bring the tipping, then they treat you better. Because tipping means to uh, pay, um, what does it say, tip? 
to ensure prompt service. <laughs> to ensure tips. To ensure prompt service. Yeah, tips. Heafy Track reopens. Thousands already have booked in. Good on you there. A small west coast town is looking forward to a busy summer of visitors. With the long-awaited reopening of the South Island's Heafy Track, the popular Great Walk fully reopened on Thursday after being this today, isn't it? Or was it last week? After being closed since February, when storms destroyed a section of it, including three bridges, wiped them out completely. Nearly 12,000 people have already booked uh, the Heafy Track over the next eight eight months. Is it eight months? God. Development West Coast Chief Executive Heath Milne, he said that the uh, Karamea community was relieved to see the track opening up again uh, as its closure had been a, a significant blow to the local economy. He said that we've had over 18 months with it closed and it's um, had a massive impact on the whole community there, particularly with the accommodation and hospitality sector, hospitality, uh, which has lost a significant amount of jobs. He said that we've seen 75% uh, a 75% drop in visitor numbers over that time and that's led to about 90% drop in turnover for some businesses. So it's really, really, so it's really great to see it all come back. It is great. Oh, look at that bridge. So we wiped that out. So that's all done. That was a 147-metre long bridge I'm looking at. And that's the Heath, one of the Heafy bridges there. One of the, I think it's called Heafy Bridge. That's on the Heafy track. And that happened. When did that? Early in 2020. That was back then. Back then, Milne, he told Morning Report, that's Radio New Zealand's Morning Report this morning, tourism dropped by about $6 million in GDP. That's gross domestic um, profit. He said damage was extensive with three bridge crossings taken out by the storms. The crossings were moved and should now be resilient in storms, he said. He said he said that the track reopened it was reopening was just a godsend, really, really. It was a godsend. The Department of Conservation, that's DOC, D-O-C, they said more than 11,600 bed nights had already been booked for track huts between 19th of October and the end of June next year. Wow. Uh, DOC Western Southern um, Island, South Island Director Mark Davies, he said the strong bookings showed us how significant the Heafy Track was as part of the Great Walk, Walk Network in the country. Can't talk at the moment. Uh, right across the country. Have a slurp of tea and you'll be able to get the words out. Okay, he said, We understand that the period that's been closed has been significant, but we wanted to build greater resilience and sustainability into the repair, so that's why it took a bit longer to do that. He said, We've got confidence that we've got a Heafy Track that is way more resilient to future storms. And uh, it's going to give a real confidence to the communities in the Karamea and Golden Bay area. Oh, bravo. Good to have a good story. That's just come out this morning on the Morning Report. Oh, we're getting Morning Report stuff coming out now. Uh, so that's good. Black Caps, what have they got? Oh, here we go. New Zealand, the, New Zealand brought Afghanistan back down to earth with a 141 run, uh, 149 run victory on Wednesday. Today, where's that? Yesterday? Today? Oh, that was yesterday, to stretch their winning streak in the uh, 50 overs World Cup. Three days after stunni- the stunning uh, defending champion England and the plucky Afghans briefly kindled hopes of another upset when New Zealand's top order suffered a mini collapse. In 2019, runners-up, however, went on to post uh, 266-6 to after skipper Tom Latham, 67, I'm sure he's not that old, is he? And Glenn... 
Phillips, 71, it wouldn't be that old. That'll be, that'll be their scores, wouldn't it? How many runs they got? <laughs> I don't know anything about cricket. Or else just, no, it's boring <laughs> to watch. They smashed rapid half centuries. Good on them. There they did too. Uh, they bent the bent. This benefited tremendously with a sloppy field by Afghanistan, who floored four catches and blew a stunt opportunity as well as let New Zealand off the hook. New Zealanders they were not they were not as forgiving though when they returned to to defend their title and bundled out Afghanistan a hundred and thirty nine in thirty five overs. How many overs are there? How many runs runs are there in an over? As overs would be bowling, wouldn't it? Over. Better than an underarm. The Aussies do underarms. We never let them forget it. It'd be overs, wouldn't it? That'd be how many times they throw the ball at you. I would think probably, what is it, 10, 10 in and over? I don't know. I'd better look it up sometime. I'll let you know. I'd have to learn a little bit about it. If I'm going to do this job, I need to learn about things, don't I? Another great performance, Leatham leading the side in absence of injured Kane Williamson, said after his team scored to the top of the points table. Well done. He said, we were put under pressure sometimes. The bowlers managed to take wickets when it, did, when it was needed. Spin in Afghanistan's strong suit. Is it? Is. Oh, it is there. Yes. Spin. Spinning the ball. Getting a bit of a spin on it. Uh, is Afghanistan's strong suit. And uh, one and off spinner, Majib Ur Rahman, he set to work after they won the toss and uh, elected to field. And so it goes on and on there, cricket. It looks pretty exciting from the pictures, though. Some of those photographers are taking, so they've got a great shot there of Tom uh, Tom Latham. He was out bowled. Oh, look, the wicket's gone right in the middle of it. How do they do that? Do they just take a video and then just pick out the one they want? Or they just go, <laughs> taking lots of photos. It's good photography, isn't it? So let's get down the bottom here. This is oh, this came through Reuters, actually. Ferguson, 319, claimed two wickets in his seventh over. And Sat and Satner three thirty nine, what's that three over thirty nine? Is it claimed a couple in the next to put Afghanistan out of their misery? There you go, very disappointed, because this level you have to take at this level you have to take those kind of catches. That was Shalid, Shalidi. That's what he said. The team, the team otherwise was doing well, but our fielding let us down. Okay, so they. It was the fielding that let you down, was it? All right, let's move across now, away from them, and we'll go back to News Hub, and we'll see what they've got planned for us today. What have you got? The cost of living? Oh, no, we'll go up the top there. Oh, we've got that. So the latest, we'll just go to home, click on home. Here we go. Uh, so the front page headlines, deadly blast in Gaza hospital appears to be from an errant rocket fired by the terrorist group, according to Biden. And he's right, not that he would know, but that's true. Very descriptive. AM host reacts to controversial new fence rule proposal. Oh, okay. They react, do they? This was just 27 minutes ago. Let's have a look at that and see what they've said. Who have we got there? We've got a couple of hosts, haven't we? This one's been put together by William Hewitt. Good old Willie. We'll give you um, give you a plug. Now, AM hosts are torn. They've torn. They're fighting over this, arguing. It's not a bad thing to argue about a prospective new height restriction for fences in Hawke's Bay, which has drawn the air of residence. The Napier City Council released details of the proposal on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, which proposes new height limitations of as low as 1.2 metres for fences on new residential properties. Oh, that's not good enough. It's got to be higher than that. 1.2? Flipping dogs can jump over that. How do you keep your dogs in? That's just, that is silly. I wonder who's, I bet you Ryan's sensible enough. He'll be going, no, can't have that. 
um, 1.2 for its fences on new residential properties. No, that's different. That's the new proposed district plan, which they shouldn't have any. Should keep out of our business. It's our our land. You can talk to your neighbours. <laughs> talk to your neighbours. Unlike Jacinda said, don't talk to your neighbours. Talk to your neighbours. You work it out together. And then you just build it together, work it out. That's what we've always done in the past, work it out. But it should be higher than that. should be allowed to, you know, people don't want people looking, gawking at them. That's crazy. I hope that doesn't, I hope they don't do that in other places. That's like, you know, you, that's like keep an eye on your, you know, your neighbours in case they're doing something wrong. It's like they want to encourage you spying on one another. People want privacy. They're allowed it. Uh, the proposed fences could be 1.8 in height for up to 50% of the length. Oh, listen to all this rubbish. Who writes this stuff? I mean, I know that I'm not I'm not saying that, William, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying the people that write these policies, it's just ridiculous. So it can be 1.8, that's six feet, six foot high, up to for 50% of the length of the boundary, but must be 1.2 for the remainder. How ridiculous. The proposal district plan impacts everyone in some way, but will affect some people more than others including the proposed district plan included in it is a proposal to lower f- oh okay that's what it says the AM host discussed the proposal on the show today with Laura, um, host Laura Tupu asking if you had a big dog yes she's right that's what I think if you had a big dog what about a 1.2 high fence what's that going to do she says Ryan Bridge respond. he responded nothing oh so they agree what do you mean they would gallop right over it yeah they would Children will, will just hop right over, that, wouldn't they? Yes. Bridge added that it would allow neighbours to have a good look at your backyard. But Tupu said the proposal is based on safety. Why? If you normally back into a park and you think I'm going to have a really high fence, what? if you normally back into onto a park and you, and you think I'm really going to have a I'm going to have a really high fence. No, they want you to have something to make it safer through design. Just yeah, They should just stay out of our business when it comes to the safety. So if you're going through an alleyway, you don't want a high fence on either side because you don't feel safe. You just drive slower. You toot your horn. You don't back out. You're not allowed to back out anyway of your driveway. It's actually against the law. Do you know that in many councils? Shouldn't be allowed to just drive in and back out. That's how people get run over. Skateboarders get hurt. <laughs> no, they shouldn't be allowed on there. Shouldn't be allowed to skate. They go to the skateboard park. And people, they're allowing kids to ride their bikes on the footpath. We used to get, gosh, we used to get a slap over the knuckles from the local cop. Get a boot in the backside from the local cop if we were caught riding on the footpath. They'd tell your dad, and then you get a hiding when you got home. No, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Uh, but anyway, so no fences should be as high as you like. And... Um, you know, within reason, I suppose. Well, as long as they're as long as they're built to code, anything high like that has to have a permit anyway. Uh, because if it fell over and hurt somebody, wouldn't it? But you know, the thing is, it, you've just got to be responsible. People have to take responsibility for their actions, and governments, and you know, local body and national government, they need to step out of our business and leave it to us. We need to get rid of, like I said before on this program. Oh, we've got news coming up. Um, they need to stay out of our business. And they need to, uh, we need to be responsible. Get rid of ACC and get rid of the yeah, Accident Compensation Corporation so that we can actually sue people when they harm, our, harm us, kill us, or damage our property. We can actually sue them. And there needs to be some kind of a fund so that you can take these people to court and win without going broke. That's what I, I believe anyway. Okay, so we've got to 
go over to TNT Radio News. That's my lot, folks. I've had a lovely, lovely time this morning with you. Um, I'll come back and just uh, let you know what's happening with the weather because there'll be a new forecast. And then I will see you again tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock bright and early. Lord willing. Oh, the temperatures are all back in, so that's good. So we'll cross over now to TNT Radio News. And uh, I'll see you after the, on the other side of the, of the news. Uh, yes, I will see you if they get on, if they hurry up and stop talking. I will go over shortly. Why are, why are they still talking? Here we go. Let's let's do it. Steve Hook's on. He's a funny guy. Okay. Play of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A billionaire Democrat says that former President Donald Trump's peace-nurturing policies look pretty incredible in the wake of violence erupting in the Middle East. During last week's episode of the All In podcast, prominent venture capitalist investor Chamath Palihapitiya, who previously called the former Republican president an idiot, says that it's time to reevaluate President Trump's accomplishments. Commenting just days after Hamas, an Iran-backed terrorist group, invaded Israel and raped, killed, and kidnapped innocent civilians, Mr. Palihapitiya lauded the Trump administration for its foreign policy gains. Labeling himself a Democrat who has been left homeless, who is now definitely in the center, but probably leaning increasingly right, Mr. Palihapitiya said that Trump derangement syndrome had blinded people to the Trump administration's achievements. Trump derangement syndrome causing more damage than anything that Trump could have actually done. And I think the answer is yes, because like it's now causing us to not see that good work and then embrace and extend it. So much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. And that's what's so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out it was right. Issuing long-term debt to refinance when rates were at zero, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural piece in the Middle East, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? Chinese agents have targeted at least 20,000 Britons on websites such as LinkedIn and a bid to get information, the UK's chief spy said on Tuesday. Speaking ahead of a summit of Five Eyes security chiefs in California, MI5 Director General Ken McCollum said his teams detect massive amounts of covert activity by the likes of China in particular, besides those from Russia and Iran. Activity not aimed at just at government or military secrets, not even aimed at our critical infrastructure, but increasingly at promising startups, he said. Innovative companies spun out of our universities, academic research itself, and people that understandably may not think national security is about them. Last month, the cabinet office said the Chinese regime has been headhunting government and military officials and people in key positions in industry and the wider society. It came after the Times of London reported that a single agent had approached thousands of targets. U.S. President Joe Biden accepted an invitation from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to visit the country in a gesture of support. However, White House officials are concerned for President Biden's safety there, believing Hamas may target the U.S. president. Such a trip during Israel's armed conflict with Hamas militants could become one of the highlights of the Biden presidency, similar to his unannounced visit to Kiev in February. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says President Biden is only going there for the photo op. 
Well, we can't forget that this is an election year coming up. We're into the election cycle, and there is no better photo op for any U.S. president, especially an incumbent, than the big photo op standing on the aircraft carrier, standing on the deck of the USS Gerald Ford docked off the coast of Israel. Biden wearing the bomber jacket with the American Eagle patches, the commander-in-chief, the black chips sunglasses. That's the photo op that everybody wants going into an election. And certainly that's the only reason that Biden's going over there is for those images and to be seen to be standing shoulder to shoulder with America's greatest friend and ally, as they say, the state of Israel. But the thing is, why is Biden going to go right now in the middle of what is an impending genocide as Israel is mounting its ground war to move into Gaza? This is going to be Bad optics for Joe Biden on so many different levels. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Oh, Patrick, that's absolute nonsense, and you know it. Absolute nonsense. There's no genocide. Then <laughs> you're a terrible. You need to wrap over the knuckles, mate. While dictators are honored, a democracy is scapegoated. The only country in the world with a standing agenda item at the council is not China, which violates the basic human rights of 1.5 billion people, a fifth of humanity, nor is it Iran, which beats, blinds, and poisons women and girls for the crime of protesting. It is Israel. From the council's creation in 2006 to today, the council has adopted two resolutions on Sudan, three on Venezuela, 14 on Iran, 16 on North Korea, 42 on Syria, and 103 on Israel. So more on Israel than on Iran, Syria, and North Korea combined. I wonder what, that wasn't me coughing either, that was someone else in the background, I don't know who that was. Okay, for some reason, oh it didn't work, oh I know why it didn't work, okay here we go, here we go. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. While dictators are honoured, hey, hey, a democracy hey, is... No, 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 no. Oh, gosh, sorry about that, folks. I got that all wrong, didn't I? Got that all wrong. Anyway, let's... Oh, we like that, Grant. That's good. Seven minutes past nine here on the Early Bird Show. It's the brunch show now. <laughs> let's look at the short forecast, and then that'll be it for me. I was going to work... Oh, maybe I'll, I'll just... Look, I didn't even get to Reuters, so we'll have a quick rundown there. I've just refreshed it, so we'll have a, a quick rundown and see see the latest, see what the, the propaganda coming out of Reuters is. So, uh, a lot of um, a lot of truth and some, and some lies mixed in, usually. Uh, the forecast for Northland, mostly cloudy. You've got rain in the north gradually spreading south during the day. For Auckland, Waikato, Waitomo, Taramanui, Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty, and Taupo, mainly fine weather, but I th- mainly fine weather, but I I, I, th- I can't say it today. Isolated, isolated showers inland in the afternoon. For Gisborne, Hawkes Bay, fine apart from isolated uh, afternoon and evening showers. Taranaki and Taihapi, also you come and do my job then if you're laughing. You come and do this from five o'clock. I was up at three. I'm not complaining. I love getting up early. But you know, it's been a it's been a long day. You know, it's been a long day. It's been six hours. I've worked six hours already. <laughs> you try and do that. You know, yapping for six hours. I didn't let you not quite that long. How long did it go for? Uh, what about two, five, one, two, three, four, four hours? That's that's quite a while. Anyway, so what are we doing? Gisborne, Hawkes Bay, fine apart from isolated showers in the evening and also in the um in the afternoon. Taranaki and Taihapi also in Manawatu as well. Fine apart from areas of cloud in the morning. And then, that's this morning, and then again in the evening. Horobanua, Wellington and the Wairarapa fine weather all day. Uh, in the um, 
in the South Island, Fjordland, Southland, showers about the Fjordland, Southland. Uh, what else have you got? Fine weather coming for you, though, apart from those showers around there. Uh, for the remainder of the South Island, doesn't look too bad. Fine weather apart from areas of morning cloud about Canterbury Coast. Chatham Islands, for you, it's going to be lovely. And looking ahead just to Saturday for the weekend, in the North Island, occasional rain from Waikato to Gisborne northwards, mainly fine weather elsewhere, isolated showers in the Hawke's Bay and the Wairapa area. On Saturday in the South Island, becoming fine in the west, uh, apart from showers uh, in the south, they're going to be spreading elsewhere, uh, east of the Divide, which I still haven't figured out what it is. I think it's the, the Alps, I suppose. I don't know. Okay, let's let's let, we've done that, and then that's pretty much my lot. But I want to have a look at Reuters, and uh, we'll have a look at the um, uh, just the headlines from Reuters. Uh, American families, on average, saw large gains in income and wealth from 2019 and 2020, and households became less fragile during a period marked by severe disruptions of the. Uh, pl- the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and massive subsequent government spending, a Federal Reserve survey published today. And the Federal Reserve policymakers are signalling a pause in hiking interest ra- is that ranges from another couple of months as they wait for a resolution of mixed signals. Interest ranges? Oh, OK. Strong economic data, signs uh, of progress on still stubbornly high inflation and the potential for the uh, recent rise in long-term borrowing costs uh, to do some of their work for them. That's what they're hoping. And in uh, over in uh, in Germany, I suppose, it's Deutsche, Deutsche Bahn, or maybe not, actually. It could be America. They're to announce today, tomorrow they're going to announce this, that the sale of its international transport business, Arriva, to Miami-based infrastructure investor, uh, Squared Capital, resources told Reuters so the Miami so that's the United States now uh, the uh, US appeals court upheld NASDAQ's board diversity rule on Wednesday required that's overnight for us here in New Zealand requiring companies listed on the exchange to have women and minority directors on their boards or explain why they do not how not what a load of nonsense Trump will change all that that's got to be changed surely probably won't be able to though if it was a court appeals court shouldn't have to do that. It should just be the top person. It shouldn't be based on your sex, whether you're a boy or a girl or a man or a woman. It should be based on how good you are, how you can do the job. Trump employs women if they're good enough. Employs men if they're good enough. It all comes down to how well do you do. United Nations. The United States vetoed a United Nations Secretary Council resolution overnight that would have called for humanitarian pauses in the conflict between Israel and Palestinian Hamas militants to allow uh, uh, I was going to say ammunition <laughs> to to allow humanitarian aid access to the Gaza Strip and and there'll be some ammunition and a bit you as well coming in Turkish Turkish protesters clashed with the police overnight and angry demonstrators fo- demonstrations followed that blast that killed a large a large numbers of Palestinians at the Gaza Hospital, the Baptist Hospital in Gaza, and further rallies were expected because they're blaming it on Israel. But they're silly people. They haven't done their homework. Uh, it is. It was. It actually came from the terrorists themselves. So you need to be protesting them. But they won't do that. Uh, Darbur, India's units face lawsuits in U.S. Canada. Uh, oh, this is the headline. I'll just read it. Darbur, India. Darbur said on Wednesday. That's overnight. Its subsidies, uh, subsidiaries rather, are among companies sued in the US and Canada by customers alleging 
that they they used hair relaxers, hair relaxer products that caused ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, and other health issues. Wow, I wouldn't use it. I don't trust anything, honestly. Just wash your hair with a piss. That's the best way. Girls, if you've got long hair, just urinate in a bowl and wash your hair with that in the river. That's the best. There was a girl now. She was um. That's what she did. She was lovely. She, I think she's from the Netherlands. That's what she did. She found it. Um, her hair was getting all. She's got beautiful long hair. They did a story. She'd been on TV. I can't remember her name. I think she's from the Netherlands. She's a bit of an adventure girl, and she's married to this old geezer. And he's sort of. I don't think he's well enough to do it now. But I think they've got one of those. She's a bit weird. They've, it's a weird relationship because I mean he's about thirty years older than her. And I think they. Uh, she, they have sort of what they call an open relationship, so she can go off and shag someone else, and, and they still seem to stay together. I wouldn't tolerate that nonsense. Good grief! You mean what they bring home? Might bring home the gift that keeps on giving. Anyway, so that's terrible. Anyway, I don't know how I got onto that from the um, the cancer thing. The um, what was it? As it was a hair relaxer, their products. Wow, we. That's terrible, isn't it? Okay, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security on Wednesday overnight. That is for us announced a new family reunification parole uh, progress for certain nationals in Ecuador. Ah, a reunification for parole, a parole progress, or process rather, put a G in there. Uh, US, here we are, the United States overnight tried to limit Iran's missile and drone programs by imposing new sanctions, warning companies how to avoid selling Iranian-sensitive technology and dusting off a 20-year-old program to stop weapons of mass destruction shipments. Good on you. And finally, from Reuters, Ford Motor Vehicle Company said on Wednesday it is recalling 35,000 Mustangs, the the Mac-E electric, because of high-voltage battery main contractors may overheat. The high-voltage battery main contactors, contactors rather, I don't know, Gosh, I add words that aren't there. They may overheat, resulting in a loss of driving power. Overheat and catch fire. We've seen them, haven't we? So there we are. Recall the lot and stick a V8 in it. That's what you want to do. A flipping turbocharged diesel or something like that. The new diesel engines are, man, they're amazing. They have got so much pep. Remember the old days, you put your foot down, the old thing just blew smoke out the back. <laughs> Black smoke out the back from, uh, you know, diesel that hadn't been burnt came out the back and oh just terrible I still love the smell of a diesel don't you especially the new ones they smell quite sweet I don't know why that is why they smell so nice whether it's the diesel that, that goes through them apparently when you make your own diesel you know whether a biofuel make it out of vegetable oil and stuff like that whatever you can get from the fish and chip shop apparently it smells like you're following you know like you can smell fish and chips when you're following a car that's running on that stuff Biofuel, good stuff. Or even the old black diesel, what they do is they just basically use them, you know, when they get a mixture of petrol and, and diesel, and then all you, all you do, this is, this is how you make your own fuel, I'll tell you. you so you just get, um, you know, when people put them, they put some, your petrol and the diesel, or vice versa, they get Mr. Sucky Moto around and he t- sucks it out. Well, they can't get rid of it, these companies. So basically they'll give it to you, not allowed to sell it to you, and they'll basically give it to you. And so then what you've got to do, you... Um, you, you, you mix it all up some of them I mean it might be a bit more tricky than this just go on YouTube they're good for that sort of thing it's about the only good thing they are the only thing they are good for and um, and it shows you that. so what you do is you get um, also you, you go to one of those digger places or you know people that hire big machinery and they change their hydraulic fluid all the time so you get some of that and then all you do is you get some normal diesel 
and then you just let it drip off a stick. You dip it into it and you let it drip off a stick and you can't get your clock ready, your stopwatch ready and you just count the number of drips per minute. And then you go to your mixture, you know, it's black diesel I suppose it is, and it's got petrol in it as well. So all, then all you do is you just get your hydraulic fluid and you add that to it until you get the same drip. So you're looking for viscosity. So it's got to be the same as diesel. And then you just basically try that out. And, and this guy, a guy, a friend of mine, he's been running... His, he's got one of those older cars. I think the new ones might balk at it because they, they've got um, colour you know, sensitive as well. They've got all these sensors on. If the colour's not right, it won't let you. So you've got to take that sensor off. <laughs> you want an old truck. So what he's running, sort of like a 1990s, um, oh, it'd be a Nissan Patrol or Nissan, you know, something like that, a Patrol or what's the other one? Uh, it's a Safari or something like that. He's been running that. And basically he just runs the diesel uh, his own home diesel which is petrol mix and just add the hydraulic fluid so that you get just get the right bang and, and his car's been going great for easily he said I've run it on it for 20 years and then I, you know my mate says to him Don't, doesn't it block up the injectors he goes no he said well, I might do a little bit he said but I do my own injectors and you know what he does he takes the injectors out you know if he's got an 8 cylinder or a 6 cylinder he takes all 6 of them out and he uses, I think he just uh, uses uh, brake fluid, no, brake liner, no, brake disc pad cleaner. He d- just spray, sprays that on. You get it from Repco or Super Cheap. And you spray that on. And then I guess he just gets a, uh, the, the, um, the compressed air and just give it a clean out and screw it back in and away you go. I don't know whether he soaks it in it or whether he just sprays it. And he might soak it in it. So it's brake, it's the brake, the disc brake cleaner. That's what he uses to 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 clean his. Um, as far as I know, I'd like to have a talk to him. I'd like to get him on the program. Actually, people like that that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? We could do that in future. We could get people on to talk about all the great things they can do, all these preppers and stuff like that. They're very interesting people to talk to. People that make their own stuff. People that are, you know lived off grid, like my friend David down in Levin up on the hills there. He's been off grid, off for nearly thirty years. Uh, he welds off his electric pa- off his batteries that are connected to panels. He's got special batteries that he uses. I think it's 36 volts, and you get a bit of voltage drop. And uh, he's a pretty good welder, but you'd have to be too because the sun goes behind a cloud and then everything drops off, and then then the sun comes out and it all like blow a hole in your in your welding, blows a hole in the metal. So you've got to you know it's a, bit, it's a bit up and down. And the the thing is, I've used it. I've been down there. I've built trailers with them because he's he got me into trailers all like years ago got me into the trailers and so that's what I do I build these big heavy just working on one now 9.6 meters as I've been shagging around with it for like weeks <laughs> normally I could build a trailer like that in days uh, but you know you know, a couple of days it'll be all done but now I take forever and also I'm looking after a farm as well uh, but anyway getting back to um, running the car you're David interesting people very interesting people they are and um, you know all his, ch- his kids he's got a couple of daughters I think and a son his boy is very skilled I guess he'd be sort of like early 20s and he's highly skilled and uh, you know great skills you know he's got not only has he got computer skills but he's you know he's he can drive a digger he can drive all the machinery and he's really good at it too apparently and good with a chainsaw that sort of thing and he's got his little daughter now last time I was down there staying with him she would have been 12 years old and I took a video of her driving the digger operating the digger while David my friend was up on the other end and in you know didn't take her long. I said, how long have you been driving for? She said, oh, just a few hours. <laughs> she got the hang of it. This is a, this is a 12-ton digger uh, that she was using to help her dad build a, a, um, a roof. 
dirty big roof of his own trees, which he's milled himself with his mahoe or whatever it's called, the mahoe mill. And a uh, dirty big roof that he put right over the top, big six metre long beams. And uh, that was for the, for the woodshed. So that was, and they could drive, and they could drive right in with the tractor and just offload the wood, big pile of wood there where it could just dry out. He leaves it outside in the summer, sorry, in the sun, you know, when they chop them down, they split them. And uh, that's another part of his business, is his firewood business. So he's got all sorts of business. He builds cabins, he builds trailers, doesn't like doing trailers. I don't blame him because, you know, you're, you're welding away there with this Durigal stuff, which is sort of more high tensile than the, the normal trailer stuff, but it gives off some terrible fumes and I reckon those discs that we use to cut steel with too you don't know what's in them there could be asbestos in these blimmin things wherever they come from China or somewhere with a German label on it <laughs> anyway so that is that and uh, let's just have a quick look and see if there's been any new news and then I'll love you and leave you until tomorrow morning uh, dear oh dear it must have been pretty terrible it, it was a misfire apparently the IDF the Gaza explosion was caused here, I'm re- reading this from the Times of Israel. It was caused by an Islamic Jihad rocket misfire. The Arab world blames Israel. Biden is en route for solidarity visit. He's there now. I, the, oh, they've closed down for the night, haven't they? I think they have. Yes, 19 hours ago. There we go. Okay, so that's my lot. I will see you tomorrow morning. Have a wonderful, uh, wonderful day and uh, work hard. Always want to work hard. Never put off anything that you can do tomorrow that you can do today. <laughs> so I never put off anything that you can do today, tomorrow. That is a good way. Good way to keep keep uh, keep the wolf from the door, isn't it? Just keep earning. The sluggard, the one that doesn't want to work, the Bible says they end up in a bad way. Okay, so that's my lot. I will love you and leave you and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All right? Okay, bye now.